Poker Fraud Alert Radio. I am Todd Dandruff. We tell us that was ABBA's Gimme, 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 A Man After Midnight. I am a man after midnight for you. Especially if you're on the East Coast, because midnight is in two minutes. We had some sound problems to start the show. So if you're listening live, I apologize. I, I thought I had them fixed earlier in the week. And uh, apparently I did not. So I, I had to rapidly try to figure out what was wrong. And I, and I did. So... Welcome, and it's been a while since we've been on. Last show was on the night of April 6th. This is being recorded on the night of April 21st, 2017. So it's been 15 days. This is a Friday night show. It almost didn't happen. It still may not happen fully, because I'm forcing myself to come on here despite the fact that I'm sick. I got sick 12 days ago, so I, I had no idea that this could possibly get in the way of my ability to do radio. The reason I missed last week was not from being sick, even though I was sick. It was because I was on a vacation to New York and Atlantic City and Pennsylvania, and I planned to come back and do radio on Wednesday, on Wednesday the 19th. But amazingly, this cold just would not go away and, in fact, got worse after it had been there for over a week, which was really disheartening. So it got worse on Monday instead of getting better. I already had it for eight days by that point. I, it got worse on Monday, and I said, wow, I wonder if I'm going to miss radio. And I was kind of in denial. I, I still thought, ah, come on, in, in two days i got to be better. It'll be like ten days by then. But no, Wednesday actually was the worst day of them all. Uh, I was hoping I could do it Thursday, but still wasn't good enough yesterday. And today, in, in the morning, I said, no, nah, I can't do it today either. And I was just about to announce in the afternoon that the show was not going to happen tonight. And we're going to have to probably wait until next week to do the show again. And I felt a little bit better. And I said, okay, okay. I'm going to try to force this. I'm going to try to force this. And I've said before I won't do the show with a cold, especially a bad cold. But this has been 12 days already. I, I think after 12 days I can do it. And on the line with me, my co-host who has done the show before when he has a cold. Calwat, hello. How you doing, Druff? Well, uh, right now I feel okay. Um, I don't know how I'm going to hold up for hours of talking and talking. That's that's what's tough about this. You know, people said, oh, it's a cold, big deal. Well. Number one, I have some colds that are just really bad, like the, the, every symptom you could think of, and just it hits me really hard. It's not a flu; it really is just a cold, but it's it's a a bad cold. And then, you know, doing certain things with a cold is easier than doing certain other things. And one thing that's very hard to do with a cold is talking for hours and hours nonstop. So it it's just something I've tried to do in the past, and when I have tried. As soon as radio is over, I regret it. And then sometimes the next day I have no voice. Sometimes it hinders my recovery. I'm not even kidding. Like, I, I've tried it. And so I said, okay, never again. 
But then I just went against that tonight because it's been 12 days since I caught this cold. And I'm tired of waiting for it to get better. And this is really one of these days I look forward to being on radio. You know, I've said before, even though I come on every show with a good attitude, and I, I never say, ah, oh, I don't feel like doing this. Some, some weeks I don't feel like doing this. Some weeks I, I almost see it like a chore, even though I don't have to. Nobody's forcing me to. But some weeks I don't really feel like doing it. Other weeks I'm very excited to do it, and other weeks kind of in the middle. But whenever I've missed a show from being on vacation or whatever, as I was last week, I really get to miss it. And it's been over two weeks, and there's certain things I want to talk about. And I, I really wanted to do it this week, and it was really bothering me Wednesday and Thursday that I, I couldn't come on here. So I said, okay, it's marginal today, but I'm going to do it anyway. So here I am. The, the only reason I'm giving you this whole speech, everybody, is that... Oh, by the way, I, I should mention there's a free roll going in. It started 22 minutes ago, so you have three minutes to get in there. I'm not even going to do the intro to the free roll. Because uh, by the time I'll be done, you won't be able to get in anymore. I probably should have scheduled it for 9 today, 40. But Don't forget to tell people about the bounty on my there's head. A, there's a bounty, a $25 bounty on Cal Watt. So if you're in the free roll, $25 bounty on him. Otherwise, $75 on the free roll on top of the bounty. First place, $37. Second place, $19. Third place, $11. Fourth place, $8. And a $25 bounty on Cal Watt. The money came from SMI Florida, gave $25, always very generous to us. John Stamos, very nice guy, met him before, $50. And Snowtrax, who gave $25 for this bounty on CalWatt. So CalWatt, with everybody gunning for you for better than second place money, you can thank mm. Snowtrax for that. So that's, that's tonight, that's going on, it started, uh, I, I didn't expect it to be this, like I started the music for the show just around the time when the free roll started. So I had plenty of time to announce it because it was 25 minutes of late registration. But then we had those sound problems. Like the song finished and I, I spoke and no one heard me. And I could tell immediately. So I, you guys listening in the archives can't tell this because I started the whole thing over once I got it working. Disposition says he has a donation too? Well, uh, if he does, then it'll have to be next week. There are, there are a number of donations I got... Uh, that we're not using this week because it's on a Friday. I didn't want the free roll to be huge since it it was a, a late announced show on an off day. So I hate to have like really big free rolls on days like that, but I want to have a free roll. Uh, disposition. I don't see any money from disposition. He can PM me and we'll figure this out. Occasionally one of these slips by. I just don't note it down right. Especially I got some of these when I was on vacation, and you know you know how that goes. So anyway. Always uh, a lot to discuss when we've missed a week, and uh, so we do have some things to discuss tonight. Calwatt, I thank you for coming on, even though it is after midnight where you are at uh, 12 or 4 a.m. I was in your state, not very close to you, but I was in your state last week, as you know. I felt your presence. <laughs> and, you know, it was it was the worst, though. I, I, I get to this... Everything starts out really well. You know, the... I'm usually like really rushing to get to the airport because I hate getting to the airport too early and just sitting around and then having a long flight. So this time it wasn't a rush, though. Got there in plenty of time, but not too much time. Got on the flight. There was no problem there. The flight was fine. I get to the hotel. Talk them into a massive upgrade for free. Where I got a, a big suite right on Times Square at the Marriott Marquis. So did you ever leave your... Uh Hotel room being all sick like yeah, that? Yeah, I did. I did every day. I, ju- I just said, you know, I, I'm, I'm not here to just sit in the room. So, it, but it was a so, great, you, so you're like typhoid Todd. You just spread your 
disease all over New York City? Oh, I'm sure that you, you should have seen. You know, the, the, the second. Okay, so so on Monday um, we went to Central Park. Now there, it doesn't spread around as much because you know it's a wide open area. But the next day we went to Ellis Island and to uh, uh, the Statue of Liberty and to the the Freedom Tower. These were all very, very crowded areas. <laughs> You're packed with people, especially that boat going to Ellis Island, the Statue of Liberty, oh, if you guys have been there. So can you imagine? I, I was, like, super contagious then. But I, I came all the way to New York. I don't care. I, I, you know, I wasn't coughing on people, but uh, at the same time. You're, like, you're going to be patient zero in some kind of crazy disease that breaks out. No, it, would, only, it would be a miracle. You only get by, you know, having sex with a marsupial or something. <laughs> it would be a miracle if nobody caught this that day because, I mean, it's like a cattle car, that boat. There, there are so many people they stuff on that boat going to the Statue of Liberty in Ellis Island. But, you know, I forced myself to go out. That, that was uh, the two worst days of this whole thing <clears throat> were uh, uh, Tuesday of last week and Wednesday of this week. So uh, I was really struggling that day. But I went out. But it was a beautiful hotel room I got there. And uh, double upgrade I talked myself into or talked them into. Uh, with a great view of the Hudson River in New Jersey and, and, and Manhattan, and a uh, big suite right on Times Square for the price of a regular room. Actually, the, the, the discounted price of a regular room. It was amazing, the upgrade I got myself. Mm. So I, I was so proud of this. Went in the room, you know, we went out to eat, came back, and just as I'm about to go to sleep, a little bit you know, after you know, probably 1 a.m. or so, Eastern Time, and I go, I have a little bit of a sore throat. I go, no, this couldn't be. I go, ah, shit. I hope this isn't. And then I wake up, and it's a bad sore throat. And I go, crap. I have a cold at the very beginning of my trip. And turned into a bad one. And But, yeah, I, I, I went and did everything. And I really, th- I mean, if, if someone told me that on April 21st I had to marginally do radio because I still had this thing, I, I would have been shocked. But that's the way it goes sometimes. So, anyway, uh, I'm glad to be back on the air. Glad to be doing the show again. I, I really do get to miss this. If, if I ever decide the show's over and I'm just quitting and I'm done with it, I I, I think that uh, I'll get to miss it pretty quickly because uh, even after a few weeks off of this thing, even after just two weeks off of this thing, you know, I just feel like I, I want to come back. And I know a lot of you like listening. So I've been watching the call to listen line which you can reach at uh, 712-775-8162 to listen to the show anytime live. Uh, it doesn't require a smartphone or the internet. All you have to do is call from any phone in the world. doesn't cost you any data. It's a way to listen to the show live. Or when we're not live, you can hear one of our over 220 archives shows, which play randomly on there. So I was looking at the stats on there, and there, there's some people, or maybe one or two people, I don't know, how many people, but like for, for example, yesterday, six calls came into the line and of course we weren't on, on the air live, but six calls came in for a total of 954 minutes. And I was like, wow, six calls, 954 minutes. That's, that's some real listening time. So, so someone or, or a few people are, are calling up there and just listening Mass amounts of time on there, but we have had like over 300. Ah, that, that dude from the pizza shop probably called it and was trying <laughs> to talk to you the whole time. Okay? Okay? Okay, okay. 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 We've had over like 300,000 minutes listened on that line since it went up in November 2015. So it's been well used. Anyway, uh, 
If you want to call into the show, the phone number, as always, 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355 is the phone number. You can also call the Mount Charleston line, which is located in a cabin on top of Mount Charleston. It's an old 70s rotary phone, which forwards to me wherever I go. It's a separate line into the show. 702-430-1808, 702-430-1808. And no matter which number you call, make sure to show your caller ID or you won't get through. Now, the call to listen line, you can't talk to us on that, but uh, you, you can hide your caller ID there. But I have bad news for you. That line can see through your caller ID. Mm-hmm. So you're not as private as you think you are. In fact, there's a lot of numbers like that out there. I don't know if I've talked about this before, but there, there are numbers you can call that can see through caller ID blocks, including my personal cell phone. You call my personal cell phone with a blocked phone number, and I can see your phone number. And uh, you, you probably have some special Facebook account so you can see people that are stalking you, right? <laughs> well, I, I, I made sure my cell phone was like that when I started. Uh, someone was pranking me during the World Series of Poker. It was a different phone number I had at the time, but someone was pranking me during the World Series of Poker. And they thought they were so clever, you know, just harassing me with bombarding me with phone calls. Just they'd hang up if I answered. They didn't say anything. But I, I said, you know what? I'm going to put the effort to. See who this is. They think they're calling privately, but they're going to get a surprise. I, mean, I saw through it, got their number, and called them up and confronted them. And they were very, uh, very alarmed by the whole thing. And it turned out, the funny thing is, it turned out to be uh, this was back on when I was on Donkdown, but it was a forum post there. People didn't know him that well. He only made you know, posts occasionally, but it was this guy from Minnesota. And he, I, I had figured it was going to be like some troll who hated me. No, this was a guy who, when he did post, posted positively about me. Always had nice things to say about me. I'm thinking, why is he doing this then? Why, why is he harassing me and trying to get me so mad if, if when he talks about me on the forum, it's positive? It's not like this was a troll. So he tries to say, oh, it was my roommate. And, you know, it was definitely him. It's 100% him. But uh, I, I, I uh, enabled that then, and I still have it enabled. It's, uh, it's not a feature that you can just call your f- cell phone company and enable. They won't do that for you. And my phone can do it. And uh, so just just in case you guys get a hold of my cell phone number, which Calwatt has, but just in case you get a hold of it and think of pranking me, I will get your number too. And, I, and I'll prank you back. I really will. I'll, in fact, I, I, won't even pra- I won't only prank you back. I will post your number up on Poker Fraud Alert if you prank me. Let's see you just do it once. If you just prank me once, I won't do it. Put it up on Grinder. I might do that too. You never know. <laughs> you, you never know. Like one prank call is fine, as long as it's not like threatening or something alarming like that. Just you know, one funny prank call I don't care about. But uh, any attempt to actually harass me, that's what gets me mad. Anyway, um, if you want to chat during the show, you can go in the chat room. You need a flash-enabled device, meaning no iPhones or iPads. You also need a form account, which is validated and in good standing to get in there. And if you're listening in the archives, then you will not be able to chat because there will be nobody there to chat with you. Uh, if you want to listen in the archives, we have a lot of different ways to do it. There's iTunes, there's Google Play, there is uh, Stitcher, there's TuneIn. These are apps you can get for your phone. Uh, you can just go download the MP3 directly from the radio form on Poker Fraud Alert. And you can even get an RSS feed off of the uh, radio page. Just click on the radio page. You'll be directed to all these uh, different ways to listen or just search on those apps for Poker Fraud Alert. Just enter Poker Fraud Alert one word, Poker Fraud Alert, and you'll find it. 
And if you have any other way that you'd like me to add that isn't too burdensome for me, then I will add to it because I, I like having ways to listen to the show, both live and in the archives. I think we, we have probably the most options of any poker show as far as ways to listen. So, um, what else? Oh, if you forget the phone numbers, like to, the, in, to call into the show or the call to listen line or whatever, just, just click on the radio tab on Poker Fraud Alert and it'll all be listed there. You can text the show anytime at 775-372-8355, the same as our main phone number. I may read your text on the air, unless you ask me not to. So. And by the way, uh, some people think they're clever sending me texts through uh, services that uh, allow you to send free text messages with a phony phone number. Uh, Those are not as secure as you think either. They're not. I'm not going to explain it fully, but they're they're not as secure as you think either. You uh, so some people. Uh, I'm not talking about people. You just want to send me some funny text or something. But you know, I, I get some. I get a few trolls who try to write things there that are uh, anonymous and and uh, in an attempt to upset me. So just just letting you guys know, you're not as anonymous as you think you are, and there are ways to see through that as well. Anyway. Um, here, here's some uh, text we got tonight from the 915 ABBA rules. Suck on it, Sanilmar. I guess Sanilmar didn't like our ABBA opening. Uh, from the 410, please have Chaco Loco call the pizza place before they close. Yeah, I, th- I think they already closed. It's, it's after 11 there in Chicago, so we'll do it next week. It was originally on the agenda, but we're not going to do it this week. Besides, to be honest, I think I may have a little trouble doing the funny voices this week because of the cold, so... I, I was thinking of that, too, as the song was playing. I'm going, you know what? This probably isn't a good Chico Loco week. I, I, I want to have the, the full energy to, to do this. It's funny. Is that, like I, even when I'm feeling a little bit better, I notice I don't have the energy I usually do. Like I, I forgot something in the store, and I, I was going to go, oh, I'm going to run back and get it. And I started to run. I was just like, I get exhausted like after running like about uh, 10 steps. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> I guess I still have a while to recover. So, okay, here's the agenda, and then we'll get going. Oh, he says they're open to 4 a.m. on Fridays. Hmm. I still don't think it's a good week for it. I just, I just don't think I have the energy for that type of call. I, I got to get Chico all fired up, you know, in case they fight with him. And I, I just don't think I have that tonight. But we'll, we'll, we won't forget about it. We'll do it next week. I'm sure by next week it'll be all better. I'm not sure, I think. Okay, so uh, I'll quickly review that I'm still selling pieces of myself for the World Series. Won't spend a lot of time on that since I mentioned it last week. Uh, I had a couple of guys message me saying, where the hell is the package? It, it, well, it's up on Tasty Steaks now. So, oh, it is uh, there yeah, now. Yeah, okay. I'll, I'll mention it. I'll mention that too. Uh, so on uh, an announcement came down uh, last week when we weren't doing the show that the long-gone money stolen by Scott Tom and friends from Absolute Poker is now going to be available for reimbursement from any players that were owed via the United States government. That was a surprise. I'm going to talk a lot about that. We're going to discuss... You've got to be psyched about that. 
I'm I'm actually not. I'm going to explain. I'm going to. Oh I'm my gonna, god! I'm, okay. I'm going to talk about that too. There, you know, we'll talk about uh, number one. Will you get your entire balance? You know, the government's involved here. You may you may think 100 percent yes, but maybe not. I'll explain why you may not get your entire balance. I'll tell you how to go about doing it. Uh, I'll tell you that uh, whether non-U.S. players are eligible, and I will give you my opinion on how I feel about this, which might surprise some of you, and also might not surprise some of you. Uh, I'll give some little stories about my trip to uh, the East Coast, including a confrontation with a Times Square pizza place, getting denied a suite at Caesars Atlantic City after doing so well at the Marriott Marquis, I, I came in with confidence and got smacked down. And also, I visited some Amish homes in Pennsylvania. I'm not even kidding. So I'll talk a bit about uh, those experiences. You're trying to kill off the Amish, too? Um, you know, I, 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 I thought I was starting to... to this get... is like the, you know, the colonialists and, colonialists and the conquistadors visiting all these, like, remote tribes and just giving them all these diseases that they're, they don't have accustomed to. You probably wiped out That's the true. whole Amish village. That's man. true. There's probably a lot of uh, illness on the East Coast right now. This is a bad one, too. They're probably sitting there going, uh, going, uh... Um, has thine cold gone away yet? No, it, uh, it does not. John Parker, thou shalt never cohort with those modern people again. <laughs> look what! Look at the disease and famine they have brought to I our have, village. I have never seen disease such as this. <laughs> Two weeks, it is still here. Okay, so uh, Bodog and Ignition, they, they, in their constant war against professional poker players, they have eliminated the ability to choose your own table where you're going to play. So I'll explain what's going on with that. Um, there was some talk that uh, Lyman may come on the show tonight and have a conversation with Calwatt. Lyman was, was acting so strange about this. He always acts so brave that he's going to come on here and own me and he, he's going to take over the show. But he wanted to come on tonight only to talk to Calwatt and refused to speak to me. Like 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 I'm persona non grata. Now I wasn't going to have that. This is this is not his show. This is my show, and uh, I, I mean I'm not. I'm, I'm happy to have uh, Calwad and him have a discussion on here, but I'm not going to sit like a mute. I, I was going to let them mostly have the discussion, but I'm I'm not going to lime and dictate the terms that I can't speak on my own show. There's no way. But anyway, it's not going to happen tonight because uh, he's busy, Lyman. So uh, we'll we'll do this next week. Lyman big time does. <laughs> well, I actually made sure not to big time him because when when on Wednesday I couldn't come on because of the cold. I I, I had the courtesy to tell him uh, I'm not big timing you. Yeah. I, I, there's going to be no show tonight. So, you know, even uh, with he, he actually did the opposite of big timing. He gave me the the heads up he wouldn't be able to make it. Yeah. So, well, I guess we we did. It's all good. I guess ne- neither of us big timed. Unlike dog puke. So, anyway, um, I. Played at the Bellagio, which probably caused this whole thing. The, the, the Bellagio play I did was, I mean, it's a good chance this is what got me sick. But this is all the way back on, on uh, f- two weeks ago, on Friday the 4th. <laughs> or not Friday, Friday the 7th, I mean. I played at the Bellagio, and I had just one hand left at the 2040 Limit Hold'em. And they were just about to do the half-hourly collection which is like a rake. You know, there's no rake in that game. What they do is every half hour they collect money from each player. And I was under the gun. So I said, well, I'm about to leave the table. Uh, 
just let me play this one more. Can I just play this one more hand? Now, at Commerce, totally fine. 100% fine if you do this. At Bellagio, they're always changing the rules around. So I thought the answer might be no. That might be yes, might be no. I was going to accept it either way. But boy, did this cause a major altercation where, among other things, a man who was almost 80 years old uh, threatened to uh, knock me out. Not just almost 80 years old, almost 80 years old and in a wheelchair. (laughs) Oh, my God. Uh, It caused a major altercation, including two players getting suspended from the cash game. All because I asked for one hand and didn't insist that I get it. It's not like I asked for it, was denied and, and, and fought for it. I asked and was okay either way of the answer. So you might wonder, how could that possibly cause a major altercation to get two players booted from the game? I'll tell you when we get to that segment. Mitch Garber is CEO of Caesars Interactive Entertainment. It was one of the little spinoffs of Caesars during their bankruptcy. It's the profitable part of Caesars. They own the World Series. Uh, Speaking of profitable, he has gotten a rather large bonus for his performance at Caesars. Uh, It has been revealed that he's received... One million dollars. No, 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 no. Much, 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 much more than that. We'll talk about what bonus he got and why. The Heartland Poker Tour, a popular poker tour. There's many poker tours that have uh, failed, including another one we're going to talk about tonight. Heartland Poker Tour has been successful, but they are starting to fall under controversy. Last year, it was found that there is missing money from the prize pools. Now the cause of the missing money has been kind of figured out, but it's still going on, and the Heartland Poker Tour will not explain why they're taking the money. So we'll talk about this ongoing controversy that was again brought to my attention by frequent tournament player Ari Engel, who listens to this show, also known as Bodog Ari. The Poker Players Championship defunct poker tour. Uh, Brian Olton was one of the owners of it. He has declared bankruptcy. We'll talk about that. Speaking of failed poker businesses, Phil Ivey had a training site called the Ivy League, (laughs) and it had a lot of impressive pros on the roster, but it was a failure. It was a big-time failure, and it's going to close on May 1st. Shocker. Yeah, I'm not exactly... uh, I wasn't exactly floored by that news. In fact, a lot of people didn't even know it existed. Apple. I, I have an iPhone. I don't have any other Apple devices, but I have uh, iPhones. Uh, I, I assume you do too, because I notice I can send iMessages to you, Calwatt. I do. Uh, my girlfriend has an iPhone 6 Plus, which I bought her. And it was having all kinds of problems. And it turns out that the iPhone 6 Plus has a major design flaw that only started to become exposed when the phone got a little bit older and passed the warranty. And there's a very uh, unfortunate and disturbing saga, at least in my opinion, regarding a major flaw in the iPhone 6 Plus, which Apple first denied. Then when they finally admitted it, they decided they're going to charge everyone $349, and then they relented and charged $149 to fix the flaw. So, I was victimized by this this week, and I want to talk about it a bit, because I, th- I think it sucks. 
So those are the topics of the week, and the only way we won't get through them is if I start to notice that I'm having trouble getting through them. Uh, I may have to pause for a moment and do things like blow my nose or cough or clear my throat. Uh, I will try to not blow out your ear with that sort of thing, but this will be a reality, and that's what you get for... Me forcing myself onto the show, even on a night when uh, when I'm not feeling very good. So, let's get into, quickly, the pieces I'm selling for myself, or of myself, for the World Series 2017. They are still available. There's about half of what I'm selling still available. Meaning, uh, you can still buy the maximum amount I allow for everybody, which is 4% of me. You can buy as little as 0.5% of me. You can buy. Hold on, as- hold on, hold on, hold on. Don't say anything. Don't say anything. All right, go ahead. I bought my piece. I didn't want to get locked out. Go ahead. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Wow. I just, see, this is, this is what I'm doing. I'm creating urgency here. But I, what, I was, what I was saying here is that everybody has a chance still. The most you can buy is 4%. I do this to allow everybody uh, a chance to buy what they want. And then uh, close to the World Series, if I'm not sold out, then I will. Let people buy more if they want. But uh, right now the max is 4%. The minimum is 0.5%. Uh, if you go to the Poker Fraud Alert 2017 World Series of Poker Forum, which is a separate forum, you can read a thread about me selling pieces. Or you can go to a site that is run by Calwatt here called tastysteaks.com. That's tasty, S-T-A-K-E-S.com, tastysteaks.com. And uh, you can see my package up there. In fact, I'm going to have two of them. I only, I've only put one up there right now, but the second I'm selling two packages. I just didn't have time to get the second one up today. But uh, you can see my packages up there, and you can see packages of other players for uh, the World Series and what? I guess other tournaments too, right? Yeah, whatever you want. I mean, it's it's mostly used for the World Series, honestly. But yeah, I mean, people could do it for whatever they want. Yeah, and it's a free site, which is important to me as you guys would guess. Uh and uh that, that I've told you guys before like when Calwatt told me about this and said that he suggests that I use it because it could be helpful. I said, "Okay, but is it free?" He said, "Yes." I said, "Okay." And I knew that that was going to be your first question. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, if if he said like this, I was positive. If he said this is going to be a, you know, no, but it's you know, it's fairly cheap. I go, "Okay, you know, thank you, but no thank you. You can keep your site." Just a small fee skimmed off the top. Yeah. But and not only that, uh since Cal Watt's such a shady character, I know you guys don't want him holding your money or getting your personal information. The good news is that uh, Tasty Steaks, I'm, I'm only using it as a, a record-keeping uh, as a record-keeping site. So basically that's where the records will be kept of how I'm doing in each event and how much money you're owed and all that good stuff. And it, it's, it's very good at that. That's why I'm using it. I'm not just doing it to be nice to Cal Watt. I, I, it's really a good site. And... In fact, he doesn't get anything out of me using it. But uh, anyway, it, it's uh, all the money will be going to me directly, not through Tasty Steaks. Tasty Steaks will just be used for record keeping for this. But I do have uh, my first package posted up there. Uh, I have two different packages I'm selling. The first package is everything but the 10K limit hold'em event, and package number two is only the 10K limit hold'em event. And I just decided to separate out the smaller events and the one big event I play as far as the preliminaries. I don't sell, sell the main, but everything else I sell. So I said, you know, I don't want that. Some people don't want one big event having so much influence on the overall results because if I cash in the 10K 
limit hold them, then I, I've pretty much guaranteed myself a winning series. And if I don't cash, then I pretty much guaranteed I, I don't have a winning series unless I run really deep in something else. So, uh, so that's why I split it into two packages. Um, most people have bought both packages in equal amounts, and I, I thought that might happen, but I wanted to give everyone the option to not do that. So you can buy up to 4% of me of each package. And I'm selling 40% total. So I'm keeping 60% of myself no matter what. And even if I don't sell all 40%, I am playing. This, I, don't, I don't need the money to play. I, I will be playing no matter what. Even if I sold 0%, I would play. So there, there's no minimum I have to sell. I'm definitely playing all these events. Unless I either am on a day two or three of a previous event that conflicts. Or if uh, I don't feel well, if something like this happens and I get a bad cold and I cannot be in proper shape to spend the whole day playing poker at a high level, then I will not play. And if I don't play any particular event, you get a full refund, including the markup, which is uh, 20%. So, And Druff, at the risk of sounding like an infomercial, the other cool thing about using Tasty Steaks for, is that people that buy pieces of you? Um, they'll get your whole itinerary in terms of all the tournaments you're going to play, and it will give them a readout of you know where you placed, what you cashed for, right? Um, and then also if they if they do sign up on the site, um, it will also show them the exact amount that they're due uh, to be paid out by you and all that stuff. Yeah, so. yeah, it's 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 a very good site to keep all those records, and it's ongoing. You know, from every event, I'm going to update it, and you'll see. Uh, you know how much I cashed, how much you get out of that, uh, and and you know what you're do right now, and all that good stuff. It's a lot of information up there that the site calculates for you. So that's that's why I'm using it. And uh, there's a link on that thread on the World Series of Poker 2017 forum uh, where you can see, you know, you can go directly to my Tasty Six page of uh, Package One, and I'll be posting Package Two very shortly, maybe even tonight after the show. So, uh, yeah, still plenty of time to buy. Uh, you can pay me in many ways. You can do it uh, through Bitcoin. You can do it through a bank transfer. You can do it by check. You can. Uh, there's other methods too, which uh, I'm not going to officially announce on here, but you might be able to guess what they are. And you can uh, email me and ask if I can take certain things, and I'll let you know if I can. But uh, a lot of ways to pay me, and. You know, I, I will be updating my results very frequently on the at Dandruff Poker Twitter account, which is just for my World Series play. And you'll feel like you're right there next to me. You're really going to get very frequent updates. Uh, you'll learn about who's at the table with me that you might know of. Hopefully uh, not close enough to get the AIDS from you. Yeah, you know, if, if, if I get a cold like this again, you might even catch it by uh, following that. that. That's how close you're going to feel to me when you're reading the twitter.com slash dandruff poker i mean i I really give a lot of updates so you can really feel like you're part of it and that's the main point of this whole thing the main point is so you can sweat someone at the world series that you know of that you maybe listen on the radio every week that you know is going to try very very hard to do his best that has a lot of experience at the world series winning poker player overall and 
you know, so hopefully, hopefully it goes well. But it is for entertainment. And also, you know I'm not going to stiff you. You know I'm going to pay you. You know I'm not going to pretend to play the events and just run off with the money. You know that I'm not going to do drugs or get drunk the night before because I don't ever do that stuff. So you know all these things. And that's a lot of stuff you cannot say about most people that are selling pieces of themselves. So that's another good reason to buy pieces. But if you don't want to, that's fine too. I'm not insulted if you don't want to buy any pieces of me. This is really something I only want you to do if this is something that you would enjoy doing. If it's something that you really think is something that you'd like to do. I don't do it out of pity. Don't do it out of obligation. Don't do it uh, for any reason other than you want to. And I'm serious about that. That's the, otherwise, I, otherwise, I'd feel bad. If you, if you invest money in this and I lose, and you go, oh, I really didn't want to do this anyway. Well, that would make me feel bad. So don't. Just only do it if you really want to. So, uh, you can also text me, 775-372-8355 for more information if you want to know anything further. So, let's move on to the main portion of the show. I was surprised, as were many people, as were pretty much everybody who had been following the Absolute Poker and UB story from start to finish. Starting from the discovery of the super user situation going on in Absolute Poker in 2007 through the UB situation that was discovered, also a super user situation, in 2008 that turned out to stretch back several years before that, to the phony sale to new owners that weren't really new owners, to the eventual bust on Black Friday in 2011, where it came out that, lo and behold, all the money had been stolen and that nobody was going to be getting their cash outs, that any money you had on AP or UB, which had merged by that point, was gone. And some people asked me at the time, how do you feel about this? How do you feel about what happened to UB and how do you feel about what happened to Full Tilt? You know, both of whom went down and turned out both of them had stolen all the player money. And I said, well, as far as Full Tilt's concerned, you know, I think what the owners did was terrible, but I... You know, as far as the players are concerned, they had no idea. I mean, it was a surprise to me. It was a surprise to everybody. So the, the players who lost money at full tilt and fortunately got it back eventually, uh, I really felt for them. Some people had their whole bankroll on there. It was pretty brutal. Uh, as far as UB was concerned, though, I had a very different opinion. Because the people playing on, quote, the new UB were supporting a site that was run by the same cheaters that had ripped off the poker community in 2007, 2008, and even the years before that. These were the same cheaters. They had no business continuing to run a poker site. And I was mad that certain players were still supporting them. And I got a lot of excuses from these players who you know, called themselves poker pros. And they, they were poker pros, but they, you know, they say, look, I'm a poker pro. I'm going to play where the games are good. And that's, you know, the games are really good here right now because a lot of pros like you are staying away, they'd say to me. You're talking about Spirit Rock, Truff? Well, he was even worse because he, he, went and, <laughs> he went and promoted them. See, Prahlad Friedman, a.k.a. Spirit Rock, he, for so long, would not sign with any poker site 
because he claimed that he, you know he was anti corporation. He thinks all corporations are evil. He's for the little guy. He's not going to represent any corporation. Blah blah blah. Well, all of a sudden he had a big downswing, and then he's like, "Well, okay, maybe I should support a corporation." So which corporation does he pick? The very most corrupt corporation we've ever seen in poker, UB. And he he's rep- got flexible morals, okay? <laughs> and he represents them, and everyone, including Daniel Negreanu, who at the time was, was friends with him, and they actually had a rift in their friendship because of this. Uh, Negreanu even went to him and said, look, dude, do you understand? These are the same owners. They claim it's new owners. It's not new owners. Like, everyone's telling Prahlad, these are different. O- these are the same owners. They're not different owners. You're, you're basically telling everyone to come back and play on a site owned by the same people who cheated you the first time, and there's no guarantee they won't do it again. In fact, they probably will. And he's like, ah, oh, yeah, dude, it's, it's, it's the new UB. Yeah, you know, they gave me a lot of money back, man. Yeah, I, I, it's all good. So he promoted them. And he was one of the biggest victims on the old UB. He, he lost over 400000 something dollars to the, the cheaters on it. Probably more. That's what they gave him back. But uh, they, they underpaid everyone, so he probably lost even more than that to the cheaters. But despite being one of the biggest victims on the entire site, he uh, he promoted them, even knowing it was the same owners that were pretending to be new owners. And lo and behold, shock upon shocks, when Black Friday came, it turned out they stole all the money. And all the money you saw in your no. account, it wasn't there. It was even Come worse. Come on, they, Drift, these are different guys. <laughs> and it was even worse than the super using, because here... All the money was gone. He wasn't just losing against specific players that were seeing your whole cards. Here, here, all your money was just gone. So that was that. I don't believe you. These are different guys, Druff. They would never do anything like that. And I said at the time, as far as the players who didn't know, the recreational players who just saw an ad that looked cool for UB and said, hey, I'm going to play on there. Well, okay, if you didn't know, then yeah, you were a victim. Sorry about that. Like, you know, I, I feel for you then. But if you're a pro who came back to support that site after what they did with the same ownership, you knowingly came back at that point. I was actually happy to see these people lose their money there because they deserved it. I mean, Druff, you you pick up a, a prostitute that you know has VD. You have unprotected sex with her. You can't really complain about getting VD. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean. So, so I was, I was, uh, and people were saying, "Oh, that's the, that's evil." How can you root for people to lose their money? I said, "Well, because they were helping that site to remain the third biggest online poker site in the world after this cheating scandal happened." And people said to me, "You know, the people who are playing on there, their excuses were, well, no, I'm actually not helping them. I'm a net winner on there, and I have a very, very good rakeback deal. So, after all that, I'm actually." taking money off the site. They don't like having players like me. I'm actually hurting them, they'd tell me. I go, no, you're not. You're not hurting them because you're getting games going. You're sitting there waiting, and then fish sit with you and games start, and that's exactly what they need over there. You're being like an unpaid prop is what you're being. If it was a very, very active site, then they don't want players like you. But a site that needs games to get going, especially at the middle and high limits, they need players who are going to sit and wait because fish are not going to sit by themselves and wait for a game to get going. So I tried to tell them this, and you know, of course they dismissed it, but that, that's what they were doing. They were, if these players stayed off of there, then a lot fewer games would have gone there, especially at the middle and high limits. They would have been a, a ghost town in the middle and high limits if the pros all stayed away. But everyone was too greedy, 
not everyone, but the ones who played on there were too greedy, including some people who I otherwise like and respect. And I'm still friends with some of these people that did play actively on UB after the scandal. So I, I didn't disown these people from my lives. I just told them I really don't agree with what they're doing. And when they lost their money from Black Friday, I said, you know, I, I hate to tell you, but you I don't, laughed at them. I, Come on. I, you I, laughed. Well, they said they came to me and they go, you're probably going to laugh at me now. I go, you know, I'm not laughing at you, but I, I have to say I don't feel bad for you. <laughs> so anyway, so I had a weird kind of emotion here when I found out that everyone's get the, going to get their money back. Because on, on one hand, I thought, okay, well, look, I, I should explain where the money's coming from before I get to this. Uh, the money's coming from the U.S. government. What happened was, the reason anyone got paid back from Full Tilt, as most of you know, is that poker stars paid a $750 million fine to the U.S. government for operating illegally. And as an agreement, they, you know, through an agreement they made with the U.S. government for paying that fine, they got ownership of Full Tilt Poker, which had been seized by the U.S. government and was you know, given up by the owners of Full Tilt to the government uh, as part of a deal. So the government owned Full Tilt for a short time, and they gave it to Poker Stars as part of the deal for them paying a $750 million fine. With the $750 million, some of it was earmarked to, play, to pay back the U.S.-based players from the Full Tilt fiasco. But the UB thing was considered separate, and people were just not going to see the money from that. They, that money was just gone. Uh, surprisingly, very recently... Last week it was announced that they are going to allow that money to be used. They didn't say how much, but that some of that money, because they did only 118 million of that money was claimed from full tilt accounts where people filed a claim and got their money back. So the government feels there's money left over. They won't say how much. They're not going to give out the whole remainder of the 750 because some of that is a fine. But some undisclosed amount of money they are willing to use to pay back UB claims at this point. Which is really a surprise because they said before they weren't going to do it. So you can now submit a similar claim as you did uh, for Full Tilt. And I'll explain shortly how you can do that. To get back any money you had sitting on either AP or UB. And... uh, You'll probably get it, I don't know when, but probably won't be that long from now, provided your claim is approved. So that's where the money's coming from. It's not clear if you're going to get your whole balance, because it depends how much they're earmarking for it, and it depends how many claims are filed. So if, for example, if uh, $80 million worth of claims are filed, and they have decided they're only going to pay $60 million, and the rest they're keeping as a fine then you're only going to get 75%. That, that's the way it'll work. But I have a feeling you are going to get your whole balance because UB was a much smaller site than Full Tilt. And if only $118 million was claimed on Full Tilt, then I think UB is not going to be anywhere near $118 million. Though, non-US players this time are eligible, unlike Full Tilt, where they were not. And that's because on Full Tilt, you could continue playing there if you were a non-US player. And then... Uh, 
those bankrolls uh, poker stars would assume, and they'd pay you directly. But since UB is not operating in any way, shape, or form anymore, now non-U.S. players can get their money. So they are eligible. So if you're if you had money on AP or UB, you can get the money no matter where you live. And even if you don't think you had money there, go check. For example, I thought I had no money there, but at some point they must have put twenty five dollars in my account, maybe to like as an enticement to come back. I don't know what the hell, but. Okay, now I understand why you're not happy they're paying people back. Why, he's getting $25? Yeah! <laughs> I was like, wow, Druff must be psyched. He's finally getting all those millions off of UB, and now it makes sense. Yeah. So I'm, getting tw- that I'm getting $25.25, which I didn't even know was there. I just decided to check just in case. And uh, so I, I put in the claim for that whopping sum of money. But, uh, yeah, go ahead and check. And, uh, sir, I'll tell you how to do it. Um. Because uh, it's actually a, a process just like the full tilt thing. And it may be easy for you and it may be tough for you depending upon how much information you remember about your UB or AP account. Or if you had several accounts, you actually can uh, you actually can apply for money back for all the accounts you had. So they don't care if you're multi-accounting. So you need to go to absolutepokerclaims.com and they they actually have an FAQ page where you can read a lot of different frequently asked questions and answers and it's actually a pretty good one. Usually this sort of thing is lousy but this is actually a pretty good FAQ. But as I've already mentioned any ultimate bet you know UB.com Absolute Poker any, any balance you had on what was called the Sirius Network is eligible for the government to pay you, even if you live outside the U.S., even if you were never a U.S. citizen, you are eligible. Now, there is a place on the form for you to enter your Social Security number. You may wonder, should I enter that? Because everyone's very touchy about that these days, for good reason. The answer is yes. Uh, That's the only way you're going to get the money. Now, you may say, well, wait a minute. I am a British citizen, and I was playing on there. I do not have a Social Security number. How will I get my money? Well, they do not tell you what to do, but it is said that if you enter zero 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 zero, if you enter a nine zeros for your social security number, that that will work. They don't tell you to, but some people experimented with it and found that because uh, you have to enter it. It's a required field. So enter that if you don't have a social security number. But if you do have one, you do have to enter your actual social security number you or you may not get paid uh you are going to have to remember either your uh you're gonna have to remember some details to log in there to see your balance if you go to absolutepokerclaims.com and it's it's being run by the garden city group who also handled the full tilt refunds and you click on online filing page to do it and it'll ask for Either the petition number, control number, and uh, some sort of verification thing, which you probably don't have, or the email address on file with Absolute Poker, UB, etc., the player ID, and your last name. So if you forgot either your player ID or the email you had associated at the time, or your own last name somehow, if you forgot that, then you're not going to be able to use their automated process to request your money. 
And for me, that was a challenge. I didn't remember which one I used. I had to dig in. I had to dig up old emails I had gotten from Absolute Poker to find which email I had been using. Well, it's because of all the multi accounts that you had, right? <laughs> so uh, that's what you needed yeah. to do. It's hard to hard to remember all those accounts, Dr. Just saying. very hard. So that's what you need to do, and if if you if for most people that'll work. And it will show you what your absolute poker balance was. And then you say whether you agree with it or disagree. Now, don't try to trick it. If it says your balance is, is $89, and you remember that probably is correct, you go, oh, I'm going to put down the, I had $89,000. <laughs> I can't wait for that big fat check. They're, they're not going to do it. What they're going to do at that point is go through their records and see if there's any way they can verify it. And if they can't, they're not going to approve it. So don't bother. It's going to be tempting, I know, but don't do it. Yeah, I don't think you'd get any trouble if you do it, but you're just not going to get the money. So you, you might as well just put the, you might as well accept what is the real balance unless it's actually wrong. If it is wrong, correct it, and they'll look it up. If uh, for whatever reason you cannot uh, log into that, if you don't remember your player ID, if you don't remember which email you had on file, or if you remember them and it just doesn't work somehow, uh, then it'll give you an option at that point to submit a petition anyway, and they'll try to match it up. It may just take longer. But it's better to try to get through using their normal form, which does recognize you. And that'll be processed a lot faster. Now, their FAQ says that you need to provide banking information to get your money. And you'll go through the whole thing. It'll say, thank you very much. Okay, we'll be in touch. And... You'll say, wait a minute, I didn't give them any banking information. How are they going to pay me? So apparently they, they're they not, they're not uh, up to that stage yet. Even though they claim they are, they, they don't ask for that yet. So they'll contact you at some point and ask for it, presumably. Um, most people are eligible, even if you uh, were getting rake back on there or all that. There's, there's only a few people who aren't eligible, and those are people who were associated with UB in some way. So like, I don't think Prahlad Friedman can get his money. But most other people can... You feel bad about that? I feel horrible. Actually, I don't know. Maybe maybe he can, but it, it says he shouldn't be able to. It listed who shouldn't be able to. And specifically, it says that uh, uh, it's people who uh, own the site, were direct business partners, sponsored players, affiliates, and more. But, uh, again, if you got rake back, that's fine. Um, if you were an affiliate and a player, I'm not sure what they're going to do. On full tilt, some people ran into trouble for that. Uh, what they're saying for affiliates is if you were someone who didn't play on there and all your money on that site was from affiliate payments, then you're not going to get that money. So, uh, now you may wonder, what about Absolute Poker Points? Uh, will those be cashed out in any way? What if you had some tournament tickets? What if you had some other bonuses on there? Well, uh, as you might imagine, those are worth a good deal. And the government came up with a plan on compensating you for those. For every point you have, for every tournament ticket you have, you will receive... Zero point zero. Yep, you're not going to get anything. Which is too bad, because that's the only thing I had left on there, besides the $25. I had a lot of points I had earned before I quit because of the cheating. A lot of points. And I really regret 
holding on to them because they were worth many thousands of dollars. So that was sad. So um, my points are gone. I think I have like 150,000 of them or something, which I think probably translates to like 5,000 bucks or something. Maybe you should be able to you should be able to get like a vacation weekend in Scott Tom's Caribbean guest house. Or well, something. it's funny you mentioned that because after the scandal in 2009, I was invited to like some tournament in England <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, with like most of my points. Like I think I had 150, and they said for like 120, I can do this tournament in England, which is like a four thousand five hundred dollar buy-in, and they're gonna pay for my flight. I almost did it, but I'm like, ah, this is kind of a pain in the ass, you know. I don't, I don't know. I just, I considered it, but didn't really feel like going through the motions to do it. But now I wish I did because I never got. I, I still thought I could just kind of hang on to my points and just cash them in at some point. I don't know why I didn't cash them in. I think, I think it's because like my account wasn't at a good status, and I was gonna. I, I was still trying to figure out what to do about that. It was like in order to get the points cashed in for anything worthwhile, I had to be a certain status. But since I stopped playing, I wasn't that status, so I was. I wasn't sure what to do. I kind of just let it sit. I think that's what happened. So I, I should have just taken that damn trip. I mean, I didn't have to wear their gear or anything. So I would have just taken a trip on their dime. Which that I would have been happy to do. Like I, I was. Now, what, if, what if they told you you could take the trip? And it's a. Uh, let's just imagine it's like a, a UB Caribbean adventure. They told you you could take the trip, but you got to wear a UB branded, you know, one of those little tiny ball hugger bikinis bottoms when you're out on the beach. Would you do it? <laughs> no, no. Well, I didn't take it even for free, so without having to do that. But no, I wouldn't do it. In fact, the funny thing is I was a UB sponsor. How much money would it cost? For <laughs> no, you? No, because, I mean, listen, I mean, this is something that women do all the time. No, right? I just... They'll, I, they'll, I, they'll I, wear I, something, you know, something tiny for some money. So no, how much no, is no, it going to take for you no, to do it? No, before the scandal, I would have done it, but... But uh, right. not, How not, much? not after the scandal. Oh, before the scandal, we wouldn't have been expensive. I'll, I'll wear some thing over my balls for UB back then. <laughs> no, I, I would do it. Like, I don't care. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm do not... everyone a favor, Druff, and trim the hedges before you wear that <laughs> fucking thing. Please. Don't want it to look like you're smuggling no, chinchillas the, or anything. Like, honestly, I, I, don't, I, don't think, uh, I don't think they're getting very good, very good value for their money paying for that. But, uh, you know, if they want to pay me for that, that's fine. But, uh, <laughs> but you know... You, you'd probably proudly... Walk down the beach just to see how many people you could offend. No, I, I'd probably walk down the beach knowing that I'm, get, I'm getting money for doing this and they're getting nothing out of it on their end. I go, wow, these, these guys are stupid. They're paying a middle-aged man to walk down the beach uh, with a, like a, the, the thong over his balls here just uh, for, with, a, with a logo on it. I, I think people would look away and not look at me. So you got no shame. You'd just be like, whatever, I'll do it. I don't care. Well, yeah, for, for, uh, for money, sure. Even like a Borat style one, you know that you ever see that movie? No, I, no, I probably wouldn't do that. Not with my balls actually hanging out. But uh. <laughs> but okay. So anyway, um, I, the funny thing is, I was actually a UB sponsored player in the 2007 uh, Aruba tournament, and that was just as there was some suspicion about the super using. But we were still at the stage of going like, we think it's happening, but we don't have any proof. And also, we didn't know if it was a hacker. We didn't know that the site was responsible yet. So that's why I, I went there on their dime and, and wore UB clothes. And very shortly afterwards, I'm like, well, if I knew that, I wouldn't have worn these. But at least they paid for the for the tournament. So anyway, uh, back to these people who played on there. Um, how do I feel about them getting their money back? Well, I definitely feel good that 
people who didn't know about the whole thing, just recreational players who didn't understand they were playing on a crooked site. I'm very happy they're getting their money back. The people who did know what they were doing, uh, you know... Fuck them. Fuck them. Well, no, no, no. I'm not happy for them, okay? I'm not, I'm not jumping for joy. I'm not saying great. I'm not saying this is good. However, I do have to decide what's really better, that the government keeps this money or that these people get their money. And I'd rather the government keeps it, but not by a wide margin. And the these players who are getting it, like I'm definitely not happy for them. And I'm kind of annoyed that they are getting it because they, they're getting rewarded for something they shouldn't have been doing. But I'm not like super pissed about it. I just, uh, I'm not happy for them. I'm kind of like mildly annoyed about it is, is my feeling. Like if someone said, would you rather the government keeps it or pays those players? I would say definitely the government keeps it. If someone said, would you rather the government pays players to where the recreational players get made whole, but then those people you'd rather not see get the money are also made whole. I mean, how are they ever going to di- differentiate? No, no, they couldn't. You know? There's no way. But I'm saying, like, like if they're asked, if someone just came to me and said, "Todd, make the decision. We're leaving it in your hands. Either everyone gets paid, both the people you want to see get paid and the people you don't want to see get paid, or nobody gets paid and, and the government keeps the money. What would you want? Well, that's a tough decision because I, I really would like to see the recreational players who got screwed here get paid. So. It's a tough decision, though. However, the, the bigger balances are going to the people who, are, who were the pros, who knew what they were doing. So I don't know. It's a tough one. Like, most of that money is going to people who knew what they were doing there. And I kind of wish they weren't going to get that money. But, you know, I, I have a friend who's going to be getting a, a nice payment of, like, $50,000. And this person said, ah, you're probably mad about that. And I said, no, you know, I'm... I'm I'm a little annoyed by it, but you know I'm happy for you in a way. You know I'm I'm happy you, you're happy you're to get some money. And th- this person's had some life changes and isn't playing that much poker anymore. I'm not going to go into who they are and what they're doing, but this person, you know, they they have money, but they're a fifty thousand dollar payout to them uh, would be nice at this point. And so on on the personal level, I'm happy for them. Am I feeling about anyone benefiting from this who continued supporting a cheating site with cheating owners? I'm not happy about it. So it's kind of mixed feelings sort of thing. So I, I hated the people that gave me a hard time, though, for saying at the time when UB went down that the people who lost money on there deserved it. I, I People who gave me a hard time, I said, look, you're you're supporting a site run by cheaters. The only way to deal with cheaters in poker is to shut them out of poker. You can't deal with them anymore. You can't help them anymore. You can't patronize their business anymore. There's got to be some point you say, I don't care if I can make money on that site. I'm going to morally stay away from it. I'm going to blackball it. I'm going to make them fail. The problem is there's just so much greed in poker. Some people, all they think about, the only thing important to them is money. That's why you have these people who are repping sites that they know are bad, like Perlot Friedman. Oh, I thought you were talking about Melanie. And Melanie and, and uh, Annette you think, and You think she would have taken a UB sponsorship? <laughs> 100%. And, and, and <laughs> Annette Oberstadt, and even Michael the Grinder, Ms. Rocky, he'll stamp his name on anything that, uh, that's going to pay him. And, uh, oh, there is no hesitation there, Trev. 
You didn't even you didn't even contemplate that. No, no. There's certain people. They just uh, it's all about money. It's all about putting dollars in their pocket, and they they don't care. They'll stamp their name. They'll stamp their, their endorsement on anything. And I I think that's bad. I think you have to look what you're putting your name on. You have to look why they're hiring you. They're hiring you because your presence as a pro there is going to encourage fans of yours who want to put money on that site. And if it's a shady site that's going to cheat people, you're leading your fans to get cheated. And that's a bad thing you're doing. It's a very bad thing you're doing to be part of that. You can't just say, oh, I'm a a paid sponsor. It's not my problem. It is your problem if you know you're promoting something that's shady. If you know you're promoting something that's going to cheat people, then yes, it's bad. That's not to say if, if someone asks you to be a sponsored pro that you have to do a massive investigation on them. But if you have information that it's shady, then don't do it. That's, that's the way I actually treat poker fraud alert sponsors. The few that we have, which are none right now, but when we have had some in the past, what I do is somebody wants a sponsor. I, I take a look at what product they're selling. And if from what I can see, it looks okay to me, then I'll let them be a sponsor if if it appears. Yeah, that, that's how the whole Tasty Steak sponsor, sponsorship came to be, right? <laughs> and if if it seems shady, then I I don't and I don't do a massive investigation before accepting sponsorship money. But if I I do have doubts, then I wouldn't accept them. And if I have massive doubts or I have information they're shady, there's no chance I would accept them because I don't want to ever knowingly lead anyone to depositing their money somewhere where they're going to lose it. So that's, you know, there's a big difference between not knowing all the details when you sign up to be a sponsored pro or to represent a site and knowing details that it's shady and not caring. That's really bad. So, you know, Trader Ruski, he said he wants to be on tonight and uh, we haven't heard from him. Yeah, get him on here. I just thought of that. He's, uh, he said he's going to come on. So we're going to add him here. See if he's uh, around. I, so, Druff, what about Melanie Wisner? Do you do you think that uh, if she you be offered her some money to wear a skimpy little bikini with you be on it, you think she'd do it? Hundred percent. Just instant. The yeah, instant. Yeah. Well, you're in good con. I mean, you know, you said you'd do it too. So. Yeah. Well, before before the scandal, I'm saying after the scandal, she would still do it. Even after the scandal, yeah, yes, yes, yes. Before the scandal, be fine. I don't care. Like if people want to. Like, if girls want to wear some skimpy bikini and get paid extra money for representing a poker site, that's fine. As long as the site's okay, then fine. Uh, Trader Risky, hello. What's happening, guys? How you doing? Uh, well, this isn't a good connection. Going on, Trader Risky. It's a little bit uh, grainy, this connection. It, yeah? yeah it sounds clear to me. So, Trader Risky, let me ask you a question. Were you thinking about Druff wearing that tiny little nut hugger with UB on it down <laughs> on the beach? I, I tried not to. That's right. <laughs> uh, to risk it. I'm going to try to call you right back. We got a back connection. All right, let's let's try to put him back on here. I just I love Trader Ruski. I just couldn't stand the that grainy yeah, sound connection. Bad. It sounded it sounded like a, a a pixelated phone call. Yeah. It sounded like a voice over IP in, in 1995. No, no, no. Now it's just busy. How is it busy? How is there busy? How can it be busy on Skype? What does that he's even mean? Think, he's busy, man. He's thinking about you and that yeah. little nut hugger. What does that even mean on Skype? Busy? How can it be busy on Skype? I don't even understand. That is kind of strange, actually. 
<laughs> I mean, at, at first you think, okay, it's busy. You're just used to making phone calls and it's busy. But what, what does that even mean? Okay, it's, it's, not, it's not even connecting. See, this is, this is frustrating. Okay. And the Skype, I still see him. Well, I don't know. Skype does weird shit. Yeah, it does a lot of weird shit. The, the fact that I make it as functional as it is for this show is amazing. So, all right, let's, let's uh, move on. That's here. what you can do, Druff. When, when you're done with poker, you can do Skype tech support. <laughs> I probably can. I've, le- I've learned the ins and outs. Even the... Uh, the, the Lyman seat- can call you up, and you can finally help him. So he can figure out That's how to true. use it. <laughs> That's true. That's still eluding him on how to use Skype properly. You, you know... Uh, I have to thank Belly Buster. He solved one of the biggest mysteries, and that was how to get the sound effects through Skype to you, so you can hear them. Nice. That was uh, that was thank Belly, you, Buster. Belly Buster. Belly Buster. He just he figured it out. He uh, I guess he was reading some forms, found some obscure trick, sent it to me, and it worked. So I uh, at, at least last, I, last time I had is I found an obscure trick. I had to go to a clinic. Right? Oh boy, you know what I'm saying. Okay, let's see some. We got some text messages before we go on to the next subject here. Where is Trainerowski though? What the I fuck? We'll, we'll get him back. You know what? I, I have to say something. <clears throat> I, I have to say that I bet some of you are proud of me for not spending hours on this UB topic like you guys thought I probably would. I everybody was bracing that this is going to be like a, a massive UB rant on here that would go on for for five hours, and it didn't. You know, I, I've said a lot of stuff before. About UB and Perlot Friedman, we touched on it again, and I'm, I'm past it. You know, I I gave my opinion, and I'm past it. Here, speaking of UB, this is from the 505. He says, "As a know nothing wreck, I thought UB and Absolute was safe because of Helmuth and Seabach. I never even heard of the super user scandal. By the way, great spirit rock impersonation. You got to incorporate that in your prank calls. To even refer to yourself as spirit rock. Ha <laughs> ha. You know, he did an impersonation of me too. I never heard it, but someone said it was good. He, I guess he did like some sort of uh, it wasn't Twitch, whatever it was at the time that was similar to Twitch he was doing years ago. Did he make some terrible rap song out of it? No, but he, <laughs> I guess he imitated me in some way. People thought it was funny. So I guess we, we, we should have a conversation with each other where I'm him and he's me. That would be funny. Okay. Uh, from the 512, ascribing benevolence to degenerate gamblers is hilarious. Yeah, uh, in most cases that's true. I'm not sure specifically what he's responding to by saying that, but I, I can't argue with that. So seven seven five three seven two eight three five five is the text number. So let's see in the chat right now. I'm looking. Uh, the side dish is Donald Trump, greatest president of all time. The side dish is very pro Donald Trump. He always has been. Ever since he announced he's running for president. Uh, Let's see what else here. Uh, Larry Laffer says, I agree. Money means everything to Todd. It means just as much to Druff as it does to anyone he just uh, he just listed. It's just Todd has a higher level of ethics and morals. Well, thank you, Larry. Or, or, or just doesn't look as good in a little bikini. Well, I you know, know, but we, we were talking about uh, just why, why I wouldn't uh, take shady ads and stuff like that. So I'm glad Larry Laffer thinks that. So... But yeah, you know, any, any form of, of money I receive, I, ha- I have to be able to look in the mirror the, that $100,000 a month for when the new UB came back, they said, we're going to give you $100,000 a month to do a 30-second spot on your radio program. No, no. See, I wouldn't do it. See, I, I would say no. And the funny thing, people laughed at Mike on when he said he wouldn't do that, too, because 
Mikeon was saying he wouldn't take a million to to promote UB, which of course uh, everyone laughed at because that's not true. But um, the only the only thing I saw Mikeon do that surprised some people re- regarding uh, sponsorships was he had on a uh, a Neverwin poker hat when he made a final table that was supposed to be on TV, but they never televised. Mm. And he was offered twenty thousand to wear a full tilt hat, and he refused it and kept wearing the Neverwin poker hat. Good for him. Uh, that was that was surprising to me and everyone. But I, I, hundred percent, if they offered a million to represent UB at any time, he would have taken it. He he announced that himself that he wouldn't take a million to represent UB, but hundred percent he would have. <laughs> so, so that that's the good and the bad of the mic on. Yeah, I, I gave both sides here. I could I could have left out that twenty thousand dollars story, but I'm I'm being fair here. So, um, I'm going to tell you a few stories about uh, my trip. I'll try to only tell you the interesting stuff so it doesn't seem like a, a boring uh, vacation slide presentation that you have to sit through. Uh, I, I already told you guys about the baller suite I got there. And this is important to me. When I'm by myself, I don't give a crap about a suite because I, I almost feel like it's a waste. When I'm by myself, really all I feel I need for a hotel room is enough room for me my stuff. I want the thing to be clean. I want the room to be quiet. I want the bed to be comfortable. and the, I want everything to work right, and that's pretty much it. Uh, I, I don't need a, a suite because I feel like it's a big waste. I, I don't need all that room myself when I'm traveling. But when I have the family with me, it's a different story. And there, having more space is very important. But, of course, that gets expensive. And uh, you guys know how I feel about that. So... New York is an expensive place, and, you know, I was staying right on Times Square at a fairly expensive hotel called the Marriott Marquis. It's really right on Times Square. I was able to get a good rate there, but I still had a standard room. Now, I was a Marriott Gold, which is like the middle tier. There's, you know, there's three tiers of their reward program, and I was the middle one. So... The gold is entitled to free upgrades, but they have this annoying thing that they'll only give you the upgrade when you check in. And it's a problem because if you're arriving late, like we were there, and you're you're always going to arrive late if you're coming from the West Coast to the East Coast because of the time change, because the the flight is like five hours, and then you lose three hours. Unless you leave like really early in the morning, you're going to get there late. That's always the case when you're traveling East from the West Coast. So I knew we were getting there like 11-something p.m., and I saw from the rates that were rapidly going up on a certain date. We were staying for three nights. I saw the second and third night. The rates were going up. It was going to be full. I was like, oh, crap. You know, I don't want to wait until I get there for the upgrade because I'm sure it'll all be gone by 1130 at night. So I made a number of calls. I, I got a manager on the phone. And the manager said, okay, um, I, can't, I was trying to get her to agree to give me a free upgrade, which would not be to a suite, but it would be like a bigger room bigger regular room uh, with no view but that would be an upgrade still she said I'll get that's normally what you'd get she told me but and and that would be free but usually we give no way to to guarantee that upgrade as a Marriott Gold you just have to get there and see if it's available and if it is we'll give it free if not then you don't get it so she said if if you're willing to but I'll make a one-time exception for you because I, I argued, why should the time I check in have to do with that? Why, why can't I get the same priority as someone who, who gets there at 4 p.m.? 
Which is a good point. Like, why should it matter when I sit foot in the building? If I've guaranteed the payment for being there the first night, why should it matter when I set foot in the building, whether I get that upgrade or not? So she said, okay, I'll make a one-time exception for you. I'll, I'll let you lock in the upgrade, but the downside is you're going to have to pay $75 for it if you want to guarantee it. If you don't want to guarantee it, then you can pay zero for it, but then you may, we may not have it for you. And at the rate we're selling out here, they pr- we probably won't, but it's up to you. So I said, all right, fine. Take my damn $75. So she added $75 to my price, which was very good. I had a very good price initially. Added $75 to it and gave me that you know larger room. Again, not a suite and with no view. So as we were on the way from the airport to the, uh, to the hotel, I told Benjamin's mom, I said, you know, I'm going to try something. As far as they know in their system... I'm just booked directly for that larger room. It doesn't appear to be an upgrade to them. So since I'm entitled to an upgrade, why don't I try to get an upgrade on the upgrade? Because, yeah, I might as well give it a shot. I mean, they, they may catch on to what I'm pulling here, but uh, maybe they'll do it. Maybe they'll just see I'm, I'm booked in the larger room and then the next thing up is a suite. So I came in there and I, I, I tried just that. I expected them to probably say no. And the woman says to me, almost like derisively, it sounded like, so wait a minute, you're asking for a suite? And I said, well, uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I knew that's what I was asking for. I pretended like I wasn't. I was like, uh, well, I don't know. Whatever the next thing up is, I don't know whatever that is. And she says, that would be a suite. I'm like, well, okay, yeah, then I guess I am, yeah. So I'm sure she's going to say, no, you can't have that. This is already an upgrade. So she says, hang on a second. Uh, I don't have the power to do this, but I'm going to go ask my manager. I'm like, oh, so it sounds like she's willing. So, but I thought the manager was going to see right through this and say no. She comes back and says, uh, yeah, the manager said we can do that. And she put me not just in a suite, but it was, it was actually the, the higher category of suites. So we get up there, and it's this corner suite with this you know, great view of uh, – actually, it wasn't a corner suite, but it, it, it had two big windows with a great view of Manhattan and the Hudson River and, and New Jersey across the river. 45th floor which is the highest floor of the building. And a you know, big living room, separate bedroom with the door that closes and all that. Great suite right on Times Square. And even to get a normal-sized hotel room in Manhattan is tough. Everything in Manhattan's small. So to get even like a normal-sized hotel room is tough there. But here, I got a big suite. And I, I, I paid uh, less than most people paid in that hotel for like the worst room in the place even after that $75 increase. So I'm so proud of myself there. So, um, you guys know about me getting sick. I won't bother talking about that. You know, we went to Central Park. We went to um, Statue of Liberty and Ellis Island and top of the Freedom Tower. Met handicapped me right before we left town. He, he doesn't live in Manhattan, but he works there. So I, uh, it, it was hard to find parking that I could do where he worked, but I found some parking behind like a trash bin. <laughs> he came out to meet me there on the street and uh, we talked for about half an hour and he got to see Benjamin. He saw Benjamin's mom. He said Benjamin's mom was not what he expected, but he said it was in a good way. And I don't know what he was expecting of her. I'd love to hear this from him, what he was expecting of her. Probably, it's probably going to be an insult, but uh, 
But but what was good is she exceeded the expectations by a lot. He thought that she was pretty. He thought she was very nice. He, like it, it, she was a lot better than he expected for some reason. So I, I don't know why he would have thought that. Like I, I I wouldn't have been this serious with someone that that I didn't like very much. You know, like I I wouldn't have just you know I I wouldn't have had a kid and. Uh, had an eight-year relationship with with some ugly chick. I wouldn't have done that. You know, there was uh, you got to have your standards here. So I don't know why he was expecting <laughs> her not to be what she was, but uh, but he, he was actually uh, pleasantly surprised. Uh, Larry Laffer in chat says, uh, "Is she legally blind?" <laughs> no. <laughs> no. So so he he saw her and uh, saw Benjamin and. I talked to him for about you know twenty to thirty minutes out there. Handicap me. He was a nice, normal guy. He has a good job there in Manhattan. I won't uh, go into too much detail because he probably doesn't want you guys to know. Uh, he he was nice. He said that he said that uh, he thought I looked around you know, thirty nine or forty, which is it's great because I'm forty five, so I'll take that. And that that I was uh, I had a little bit of a belly, but other than that, I wasn't that fat, which is also nice. <laughs> it's, some people on the forum like to give me a hard time about my weight, but uh, I, I get that a lot. Actually, there's, there's so many trolls on the forum trying to troll me for being fat that when people meet me, they go, "Oh, you know, I, that, that's not what I expected." Like they thought I'm going to be like a huge, some huge obese guy. So anyway, uh, I, I I've done very well with meeting people from the forum. I haven't had any bad experiences yet. Everybody I've met from the forum, I've enjoyed meeting. Everybody I've met from the forum. I had a good experience with even those that I met briefly, even ones uh, who've come under criticism on the forum, like mumbles badly, like all, all these people I, I enjoy meeting. So I, Brandon's had a number of bad experiences, but I fortunately have not had that happen. So the, the streak continues. So he met handicap me. We went to Atlantic City, and I thought, okay, well, I kicked ass here at the Marriott. And I was just, you know, a middle tier over there. I, I now here I'm a seven star on my seven stars annual trip. And you, you get an annual trip if you're a seven stars, where they pay for your airfare and they, pay, you know, they uh, they give you five hundred dollars food credit at the property. So here I was going to the Caesars Atlantic City on my seven stars annual trip. Of course, I should be getting a suite there. I mean, that should be easy after what I pulled off the Marriott. Well, no. I failed. <coughs> I got there. First of all, on the phone, they were being very difficult with me. They were just insisting I'm not going to get a suite, insisting that uh, it, you know that I'll have to pay an upgrade fee, which didn't make any sense to me. Blah blah blah. But I, a lot of times they say this crap, and then you get there, and they have suites available, and they give them to you. So I didn't put too much stock in what they were saying on the phone. So I got, th- and, and what I've found at all Caesars properties, and I want to tell you beforehand, if you're on your annual tr- uh, trip, annual seven stars trip. If you get there and they have suites available and not reserved for anyone, they'll give them to you. And if they don't have them, they won't give them to you. So I got there. I asked, hey, do you have any suites available? They looked up. Yes, we do. I said, okay, can you give me it? No, that'll be an upgrade fee, they tell me. So I started explaining this is my annual trip. Why can't you do it? No, 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 no. They're telling me we can't. Why not, I asked them. I said, every other property does this. They said, well, you know, we would do it for you. But this is such a busy week, and it's spring break for so many people. A lot of families coming here. We don't have that many suites in Caesar's Palace. 
you know, th- th- there's such demand for them. We're so, we're so sorry. We, we can't give it to you. I go, wait a minute. You just told me they're available. You told me there's several available. Well, yeah, but it's a busy week. I go, if it's a busy week, why are there so many available? So th- at this point, this, um, and this is like a manager they, they're having this discussion with. And it was, it was, um, it was like pretty white girl around, you know, around 30 years old. And I hate arguing with pretty white girls between like 20 and 25 and 30 at these businesses because they're so used to guys kissing their ass all the time. They're not used to ever having to concede anything. So they're like the worst to argue with. They feel like they're always in the right. They feel like everything comes to them easily. They feel like, you know, things are done for them. They don't do things for you. And that's totally the attitude I got from this girl. But she's trying to sell to me that it's such a busy week. Otherwise, they'd give it to me. And I said, well, if it's so busy, then how are there so many open? (laughs) This isn't making any sense to me. So she says, well, but there could be people coming in tonight that are going to pay full price for them. They're just not here yet. I said, you're telling me there's going to be all these people coming in now, you know, at 730 at night. I said, between now and the end of the night, there's going to be all these people coming in that don't have prior reservations. They're going to pay full price for a suite. She said, yes, I'm, I'm pretty sure of it. I said, okay. That's fair. I'll tell you what. We'll take a regular room now. I'll come back down at midnight. And at midnight, uh, if there's suites available, you can give one to me. Well, she got very flustered at that point because uh, now her lie is falling apart. Because they just didn't want to give it to me. So that was the story. Oh, we're busy, we're busy. But then I was taking this apart and saying, okay, if you're so busy, then why are the suites available? Oh, they're going to be taken later. Okay, well, I'll come down later if they're not taken. Oh, well, she didn't know what to say. So she said, well, you can't have it. I said, well, okay, have a 1 a.m., have a 2 a.m., have a 3 a.m. I'll switch it anytime you want. No, you still can't have it. You still have to pay an upgrade fee, she tells me. And at this point, she's like, they don't pay me enough to fucking deal with this shit. Well, so I told her. I said, look, just, I said, look, just tell me the freaking truth. Tell me the truth. Just, just tell me honestly. The place could be completely empty. You could be the only customer in the whole Caesars Palace Atlantic City, and we're not going to give you a suite. Just just tell me honestly that's the truth. That's all I want to hear is the truth. I said, I'm not going to walk away here until you give me the absolute truth here. I just don't like, you know, if you're not going to give me the suite without paying an upgrade fee on my seven-star trip like every other property does, fine. But be honest that you're just not going to do it, that you just don't want to give it to me. Not her personally. I don't think it was her personal decision. I'll get to that in a second. But that... uh, you're not, you're, you, you guys just don't want to do it. You guys just aren't going to give it to me no matter what. doesn't matter what day of the year it is. doesn't matter how busy you are. You're just not going to do it. Oh, no, no, no. That's not it. If it just wasn't so busy, I said, how does it have anything to do with so busy if I'm telling you that I'm willing to come and switch in the middle of the night when the room's sitting empty and no one's going to take it and you still won't switch me? You still won't do it if, it's not, if I don't give you an upgrade fee. Explain how that has to do with it being busy. I said, I'm not a dumb person. I actually said that to her. I said, I'm not a dumb person. I, I can't just walk away with an explanation that makes no sense to me. So just tell, just tell me honestly. We're just not going to give it to you. Just tell me honestly. We, we are, we've decided we're not giving you a suite for free under any circumstances. Just tell me that. Just tell that's the truth. Don't, don't, don't lie to me. It was pissing me off. It was pissing me off they weren't being honest about it. It was bad enough that they're doing different, something different than all the other Caesars properties do for seven stars. But at least be honest about it when I catch them in the BS. So she wouldn't relent. So I said, okay, can you give me a host at least? Can you give me a host? I talked to the host. The host gave me an even dumber story. The host told me 
that normally I could get a suite, but they have a certain number that they earmark for Seven Stars annual trips. And it just so happens that that number of people booked Seven Stars annual trips on the same dates, and they got there ahead of me. (laughs) Come on. Come on. How stupid did I sound? So then then, then he tried to get clever. He said, you know... You probably made a mistake by booking Caesars because Caesars has the fewest number of suites. It's the smallest property here. There's a lot more suites at Bally's and Harris. If only you had booked one of those, you probably would have gotten a suite. I said, hmm, okay. No problem. I haven't checked in yet. Let's switch my reservation over to Bally's or Harris. He's like, oh, oh well, uh, um, uh, I, I don't know about that. And he's like, oh, let me look up. Oh, no, they're not available this week either. It's like, so... He was very flustered when I said I'm willing to do that. And then, uh, you know, at that point, they quote, weren't available anyway. So here's the truth. What the fuck, man? Here's the truth. Uh, no, they don't hate me over there. They're not, they weren't, this wasn't personal to me. I don't have a persecution complex. I don't think that Atlantic City is against me. Uh, Atlantic City has this complex about players they don't know. I don't have a history there. I, I was there once four and a half years ago, and I didn't play. And that's it. Uh, I have no other history there. So if you don't have a history with them, and they don't know what play they can expect from you, even if you're a seven-star, even if you have played recently, like I've played a whole lot at Lake Tahoe. I played a ton at Lake Tahoe. Stayed ten nights in January. Played heavily ten nights in January. So it's not like they can even say I've been staying and not playing anywhere. But in their market, they have no history of me. And they are super paranoid in Atlantic City at the Caesars properties that people from out of the area are just using them as like a vacation spot and are not there to gamble. So even people who normally gamble in Vegas or Tahoe, wherever else are not going to gamble there because they're just using it as a, as a place to go on the East Coast. So they get super paranoid about that until, until they see that you reliably play there, they don't want to give you a suite. Unless you're like a mega whale, then they take the shot. But, but if, it, you know, if, if you're just kind of a, a lower-end seven-star, they, they don't want to do it. Now, apparently, they did the same thing to Brandon a while back when he was a seven-star. And he posted about that when I posted my story on the forum. So it wasn't just me. And I didn't think it was just me. And they told me at some point, you have no play history. And that's when the light bulb went over my head. I'm like, ah, that's what it's about. I have no play history, and they just don't want to give it to me. So that's what it was. They... They, they, they have some kind of hardline rule that must have come down from management there. That no matter what, if the person doesn't have history of playing here, do not give them a suite unless they want to pay extra for it. Why don't they just say that? I don't get it. I don't understand it either. Because these idiots there, I hate when customer service type reps do this thing. I hate when they think they're going to t- give you a diplomatic answer that's going to sound better to you. And you catch the lie. And instead of then, okay, admitting, fine, you know, here's the real reason, they defend the lie and then get offended that you're not believing the lie. And that's what that, that girl was doing there, the girl at the, at the manager at the front desk. She was getting pissed that I wasn't buying the dumb story. She was getting flustered that the lie was not, uh, that, that it wasn't tricking me, that I wasn't saying, oh, okay, if it just wasn't so busy, okay, well, bad luck for me. Like, you know, she was mad that I took it apart and realized she was lying to me. And, and I hate when people do that. I hate when people lie. You catch them in the lie and they get mad you caught them. And, that, and that's what happens there. So I, yeah, it would make sense if they just told you. Just tell you, look, players without history, we don't give them sweets. Sorry. But they, they don't want to admit that. So it was irritating. Anyway, 
Um, I didn't play a bit there. I used them for their $500 of food and then bounced from there. All in one night? No. In, uh, in, uh, we left two nights later. Well, we I mean, we saw you on live at the bike, so. <laughs> no, I had other people with me to eat, too, so it wasn't just me. Okay. So uh, we, we stayed there two nights. Uh, I left. We left on Friday night. We you know, we got there Wednesday night, left Friday, and uh, went over to Pennsylvania. Uh, there is... Uh, that's where you infected the Amish? That's where you infected that? the Amish. There was a... You know, I'd been curious about the Amish, and so was Benjamin's mom, and it's not that far from Atlantic City. We were, we were flying back from Philadelphia anyway, so... The Lancaster, where most of the Amish are, it's like uh, 60 miles west of Philadelphia, so... I saw there's an Amish tour you could take where they take you to three different Amish homes. Real Amish homes, it's not, they're not like putting a show on for you. It's not a demonstration. Like you're really going to three different uh, like uh, Amish homes, two of which are like farms. And, and uh, you get to see what they do there. So, I mean, they are giving you demonstrations of what they do, but they're not, uh, you know, you're going to where, where they really live and they're showing you what they really do all day. So, um. Uh, so I signed up for that. It looked interesting, and uh, we almost missed it. The traffic was pretty bad, especially going through Philadelphia. I was like constantly looking at my phone, where it was like red on the map, and kept taking detours. And uh, it worked. And I drove very aggressively too. If I didn't do all that, I, we would have missed it. But uh, we got there with nine minutes to spare, <laughs> mm. uh, all the way from Atlantic. Can you imagine driving 130 miles and getting where you're going nine, with nine minutes to spare? But that's that's what we did. And and just in case you think that was just me being uh, late. Another family, there's only 14 people on this tour maximum. And uh, another family, a family of four there, they told me they almost missed it. You know, they came within a few minutes because of the traffic. And another family of four missed it completely. Don't they do any screening to make sure that that no one infected is going through these tours? No, they actually don't. So, so so yeah, I I probably did infect the Amish. But, uh, uh, and the, the, the... the last part of the tour, you, you go in a home and you actually uh, can ask the Amish family any questions you want, no matter how offensive. You really can. You can just ask them whatever they want, whatever you want. They'll give you frank answers. So that that was interesting. <laughs> you really? That, that what was did part. you? Anyone ask anything good? No, not, not nothing really offensive. But you know, people. Uh, yeah, but you can just ask. Do they say that in the intro? You can ask them anything, no matter how offensive. They, they kind of. They say like you can ask. They've heard it all. Uh, don't be shy. I, I mean, I would see that as a challenge. <laughs> so, you know? Yeah, so... I would definitely see that as a challenge. One thing I found that was different than I expected is when you ever see depictions of the Amish on TV, it's always like they're, they're living like it's back in the 1800s. And that's not really true. They actually have allowed some degree of uh, modern technology into their lives. Uh, they just... What they're really big on not allowing is electricity on the grid. That's the big thing they don't want. So that you they they're not they don't have any electric bill. They don't uh they're not plugged into the electric grid. They generate their own electricity, but they do have electric devices that that they generate their own electricity to do so. And they have washing machines, you know, it's not always clothes hanging in the line. They don't have smartphones. They're not they're not allowed to use those. Yeah, we got a bunch of Amish around here. In fact, the the route from here to that farmer's PLO game, there's Amish all over the place. Mm. And I saw some of them in the, you know, they got the horse-drawn buggy or whatever. 
Right. And they, they had uh, fucking electronic flashers on the back. Yes, well, th- they do, they do, but those actually are again, they're 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 not you know powered on the grid. But yes, they, most of them do have those electronic flashes in the back, and there are you know there are a lot of those uh, horse drawn horse pulled buggies that uh, you, you see them all over the place there, and uh, so that's that's very common. And they actually give here's another weird thing that I didn't know about when an Amish kid turns sixteen. They actually give them a chance to basically do what they want and violate all the rules, and decide if they still want to be part of, of yep. the community. It's like yep. it's like a chance to sow their wild oats and see if uh, once they do things that the, that they're not supposed to, if if they are tempted by the sin, the sinful uh, life outside the community, yep. and if they if they want to leave it, and and that's how you end up with Amish strippers. <laughs> you know, they no, they have, there are some stories I've seen about it. They go off to the big city. They realize they can't make any money and then become strippers. It's funny. So, uh, and also they the schooling they have there. They do they have their own schools and they only go up to eighth grade. That's it. They only feel that an eighth grade education is necessary. So for things like doctors and stuff, they've got to go to the outside. Obviously, you can't be a doctor with an eighth grade education. So they they've got to go to outside doctors, or whatever. And some of them also have outside jobs uh, outside the community. Some 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 do, some don't. Uh, and I also noticed every Amish family lives under different rules. They have their own interpretations of, of of the rules. Like some of them will not ride bicycles because uh, bicycles are, are seen as uh, as as a mean of. It, it's kind of a weird thing. They feel like a bicycle allows you to move too fast, and and you you can. Uh, travel too far and it kind of gets away from the community feeling. Well, yeah. I mean, why would the Amish be any different than anyone else? Like any, any group, I mean, people have different interpretations of, of what that is, you yeah. know? So, so you're going to be like a Roman Catholic. You're trying to tell me that, you know, every sperm is sacred and you're, you're really, you know, <laughs> knocking her up every time. Probably yeah. not. You know? Right. So, so the first, the first family we went to, there were, there were no bicycles and there were some like, pseudo bicycles but they were actually more like scooters that kind of look like bicycles but the next family actually just had a regular bicycle so so yeah so it, it was interesting to see the, you know the way their life really was and uh be able to talk to them and see a an amish uh dairy farm and woodworking uh you know one of the place that makes wood wooden goods and stuff so it, it was interesting it took about three hours and uh, we stayed in lancaster that night and uh Lancaster, I always pictured like Lancaster, Pennsylvania being like just like an Amish city, but it's not like downtown Lancaster looks like just any downtown uh, small town, like small city. Like it, it's uh, it's got a lot of young people. It, you, you, in downtown Lancaster, you couldn't even tell you're in Lancaster. And that's where we stayed. And then we went to Philadelphia the next day. And then we went home. So that was the trip. Good, except for the fact that I got sick and was sick through the entire trip and I'm still sick today. Even though I got back almost a week ago, so uh, that's what we did. And uh, I'll draft Larry Laffer might call up. Okay, he's got some questions for me about tasty steaks. Okay. He thinks there's something shifty going on. He, he <laughs> wants to know. He wants to know how do you make money? You know, if you don't make money, why yada yada yada? So not everything's about money. How do you make money on Poker Fraud Alert? How do I make he, money? On poker he fraud? he said he was going to call up. And grill me, so okay. I'm waiting for it. Just FYI. Okay. And if, I don't know. He's talking about, he's like sexting some girl, so he might not call. But, <laughs> well, yeah. But, I mean, he'll rub one out, and then he'll be well, I want to hear about this if he's sexting. I want to hear about where he met this girl he's sexting with. 
Allegedly a girl. You know, we yeah. don't know. Yeah, it, could, it really could be a guy. Who knows? He, well, he didn't specify. Well, you know what happens a lot of a lot of times, guys who sex with girls they meet online are really sexting with other guys. There's there's there really are a lot of fake girls online that are really gay dudes that are pretending to be girls. It's a, it's a very common thing. It's not just a joke. Like you know, there's really a lot of that going on online. Oh, Larry, Larry Laffer in chat says he he knows it's a guy, and he's he's <laughs> okay. exploring. That's fine. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. But uh, yeah, there, there's there's a lot of that. And so, you know, sometimes you know, there's the you know what's known as the catfish online. Sometimes the catfish are girls who are just presenting prettier pictures than what they really are. You know, they're showing some hot chick when they're really average or ugly. The funny thing is, that I've seen a few catfish online in the past who, when I actually found out the girl who was behind it, the girl was sometimes just as pretty as the girl that whose picture they were presenting. They were just they just had like low self esteem. And they didn't realize if they just showed the real picture, guys would have liked them. It was it was weird in some cases, but a lot of times the catfish are guys pretending to be girls, and even in some cases it's reverse. Sometimes there's some uh, females who pretend to be male online. Anyway, well, I mean, at least in this case with Larry, it's consensual. He knows it's a guy. No, that's good. And I mean, you know, he says he never kind of explored these things in college, and he's giving it a shot now. So <laughs> now he's really going to call in to defend himself. Okay, so uh, Bodog slash Ignition, which you know they like to claim they're different companies, but they're not. It's, it's the same company. They've been on the move recently with making changes. The, the first change they've been making is they are clamping down hard, 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 hard on Bonus Horse. I think we talked about that last time, didn't we? With the Bonus Horse? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the first thing. Don't don't try to abuse bonuses on Bodog or Ignition or Bovada, or you're going to get caught, and your money's going to get confiscated. But that's not what we're going to talk about this week. This week they made a very very big change in poker. Bodog went up in the year uh, 2000, I believe. It's been around forever, and it was a always a, a very just straightforward no frills poker site. Sit at a table, play the game. They they made the change yeah, six years ago or so that it became anonymous tables where you can't see who you're playing with. But still, you could choose whatever table you were at. And other than the anonymous tables, it was still just like it had always been. Well, now it's very, very different. They just rolled out their new automatic seat selection where you do not have the ability to pick which table you're sitting at. It just... Seats you at a table. You can no longer watch tables. What the hell was that? That was Cal. Not Cal. That was Trader Ruski. Hello. What's hey guys? What's happening? You sound a lot. Hopefully, this I hope I sound better now. Much better. And your your phone's not busy anymore. Whatever that means. And you're you're back. What what was happening there before? You having internet problems? No. Yeah. This fucking Spectrum. You know. Ever since Time Warner, Spectrum box on Warner never happened. I mean, it's so fucking brutal. I have a story about that. That's the story that I want to tell. That's about. right. Fucking, wants a story. fucking spectrum. Okay, let's 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 finish the yeah, ignition yeah. thing. Uh, then, then it'll be spectrum time. So so so, uh, so anyway, now there's no more game selection. I mean, you pick what type of game you want to sit at, but that's it. Then it just plops you down. So you say, I want to play such and such limit, such and such game. Okay, bang, here you are. We're putting you down in this seat at this table. Don't like it? Leave. That's it. Too bad. So no longer can you look, see a fish there, sit next to the fish, uh, 
you know, jump seats if, if you don't like where you're sitting, which still was hard because you had to wait five minutes to sit back down. But, you know, late at night, you can just pull that and, and, and wait the five minutes and still get in the right seat. Um, no longer can you observe whether you think the game is good or not before you take a seat there. Now, you can take a seat and watch the game, you know, sitting out and, and see what's going on. But uh, there's no more table selection. I, I, Larry, I see you're calling in. I, I just can't take the call right now. We'll, we'll take your call after uh, we do this. Oh, man. Sorry, Larry. <laughs> no, I, I really will take his call, though. I really will. I, I, I just don't want to... I want to finish about ignition. I'm sorry. Go ahead. So, so this is a big change. And I, I think this is bad timing because the games on Ignition are already not very good. To be honest, the games on Ignition are tough. It's mostly pros and semi-pros and good recreational players on Ignition these days. So there's not that many fish anymore. The fact that it's no longer associated with a sports book is a very bad thing. Uh, though That provided most of the fish. Now it's only a casino and poker site and most players on there at least somewhat know what they're doing, and there's a lot of good players. And this is the last thing it needs now is this lack of ability to decide where you're going to sit. So this is part of their ongoing war on recreation, I'm sorry, on pro players, which started many years ago when they, they got rid of rake back when they were giving much better bonuses and other incentives to the recreational players, they were kind of softly trying to drive away the pros, but they didn't make any massive changes until the anonymous tables. And then even with the anonymous tables, a lot of pros were like, okay, I can still handle this. But now when the game, when the the site's already pretty tough in the first place, and now it's just, they seat you, that's really lousy. And I don't know how viable the thing is anymore. Uh, they could claim this appeals more to recreational players because uh, for a few reasons. First of all, this totally does away with the sitting heads up and only waiting for fish to sit with you trick. And that's what a lot of the pros did, is uh, in order to prevent playing with uh, with other pros, they would sit... Heads up. They would sit at an empty table, not even heads up. Wait for someone to sit with them. Play a few hands. If the if the person appeared to suck, they'd keep playing. If it appeared to be a pro, they'd sit out. And then move to a different table. Uh, you can't do this anymore. There won't be any more heads up play. And that's how a lot of the fish were getting crushed on there. Is that they would sit heads up with a, a pro who's waiting for them. And destroy them. Now, you're not going to be any heads-up tables. You're going to be at uh, tables full of people. So, this is good for the recreational players in that they just get dropped in a game. But, the problem, another problem, and I haven't tried it yet, but here's a problem I'm thinking of. At games that are always going, then, yeah, you can't select the game that's going, but it's not that bad. Because, let's say you're... (coughs) Let's say, take a limit, like one, two, no limit, okay? There's there's always a few of those games going, at least. Sometimes a lot of them going. So And they're always pretty full, so usually you're just going to grab a seat at whatever's available. And usually at those limits, the players aren't very good anyway, so... Uh, it's not that huge of a difference. But 
If you go to the medium and high limits games, a lot of times these aren't even running. So I think getting games going that aren't running already is going to be pretty tough this way. And I'm not sure. I, I think this could completely kill the middle and high limit games. There's just not enough volume to get these games going. Now, it probably drops people right at the table. You know, if you say, let's say, let's say you log in and say, I want to play 3060 limit, limit hold'em, okay? Uh, it'll probably just drop you at a table with anyone else who said they want to play 3060 limit hold'em. But, um,. The, the problem is, before, what pros would do is they'd open the software, they'd look, and if they see a bunch of guys sitting by themselves, they know they're not even to sit with them. They know those are the other pros. You'd only sit if you see a game going, usually assuming a game's going because there's at least one bad player there. And if there isn't, then you don't sit. Or if you do sit, you sit and quit pretty quickly. But now, like, every time you sit, you're thinking you're probably going to be sitting with other pros. Like, everyone's going to always be paranoid that they're just being put down with other pros. And I think that's going to be discovered pretty quickly and people are just going to give up. There's going to be too many times people sit down and the game sucks and they're just going to get sick of it. That's, that's what I think is going to happen. Uh, I haven't tried it yet, but that's, that's my impression. And I think it's going to kill games like that. So I think this is a bad thing for the Poker Pro on the site that really is the biggest especially as far as limit games are concerned. If you want to find a decent-sized limit Hold'em game, a decent-sized limit Omaha 8 game, uh, that's where you go, is, is Ignition. And uh, I think that's going to take a lot of that away. So that's very unfortunate. So, uh, Larry Laffer, you can call in now. We'll, we'll take your call, and then, then we'll, we'll talk about Spectrum, <laughs> the uh, former Time Warner cable company. Larry Laffer, you can call in now, 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355. Look how well I'm doing here being sick like this. So I'll, I'll tell the story real quick to give him a chance to, you know, <laughs> then, get, get, then, get done sexting and, the, the dude. Wait, wait, he, he's, he's, he's calling in here, so. Oh, okay, all right. Okay. Larry, <clears throat> you, 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 you just got in fast enough to stop, uh, to stop the Spectrum story. What's going on? <laughs> fraud show? It is the fraud show. What's going on? Oh. Well, what well, you guys got to talk about me? <laughs> <laughs> well, we we did talk about you. So, what, are you are you going to defend yourself, or are you? Gonna... I'm just re- I'm just reporting what you were well, saying. Yeah, in none chat. of that. That's all. You know? I didn't say any of that in chat. You know that. Okay, so so Larry, are, were you really sexting with someone? No, I'm just trying to go out for drinks with someone. You know. Well, he's, it, he's pre-sexting. Well, is 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 a girl or a guy? It's a girl. Okay. No, no, it could be a guy. I mean, you, you can go out. You can go out for drinks with a guy if you're a straight guy. I mean, it doesn't mean you're going to blow him afterwards. It just, uh, you know, that's uh, that's fine. That's fine. I, I, Maybe that's what you do, but no, no. No, you can. You can go out for drinks with a guy. There's no problem with that. But uh, you, you totally can. Okay. But in this instance, no, I'm I'm going out with the girl. Now, where where did you find this girl? Is it from like a dating site or something? Or where do you know her from? Just a friend, high school. High school, okay. This is it. So, is this someone? Yeah. You, is someone like you recently connected with that you knew in high school, or or someone you've known for a long time? 
Was this like twenty questions here? No, I'm just curious because look, I I am with somebody who I. What are you so curious about? Well, listen, I I went to college with someone, and then we lost contact for sixteen years, and that's who I've been with for the last eight years. So I I thought maybe Larry is uh, after my own heart here and is uh is trying the same thing with a high school uh, girl he knew. Mm. No, I'm not trying to have kids anytime soon. I no, no, you don't not, have to try kids. Not a, but, not a good idea. No, I'm not talking about kids or at this get, point, but I'm talking about or uh, get married. The question or have is, a long-term girlfriend. You know, the, the thing is, it's reasonable that if you knew someone from the not past, not trying that, to cohabitate. If you knew someone from the past that you liked before, but it just nothing happened then, and you get in contact with them again, it's reasonable to want to try to hook up with them now. So, so is that what happened here, or is that someone you've just known for a long time? No, it's someone I reconnected with on Facebook. Okay, that's good. All right. Yeah. Yeah, you know that that people you may know thing. It happens sometimes. It works. Yeah. Yeah, it can it can work, yeah. and yeah, I know you're substantially younger than I am. You're 31, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. So that's good. Like at 31, most of the girls you knew in high school are, are probably, if they were attractive then, they're probably still attractive at age 31. And if they're not, run. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> it's not going to get better. Like at my age, there's a big variance on that. At my age, you never know what you're going to see. If you if you haven't seen a girl since high school and she's 45 now. There can be a, a really wide range. You know, what she looked like then really doesn't matter. Uh, you have to throw that out the window because it, it could go one of many ways. And I've seen, I've seen of the, the girls I went to high school with. Some of them look surprisingly good right now, and and some of them look surprisingly bad. And some kind of in between that. You just you just don't know. So, but at thirty one, it's a lot closer. So yeah, but you know what. The whole point of this was uh, Calot was needing to explain something. Okay. Yeah. 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 Can, I'm can, ready. He, can I'm you ready. explain this? I would hope. I'm just wondering. You know, we know how PSA makes money. It's got the Amazon thing at the bottom. Yeah, it might make a fortune. Well, you might not make a fortune, but at least you're making something. Cal, this tasty shake site. I looked at it. It not only <clears throat> are there no ads anywhere. Not only is it really cryptic. But it doesn't say it doesn't even give a reason for why it's there for free. Why why is it providing this service for free? All right, so I'll give you the the history on this whole thing. All right. So okay. I have uh, I've worked with uh, Bart for quite some time. Um, <clears throat> I did the uh, the Crush Live Poker site for him, and I've been in various tech businesses for. God, ever since I was 15. Um, and one of the things, in back in 2015, um, he was talking about doing a big World Series of Poker package and letting people buy pieces, right? And he said, yeah, you know, I'm probably going to just put it in a Google Doc and, and pay somebody to, to manage it. Because he was talking about doing, you know, like playing some ridiculous number of tournaments like maybe 40 tournaments or something insane right and me being a tech a tech guy i'm always looking for you know good solutions to stuff like that and i was like bart just please don't do that (laughs) because in in a way it was almost uh offensive to me you know what i mean like why why do all that manually like there's just no reason for it so I, I whipped up a, a prototype for him of a way that he could do it on uh, Crush Live Poker. 
um, and just managed it there. And it was made, you know, kind of tailored for him. Um, and hey, hey. Yeah. <clears throat> go keep going. I'm sorry. <laughs> what, what was that? Hey. What, 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 hey, hey, keep going. What, what the hell was that? What? <laughs> I was going to interject, but it, it had nothing to do with what you were saying. So I go wanted ahead. to finish. Oh, no, go ahead. No, I was going to, I was going to ask, uh, as Jeff, have, have you ever had anyone like drink on the air or, or smoke weed on the air with you? I, I, I drink, drink on I'm the cognac right now. I mean, uh, uh, the question is, if I had have I had many people not drink on the air is the better question. This is true. Uh, is is Calawat drinking right now? I am dr- sipping cognac as I speak to you right now. He just holds his liquor pretty Trader, well. Trader Ruski, are you drinking right now? I was, but now I'm walking my dog. I will resume drinking when I get dog. back. And okay. as, as Druff knows, both uh, Trader Ruski and I were both very angry drunks, so, you know. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, well, well, as you tell your story, I'm going to have to enjoy something here. Well, enjoy yeah, whatever whatever eases the pain I, of what, what you're about to do with this dude you're going to meet, okay? <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> no, I, all right, anyway, I'm just kidding. Um all right, so so in, in any event, I made you know a page on his site that would do it, and in 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 working on that, I realized you know hey, this is something that probably a lot of people could use, right? And I talked to Bart about yeah. it, and at, and at the time, he didn't want uh, it to be like a Crush Live Poker branded thing. Um, he just didn't want to deal with the association or whatever. I, I don't know. He had various <laughs> reasons for it. So I was just like, fuck it. I, I just went on off on my own and I built it. Um, and I, I worked, uh, you know, a lot of hours for about a month and got it ready um, in time for the World Series. And, and that's it. And we put it up there. But it was primarily driven uh, by a desire to have him be able to, to list his package up there. Now, obviously, we did consider you know, various ways that um, it could be monetized in some way. But the reality is that I was not really clear, and I'm still not really clear, um, whether it would be legal um, to do things like take money or whether it would be even like the FTC or something might want to get involved. Wait, I don't Go ahead. So you don't hold any of the money? Zero, yeah. No, it's, it's purely like a, um, it's purely a bookkeeping kind of status update type of thing. Right, so people like Druff can go in there. They can make a package. When he does, it will tweet it out and say, "Here is this package." People have a central place they can go and look for them, and they can sign up. and He'll get notifications as people buy pieces, but it's completely up to him and whoever's staking him to transact the money one way or the other. It's strictly a bookkeeping site. Yeah, and that's why I always tell the people that. Uh when, when I mentioned a third-party site like Tasty Steak, even though it's run by Cal Watt, who's the co-host here, but I said, you know, that we're not adding an extra variable of another person or site you have to deal with. You, you just, uh, you're still giving the money directly to me, and I am giving the money directly to you when right. I owe you money back, and that's, that's what I was telling everyone. And that's the other thing. I mean, the way, if, if we were to take money, I mean, first of all, I do, I do other things to make money, right? So I didn't want to go off and do anything that could potentially, you know, endanger that. Um, but then also the way the site was born, it wasn't born out of a business plan. You know what I mean? Where we said, hey, this is how we can make a business out of this thing. 
it was just done as a, a tech solution to a problem. So we didn't really think uh, too much about the, the business plan side of things in terms of, hey, you know, hey, how are we going to make money from this thing? Yeah. Okay, does that answer your question, Larry? It, it does answer my question. Okay. So, I mean, you know, and it, it's been up there. It exists. A, a decent number of people have used it. Brian Rast used it for, to put up his uh, super high roller bowl, bowl package. And I, I'm still, to this day, fucking tilted because I saw the package up there. It was $5,000 for a piece of this thing. And I was talking it over with somebody else. Like, I was going to buy a piece or we were going to split a piece or, or whatever. And doesn't the guy go and fucking take it down? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it would have been 5K to win. I think it was like 78K oh. or something like Something retarded like I, that. But I can see the hesitation, though. Like, 5K is a lot to just, like, hand someone to go play a tournament. It just, you know, it's, it's a problem. So. Well, the God's honest truth is I was also vacationing at the time, so I actually kind of, like, forgot about it. Oh. Uh, but I really wanted, I mean, I, I uh, whatever. It just tilted me. <laughs> but anyway, the, the site is up there. All of the work that went involved in building it um, was my time in terms of, and, you know, my wife did some graphic design for me and all that kind of stuff. Um, but we just kind of put the whole thing together, and as of right now, if people find it useful, great. You know, go use it. Go do whatever you want. There are no ads. We don't collect any money. We don't try to make any money. It's just there. Now, if someone wanted to buy it for a bunch of money, of course, I would do something with it. If I, um, and you know, the the reality is that I I do other stuff to make money, and I don't have a ton of time to put into this thing in terms of. Um, you know, driving it, marketing it, uh, trying to actually make money from it. So it just kind of exists, and it yeah. is what it is, and I work on it when I feel like working on it, and a decent number of people find it useful and great. You know, I'm happy about that. You know, if if, uh, if this thing actually did make money, I'd be giving it a lot of time on this show, right? This, this show here has been like the Tasty Steak show. We've <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, look, you know, you know from the start that I have not desired to talk about this aspect of things because that's not why i'm here yeah i know right in fact i actually offered but, uh, i actually offered cal Watt. i said you know if you want to promote it you can anytime if, you know i'm not going to charge anything because you you, know, you do so much for this society here i don't want you know if you want to advertise anything go ahead and do it for free here and he said no 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 I'm, not, I'm not here for that i'm just here to have fun on the show right but he was asking questions about it and you know what the hell yeah. Might as well. I mean, it's better to let someone ask whatever they're going to ask than have people wonder what the hell is going on. Yeah. You know? Okay, so, uh, Calwatt, what's going on with Spectrum? Oh. oh, I mean, this is kind of a dumb story, but it, it annoyed the shit out of me, and it reminded me of you and I have had talks about when we're dealing with like low-level employees somewhere that we're always suspicious and we don't want to give them much wiggle room to screw anything up, you know? Yeah. So I, I decided to cancel my cable bill or my cable TV, right? We just literally never watch cable TV, like literally never. Um, and my bill is about 160 bucks a month. And, you know, it's not a big deal. I don't need to save the money, but it's the kind of thing that – the things that bother me, Druff, are – even if they're not that expensive, the things that I'm just like not using and I feel that I'm just getting, you know, taxed away for no reason. Like, you know, we, we used to have a landline phone and the fucking phone company was charging us like 45 bucks a month just to have this landline phone. And I was like, fuck this. We canceled it. We switched over to this service called UMA 
And I think we pay like a dollar a month or something like something ridiculous like that. Well, you know, I, I should say here that I'm I'm happy you canceled this uh, this uh, spectrum for 160 a month. I don't even got to the end of the story, but mm-hmm. now that you're saving 160 a month, then every two months you can send Brandon out for a watermelon slushy. <laughs> That that will go into the brandy sl- the Brandon slushy fund. Okay, we'll we'll just dump that right in there. Um, but anyway, so I was going down to to cancel this thing, and I had the three cable boxes that uh, we had. I, I had them in various places in the house. Disconnected them all, which was a pain in the ass because I, I had done like too good of a job putting it in. You know, I'd like put the wires around all the wires. So I had to fucking cut everything open, all that kind of stuff. Um, so I brought him in there, and as soon as I walk in the door, this guy at the door, who he's like a security guard or something, he's like, I'll, I'll, I'll take that from you. And I'm just, I'm instantly like skeptical. I'm regretting that this is a good idea, right? But I'm just like, uh, he's, and he could see my hesitation. He's like, no, it's fine. I'll just put it right over there behind the counter. It'll be there for you when you come up. Uh, because, so, I mean, I guess they have so many people either complaining or canceling that, They've got a system that you walk in there and you get a ticket like you do when you go to the DMV and you just sit there and you wait for your number to be called. So anyway, I'm like regretting it and feeling, you know, like my spidey sense is tingling or whatever. But I'm like, okay, here, take it, do whatever, go ahead. So I sit there and wait. And the thing I'm, I'm paranoid about, Druff, is that I do a lot of work over the Internet. I mean, I work from home. That's where my uh, my office is, and I've got a business class uh, internet connection. And what I was paranoid about was that if I cancel the cable TV, that they're going to cancel my internet yeah. as well. Now, these are entirely separate accounts. <clears throat> my, hmm. my company pays for my cable uh, internet. I personally pay for my cable TV. They're totally separate billing accounts, right? But I've had a history of calling these guys up and dealing with them, and they, they either can't find it or they get confused because they're two accounts at one address, which apparently just fucking blows their mind. Um, so I was worried about it, you know. Anyway, so I got called up to the desk, and I said, uh, <laughs> first thing I said to him was, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm here to, uh, I just want to cancel my cable. I, I gave uh, that guy over there the... Uh, Cable boxes, and I wanted to make sure that they accounted for those cable boxes, because when you subscribe to one of these things, you don't buy the cable box; they rent it to you, right? And that's a big part of your monthly cable bill, is the rental fee on these piece of shit boxes that they've got, right? So um, he's like, "Oh yeah, well we'll just go get them," and the guy goes back behind the counter, and guess what? What do you think, Drew? I, I don't even know. There's nothing there. Okay, so the cable boxes I brought in that the guy said would be fine and they're right behind the counter, there's nothing there. The guy who took them from me is just like, oh, oh, somebody must have took them. He goes in the back to look. He comes back in a few times, talks to a bunch of people. I'm still talking to this other guy. Can't fucking find him. And this has been like, I don't know, like 10, 15 minutes I've been sitting there and somehow they managed to fucking lose these things already. So I'm just like, okay, you know, whatever. He's, I said, I, and the guy who took them from me said, no, no, he returned the three cable boxes. And this guy, Rick, that I'm talking to at the counter, is like, oh, well, it must be these three that we have on your account. 
And there, so he's just like, oh, okay, you know, I'll just give you credit for that. So I'm like, okay, super. That wasn't as horrible as I thought, even though they fucked it up like I thought they would. Um, and then I said, look, I, I just want to make sure I've got two different accounts. I work from home. It's very important to me that the Internet does not get canceled. He's like, oh, no, 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 no. They, they're two totally separate accounts. We're going to cancel this one. Doesn't even affect the other one. He goes on, does some other stuff, and I, I say to him again, I'm like, look, I just I want your assurance that if I cancel the cable TV, it's not going to affect my internet. And he said, oh, yeah, absolutely no problem. You know, we didn't even touch it, didn't even open that account. No problem. And I even made him, you know, assure me a third time that this was not going to happen. So guess what happened earlier today, Druff? Yeah, the internet's just gone. No fucking internet. <laughs> right when I'm in the middle of having to do work with a, a bunch of clients and all this kind of stuff, I'm like, God fucking damn it. So I call them up. I go to the local library. So I have an internet connection so I can do some uh, do some work. Cable guy is uh, coming out at some point. He ends up coming out. And apparently, what and, and he actually said to me, he's like, oh, no, I see it all the time. They fuck everything up. <laughs> Great. But apparently what they do when you disconnect your cable TV, they come to you, the, the pole and they physically disconnect the fucking cable. Like there's some little jumper or something like that that they disconnect. So that's exactly what happened. Some fucking idiot saw that, oh, this guy canceled his cable TV. We got to go disconnect it. Didn't even look to see that there was another account. This uh, genius Jick, uh, or Rick that I had talked to, even though I insisted three times to make sure it didn't get canceled, you know, my cable internet, apparently didn't note my account. So everything, and, and the, the, the last couple of days, anytime there was a glitch with the internet, I'd be like, I'd be asking my wife, like, oh, is it still working? She's like, you're just waiting for it to not work. I'm like, yep, I think they're going to fuck it up. And they did. And that's it. It's not that so, interesting so, of a so story, but it back, was one of those... Go when you called back and, and gave them a hard time for this, did you demand some kind of credit or something, at least, for the trouble? No, no, no. I'm going to go in on Monday, and I'm going to have some FaceTime with Rick. <laughs> <laughs> I want to look Rick in the eyes and be like, do you remember me, Rick? Do you remember fucking telling me that you weren't going to cancel my cable, my cable internet? Well, guess what, Rick? You know, and I, I just I want to look this fucker in the eye and see what yeah, happens. If, if I were you, though, I would demand uh, some kind of uh, credit in your bill for this, not, and not just like one day outage, but I think you know, some kind of. Uh, yeah. Legally, but, they have to give you like one day outage, but that's not uh, very much money, obviously. So. Yeah. Well, and and you know the again, it's not that exciting of a story, but the reason I wanted to tell it is, I mean, it's the same thing that you and I have talked about in many different areas that you you don't want to give people enough leeway to fuck anything up. Right. It's like when yep. I, in Caesars, like when they wanting to associate the parking with my room, I said, no, no. Exactly. <laughs> no. Exactly. Exactly. And I've run into this so many times with like, you know, whether it's from a cable company or a bank or whatever, like I try to limit the scope of what they can do to be as small as possible. Well, this, you know is, I mean? this is why when I check into hotels, I always carry my own luggage. It's not even so much like a fear that they're going to steal anything or lose anything. It's just I, I hate you get there and you sit and sit and sit and wait to see if it come up. Like yeah. I, I just, I just want it. I want to carry it up myself and and just have it be there and be done with it. And and the yeah. and it was funny because I was I went uh, I went with my parents to a, a res, an expensive resort earlier this year and 
you know, after the cars got unloaded, this valet came over with this big cart and said, let me take all this to the room. And I was saying, I was trying to tell my parents, you know, don't do that. Just let's just carry it over there. And, and they, they just told me that I was insane. I'm just being obsessed here that, you know, it's no problem. This is a, a very nice place, a very expensive place. They're going to take it right over there. And I said, I don't know. They, they may take a while. And my dad says to the guy, you're going to bring it right over, right? He said, oh, right now we're going to bring it over. So they kept telling me to put, throw my stuff on this whole pile there. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm still taking my own stuff. So I take my own stuff. My stuff's right there. My parents get to the room. They wait. They wait. They wait. Everybody else had their stuff on the cart. Everybody else just sat and sat and sat and sat. And it, it showed up like an hour later. And I said, and they had to call up and complain, like, where is it? And I said, this is exactly what I was talking about. It right. just, I, I yeah. like having control i don't like having to give it to them and be somehow even when they're quote bringing it directly to the room it never works that way like it's so rare that you give it to them and they just bring it right up there it always somehow stops somewhere if you don't trust your luggage in the hands of these these snap professionals what are you talking (laughs) about so i and sometimes it's a pain in the ass sometimes it's heavy sometimes it's uh uh, it, it, it's not. It's cumbersome. The the only time I, I had to let them do it is when I broke my ribs at Caesars that time. There, there, I, I didn't have a choice. I couldn't physically do it. And, and maybe one day I'll be old and decrepit and won't be able to carry my own stuff. And uh, that'll be the case again. But uh, yeah, even Benjamin gets in the Benjamin pulls. Uh, Benjamin was pulling my Poker Stars bag on this trip. I have a Poker Stars bag with wheels on it, and uh, <laughs> he, he was. It's, like, so it's got to be like a free giveaway, right? Yeah, it was. It was. But, uh, <laughs> Venture is pulling the poker stars bag. Oh my god! So, Trederuski, what do you have to say about Spectrum? Uh oh, Trederuski, is he on mute or did he fall asleep? You never know with him. Right here. (laughs) That's not him. I think we really lost him this time. What the fuck? Oh no, he's gone. He's completely gone. Let me get him back. Let me put him back. I, I think we already know what I he would, thinks. Is, I think we know what he thinks is spectrum. I would comment. They, they kicked him out. So I, Larry, I would comment on this, but we don't have spectrum here, here I'm in back. the Midwest. And I'm, that wasn't even spectrum. That wasn't spectrum. Oh, you just, you just went off. Okay. <laughs> so do you think I was? Uh, I mean, Fredoruski, I knew something was going to go wrong with this shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> you, you probably had fun dealing with spectrum yourself, right? Yeah, I mean, the weird thing about spectrum too is like. It just goes out. I work out of my house, too, in the middle of yep. the day for no apparent reason. So then I have to tether on my phone. And then, like, when we were talking, and then earlier when I tried to call on Skype, I was playing a, po- I was playing a poker tournament on, uh, not Bovada, but whatever the new thing's called. That was, yeah. that was working. But then the internet on one of my other computers weren't working, and I couldn't connect on Skype. So, I mean, it's just, <laughs> who the fuck knows? Yeah. You, you know, the cable companies, they all seem to have this issue where the internet will just go out sometimes, like intermittently just go out. And I, I have to say, I, I I have this Fios product, which is, is different, and it's not through the cable company. And I have to say the Fios product itself is very good as far as not going out, other than when I have – had a few equipment problems like uh, last year in January when pretty much the whole month it was unreliable and they weren't believing me that uh, it was really a problem on their end. But uh, uh, other than things like that, when it's working normally, like like I don't have, on a typical day, I don't ever have a point where the internet gets, uh, it goes intermittently out or, or it has problems. It, it, it works. So I, I'll give them that. That's uh but the cable, when I've had cable modems, I, I, I've always had that sort of intermittent thing where sometimes it just, Stops working for ten minutes, and it's annoying. What's what's that bias? 
No, it's FIOS. 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 It's Fiber Optics, FIOS. I would love to get that here. In the Midwest, we have Comcast, which sounds kind of like what he was talking about. Yeah, same thing. It's the same thing, yeah. It's very similar. Almost the same amount of customer service. And every single night at around 3 a.m., my cable goes out. Just We just have internet. It goes out, and I have to reset it every night. It's so weird. Yeah, sometimes it, well, sometimes they're actually night, doing so. uh, like like uh, maintenance at those times, so it shouldn't be every well, night. Well, that's, but... that's what I feel like it is. I, well, maybe it isn't every night, but when it does happen, it's like at 3 in the morning, and that's uh, what well, I feel like it is. Just Fios does that occasionally, it, too. But... So, sometimes like at 2 a.m., like 2 a.m. sharp, I've noticed it goes out, but it's not every night. It's only once in a while, but I have noticed like at least 2 a.m. just it drops out occasionally. So no, your your cable modem shouldn't need fucking maintenance every night. That's no, ridiculous. no. Every night it should not. I, I, Never. I, no, I, I don't think. No, it, no. I don't. I don't think it's them doing maintenance on my modem. I think it's just them doing maintenance in the area. Like I don't think it's just my internet. Yeah, but then, you know what? You, you resetting it may actually not be fixing. It may just be the time it takes to reset. Maybe the time it takes for it to come back on. That may be what's going on. Who knows? I just know for the last fifteen years I've been resetting these fucking things. Yeah, cable companies suck. So yeah, it's. I would love to be able to get FiOS stuff. Yeah, you you also with, with FiOS you uh, the service is very nice. The uh, the billing sucks, and those people are terrible. But uh, then the, then again, the cable company those are terrible too. So, uh, oh, like the Google Fiber, I would love. Oh, yeah, I, I, mean, I would love. I the live Google in a Fiber. small enough town that it's just not going it, to. It's going to be a long time before it happens. Fortunately, where I am here, uh, everything was built. Recently enough, it's like not super new, but everything was built recently enough to where FiOS existed, so they wired it for that. They they're a lot they they wire in those type of areas much more often than areas that are older, right? And because it's just easier to do. So anyway, uh, yeah, that's uh, it's all about just where you live and what options are available, and it, it you know it sucks. You feel helpless when your internet service is just gone <laughs> mm-hmm. especially when they won't believe you that it, I, I i hate when it's on their end and they will not believe you and they they blame everything but themselves and then you always prove them right at the you always prove yourself right at the end not them right and uh you know with i even with files that happened as i said last year in january the whole month i went through hell trying to get that thing working and trying to get them to really believe it was on their end and it took a month for them to fix it and several visits and i, I got a Big credit at the end because I got so I really raised hell. When once they fixed it, once I proved it was really their fault the whole time, and they were ignoring what I was trying to tell them, then I really raised hell, and they gave me a big credit of like I think around two hundred dollars or something. But still, it was uh, it was lousy. So let's see what's next on uh, on the agenda here. Let's see. What's How come you don't want to call that pizza place? Be- it's be- definitely open right now because I I, I just don't have the energy to go off with Chico Loco. I've I, I got to be 100% to do that. I'll just do it. I'll well, do it why does Chico Loco, why does Chico Loco always have to call? Why do you have to call in a voice? These people don't know you. Because Chico Loco is, uh, it's the right character for this. He needs, he needs uh, that tough guy here to call up. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, so. I've, been, I've actually been to that pizza place. It sucks. Oh, it sucks? Have you had any customer service yeah. problems there? Where, where the guy, where the owner gets obnoxious was, with you? It was so long ago that I don't remember the customer service. I just remember that every time I pass it, I remember how the pizza sucked. Oh, interesting. All right, so uh, he, I had an altercation 
and I caused an <laughs> altercation between a few people who, you know, it wasn't just an altercation involving me, it was involving several people. All because of one hand I wanted rake-free. I was playing live at the Bellagio. I was playing 2040 Limit Hold'em, which I usually don't play. It's usually too low for me to play live. I usually play a minimum of uh, 3060. But 2040 was what I could get into at the time. Actually, I was in an 08 game, Omaha 8, 2040 with a half kill. And it was the weirdest thing. It was a full table. One player quit who was not a fish. And everyone quit at the same time. And the game broke. I've never <laughs> seen anything like that before. But that's what happened. So then I moved to this 2040 Limit Hold'em. Some guy, who I guess turned, I guess it was a regular there at Bellagio, but I didn't know at the time. A guy in a wheelchair who was old. I thought he was in his, like, 60s, like, late 60s or something. Turned out he was even older, but I found out later. Uh, he was in a wheelchair, like a motorized wheelchair. He pulled up, and he sat uh, to my left. To his left was a aggressive Asian player. He was probably around the early 30s, and this guy, you could tell, thought he was a lot better than he was, but in reality, I doubt was a winning player. He was just way too aggressive. He just threw away way too many bets and bluffed way too much to where, like, you just always would call him down. He thought he was being clever by, by being over-aggressive, but all you do is call him down, and most of the time you make money off him. So he's not, you know, he's not, uh, and a lot of times, like, like, for example, this Asian guy, I have King Trash in the big blind. He raises pre, which he's doing, like, almost every hand. The flop's eighth king something. Rainbow. Well, okay, I'm not going to check-raise that. I'm just going to call down. <laughs> it's either I'm way ahead or way behind him. So that's what I do, and then sure enough, you know, he has nothing, and I win. So uh, just things like that, where I just let him spew off at me. So he was there to, 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 you know, to that old guy's left. Uh, it was a full-table game to my right, and I'm sure at least one of them is listening right now. There were two fans of Poker Fraud Alert Radio mm. who I'd never met before. They, they introduced themselves. One of the guys was uh, a huge fan of the show, apparently. Uh, someone who he's texted with me before. And I guess this guy listens to every single episode. He, he, he loves this show. And I appreciate it. So, so I, I was uh, happy to meet him. As I said, this is someone I've texted with before. And then a friend of was his... Was it a forum member? No, he doesn't post on the forum. But, uh, okay. and, and then a friend of his was also there. And the friend of his is like a, a casual listener who listens uh, sometimes, but that guy's complaint was that the show is too long. <laughs> <laughs> and the funny thing is that the one who really loves the show, he loves the fact that it's so long. And he said they've, you know, they've had arguments about this where the guy who, who loves the long shows is like you know, telling him how, how great this is, how long it is, and the, the other guy is like wishing it's like a two-hour show. But anyway, the, the other guy liked the show too. He just sometimes can't get through the whole thing because it's so long. So, so they were, and they were both nice guys. I enjoyed meeting them. So they were both to my right. And then there are some, you know, various other randoms at the table. Um, at Bellagio, at, at this game and, and many other middle and high limit games, you pay a time charge, not a, not a rake. So you just... What is that in the background? What I is don't that? Know. <laughs> is someone being murdered there? What's going on? Is that, is that at your place, Larry? That no. dude just come over, Larry? Is, 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 is that, <laughs> no, it, I, I think maybe it's like that woman he's going to go out for drinks with. He has her tied up in the background or something. I, I mm-hmm. like, like, no, but I, I am, I am going to be. It's a creaky door, man. Okay. 
Well, okay, it, so... It was a creaky door. Okay, I'm, I'm going to pretend I didn't hear all that. So, anyway, back to the Bellagio story. Uh, you pay a time charge there every half hour. And t- uh, Commerce ha- used to have that, too. Now Commerce only has it at 6120 and above at, at Limit Games. But uh, time charges, they're treated differently depending on which casino you're in. And the question always comes up, what if you're very close to your big blind and about to quit, and then it's time to pay the time charge? So should you have to pay it? Should you, you know, be able to say, hey, I'm just going to play to before my big blind and then quit? And should you be able to do that and not pay the time charge? Now, this is really between you and the casino. It doesn't affect the other players, right? It's, you know, you're paying the time charge to the casino. But uh, you know, some casinos allow, some don't. So Commerce, which, has, which does have a much higher time charge than, than Bellagio does, but Commerce will let you play till your next blind and, and quit without paying the time charge. Or at the very least, sometimes they'll make you pay it, but then they'll give it back to you. They'll like, write a little voucher where you can go to the cashier and get the money back. Bellagio, they're always changing the rules over there. They're, they're always changing or reinterpreting the rules. I, I never know what the rules are over there. Because I'm not playing there every day, and it seems like every time I come there, it's a different story. So, I didn't know. I figured I might as well take a shot. It was my, I was under the gun. I was going to leave the table. And they, they said, okay, time for collection. And they brought, you know, they do this usually when the dealer changes, but it's, it's every half hour. So, a new dealer came in. And he says, you know, time, you know, time charge everybody. And I say, I explain my story of why I don't want to pay. So he kind of like shrugs his shoulders, like he, like he doesn't know, like he kind of doesn't know, doesn't care. Was his the gesture he gave me? So I thought that meant okay, fine, go ahead and do it. it kind of, and that, I think that's what he was trying to get at. Like I don't really give a crap. Will you do whatever? So fine. That that was what I thought was the answer. Now if he said no, I wouldn't have argued. But I thought that was the answer, and I thought uh, that was that. And why would any of the other players care about this? Should, should anyone care about this? All this is is me not giving another you know six seven dollars whatever it is to the Bellagio. Who cares? It's not like it's not like I'm getting free time the entire time and they're paying. It's not like I'm getting free time for half an hour and they're paying. I'm getting one hand. I'm getting one hand under the gun and they're probably just going to fold. But even if I do play it, what it's one hand. I guarantee I would absolutely never object to someone getting that. Even if I don't usually get it myself. If someone got that, I say, whatever. It's one hand under the gun. They're not paying Bellagio six, seven dollars. Who gives a crap? I don't care. Like Kawa, would you care if this happened? If someone got nah. this? No. I mean it's ridiculous. It's like whatever. Yeah. No big deal. Who cares? So I was sure I was sure all the players would have that attitude. Like if between me and Bellagio, if Bellagio was willing to let me play one hand without paying time, who gives a crap? I guess you're wrong. I was wrong. So the old man who already had uh, a bit of a history with me, I, sh- I, should, I should rewind a bit here and tell you the history I had with him in, in this game, that is. I'd never seen him before that. Um, there, there was a, a, a hand where uh, someone raised and um, I was on the button and I three-bet with king-queen. Someone raised in late position, I three-bet with... with uh, with jacks, and, um, and and he called like two and a half cold from the small blind, and then um, the flop came like seven three three with two hearts, and he just fired out. So 
I thought my jacks were still good. It came around. He fired out. I think someone just called and came back to me. And I thought, okay, I'm, I got to be good here. So I raised. He just called. The other guy called. So I, I'm pretty sure my jacks are ahead. The turn's an offsuited king. So I, I still think I'm pretty good here. He checks. The other guy checks. I bet. Old man check raises me, which is obviously bad news. Other guy folds. So it's just between me and the old man. So I got to think about what to do here. This is... This is kind of a crappy spot. You know, I'm thinking now at this point the guy probably has you know a king queen suited. I thought he's got something king something suited. You know that gave him the flush draw and the flop, and then uh, you know he thought he's clever betting out, and then he uh, he hits the top pair on the turn and check raises. Man, an old guy like this, you think he's not going to check raise this with, with with worse than what I have with a pair of jacks at that point? So I'm really thinking I'm going to fold, but I don't have that much history with it. You know, I don't know much about his play style. You know, I've, I've been surprised before. Earlier in the session, another player I thought would never pull a move on me pulled a move on me, and I very reluctantly called down the river in a big pot and won. So I thought about that. It wasn't the same guy, but I thought, you know, I, I can't always just say because he's old, he's not going to be pulling shenanigans on me. I, got, I, I hadn't seen enough of him yet. So I, 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 I considered folding, decided I'm going to call it down. Well, while I was thinking about what to do, I wasn't spending a lot of time thinking. I, 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 30 seconds I'm sitting here thinking what to do. The old man says to me, come on, make a decision. This isn't no limit. <laughs> so I said, I can think if I want. He says, uh, he says, hurry up. This is taking too long. Uh, th- th- that's why I play limit. Clock, clock. I want time called. Clock. So they call time. I couldn't believe the, the fucker called time on me. I've never had anyone call time on me in a limit game. It's like taking 30 seconds to think about what to do here. So they came over. They called the clock. Before they even started to count down, I just called and then called the river, a blank river. He bet I called, and he had uh, he did have king-queen suited. So that's there you go. So there you go. So I lost it. Okay. Anyway, that was our, that was our history. And then, so and after that, I was, uh, I was making comments to the two other guys from who listened to the show. I was going, can you believe this guy called time on me? I, he's, I have actually had a time called on me here at a limit game. Now, that's stupid. Like, I was saying things like that out loud just so the guy would hear this and... Uh, Making friends. Yeah, know that I was uh, not approving of his behavior here. <laughs> I mean, the guy's about to win the hand here. You know, he's he, he won the hand. You know, he's... A, he knows... Like, it's not like I'm sitting here five minutes deciding what to do. 30 seconds, he's got to not only uh, give me a lecture about speed it up, but... Uh, and this isn't no limit, but call the clock. I mean, what a dick. So anyway, um, so I, I let my displeasure be known that way, and that was it. Then it's then it stopped. So here we were back now. This is probably about an hour later with the thing with the time. So the old so the first one to pipe up is actually someone across the table who hadn't talked yet, like a like a fifty year old white guy who hadn't really talked. Not not a fisher by any means. Just kind of a you know okay player who. Uh, Across the table, who said, I, I object. I said, huh? Well, what do you mean? He said, he's, I, you can't do that. You, you can't get a free hand. I said, but the dealer just said he's okay with it. He said, why do you care? He says, no, I don't like it. I, I, don't, I don't like it. You, I, I'm like, what the hell? He's ob- there's someone objecting to me getting this free under the gun hand that, uh, uh, you know, and not pay Bellagio Ray? It's not like I want a free hand in the way that like, I'm not paying my blind. There I can see people objecting. But I, I'm not paying. I'm, I'm question. Yeah. Is there a bad B jackpot? No. Okay. So so it should, so I'm going. This is crazy. So I'm telling the guy across the table. I'm going. Why does this matter to you? Are you? The, I asked. Are you the defender of the Bellagio? Why? Why do you care here? Are you? Do you feel like the Bellagio is going to hurt if they don't get my six dollars? Just let me have my one hand. He might be a stockholder. <laughs> so so 
here I thought he was just some stickler. Or he's just someone that doesn't want to see you get one over for free. He doesn't want to, because he's not, he knows that he's not going to get that free hand. He's not going to get that opportunity. Right. That's, right? Exa- so that's exactly what it was. He's trying to, he's trying to deny you that. Privilege. Right. That's exactly what it was. So, so, so then I'm thinking that, okay, it's just one stickler for rules across the table. No. This creates a huge brouhaha. So the old man starts piping up, going, uh, going, this is the rules. You can't get this free hand. You don't deal them in, dealer. And so, so the dealer ignores all this and starts dealing anyway and deals me in. Deals one card to everybody. And then the old man goes, dumbass, right to the dealer. And, and the dealer, the dealer says, says, hey, I, I don't like this language. He says, I called you a dumbass because you are a dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he says, "He says we're just telling you this. This guy's not supposed to get a hand. He's not supposed to get a hand because he didn't pay time. You're dealing him in anyway. It's, uh, you know, you do that type of shit. You're a dumbass. So, so you know, he's going off. Then the Asian guy, who you know, he and I had gotten along up to now. We we were kind of joking around the whole time about him always bluffing me, and it was like kind of a, a friendly you know rivalry back and forth between me and him. All of a sudden, he becomes a real dickhead and starts you know stands up and starts yelling at me." About, uh, I'm wasting everyone's time. These are the rules. Why, why can't I follow the rules? Why am I stalling everything like this? I said, I'm uh, not the Druff, one. Druff, you have to do it in a really, really racist way. <laughs> well, I, like, why are you wasting my time? Well, I, I could, but he's actually, he was an Americanized, <laughs> he was an Americanized Asian guy. He it, sound, it doesn't, he's, it doesn't he sounded, matter. He sounded white. It doesn't matter. So, so, he, so he and I, he and I started <laughs> arguing, and I kept saying, look, the, the one wasting all the time is you, you guys are all the ones wasting the time here. If you guys just let me have my damn hand, it'd be over by now. Like, the only reason time's wasting here is because you guys are objecting to this. this shouldn't let me be- ask you this. Is it even up to them? Isn't it up to the dealer? Right. I kept saying that, too. I kept saying to these guys, this has nothing to do you with you. you look at the dealer and say, hey, can you control your game? I would have looked at the dealer and been like, "What's going on here?" Well, that's what they were yelling like, at. The de- they were yelling at. Oh, and, I, and the Asian guy also told the dealer, "You know, so the dealer's like, uh, look, uh, you know, whether you agree with me or not, I don't like being called a dumbass." And the Asian guy says, "Well, you are a dumbass. I'm going to call you that too." So the dealer goes, "Floor, floor." So he calls the, the <laughs> yeah. so the floor comes <laughs> over. Who's the floor? So the floor comes over. It wasn't just the floor. It was it was the manager of the entire poker room. This this guy uh, Craig, Craig, who's the manager of the, of the Bellagio poker room comes over. And I mean, he's the manager of the whole room, not just the manager at the moment. He comes over, and the dealer explains everything accurately, what happened. And so so, so the dealer asks the old man, is this what happened? And the old man says, yeah, I called him a dumbass. I called him a dumbass because he is a dumbass. <laughs> and, 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 and then the Asian guy pipes up and says, yeah, you know, all three of us called him a dumbass because that's what he is. And I couldn't believe this. They're saying this is the manager of the... Of the, of the of the card room. Not very bright. So what happens, and then they keep arguing with the manager. Actually, he, Craig actually kept this calm. He could have just said, you know, you guys are out of here. He, he kept this calm and tried to. So first he said, well, let's solve this right here. So Craig says to me, so wait a minute. You, you want a hand, uh, you, but you're not going to pay time? I said, well, yes, just one hand. I explained to him. He says, nope, that's not how the rules work here. You either pay the time or you uh, don't get the hand. I said, well. It's not then. Then just don't give me the hand. It's not worth it at twenty forty to get one hand under the gun for six dollars. I'm not going to do it. Right. So, so right. I said, just don't give me the hand. Then, so I, I that was it. I, I dropped it. Yeah, so, sure. So he's so they didn't give me the hand. I, I racked up my chips and and walked away. Well, the fight kept going on. You, th- you think because I left at that point it should be done? No. They're arguing 
Now, the, the the guy who originally brought this up, the one across the table, he kind of went quiet. But the 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 other two, the 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 Asian guy and the old man, kept defending how they should be able to call the dealer a dumbass. That why why because because he dealt me one card that, that you know he dealt her by one card that if the dealer's going to do that that he's a dumbass they should be able to say this that that's what it is that's what he is and they they were not relenting so finally the manager says okay you guys are out of the game so he kicked what both goes both those guys out of the game not permanently but he said that this dealer is not going to have to deal with them and told them that they have to stay out until this dealer's rotation's over which ended up being like more than half an hour. So, irony of ironies here. Remember, this whole thing that these two guys piped up. Remember, the first one to pipe up about me not paying the time was that guy across the table, but he didn't get kicked out. The two who got kicked out only piped up because I was, quote, wasting time with the whole thing. Well, the irony is that these two guys did pay time, and they got to play zero hands for the time they paid because they got kicked out of the game. (laughs) So... So they were kicked out, yet they didn't get their time back, and they couldn't come back until like more than half an hour later when that dealer was finally moved to another table. So, uh, and, and and then after they were kicked out, they sat there with Craig talking and talking and talking and, and trying to convince him of their point of view. And I, I don't know, it, I, they went on for like 20 minutes talking there, because I actually moved to another game at that point. So they they were arguing with Craig for like 20 minutes, the two of them. I've never seen an argument go on so long with, with a floor man over something so minor, too. So all because I wanted that one free hand, and it's so stupid, and I'm not just saying this because I was on this side of things. I am never a stickler for rules as far as what, how much people but, pay for their time. I don't give a shit. Wait, but the dealer was breaking the rules, though, so the dealer made a mistake. He did. He he did make a mistake, but but the, but the thing the, is, the heart of this is the dealer did make a mistake. Had those guys maybe called the mistake out a little bit differently, it might have been a different situation. Well, no, the way if if someone was objecting this, what they should have what they should have said is they should have said, "Call the floor over and have the floor decide," or they could have even yelled "floor." Or when the dealer exactly. started when the dealer started dealing, they could have told him, "Hold up, don't finish dealing this hand. Call the floor. This guy shouldn't get a hand. I don't want him playing a hand." And then, you know, you, the thing is, you can't ever abuse the dealer like this. And especially, no, with, I agree. And, and and especially, it was amazing that these guys continued it after the the, the manager showed up. But so but, here here's what I think happened, bro. I think you you irritated a couple of these guys at the table, and I think they just they they exploded. You know that in combination yeah. with just being, uh, just being miserable because they're sitting there playing limit. You know? <laughs> no, I, I, I think the guy who originally brought it up, I think, was just a stickler for rules. I had no issue with him. No, no, no. I'm talking about, you know, from earlier on. No, yeah, right? definitely, like when definitely, the other guy he, was pissed off that, you know, you took so long oh, to, yeah, to and, and I'm, hand. Yeah, but and, the guy won the hand, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, uh, one other and thing. He had lost it. That's yeah. Different. And it's one other thing. I, I skipped the part about the guy threatening me, the, the old man oh. uh, in, the, in the wheelchair. When we're arguing about the whole, <laughs> you were oh, in a wheelchair. Old man in a wheelchair. Yeah, when, when we when we were. Did I miss that part? Well, no, I skipped. You never it. said that. No, no, I mentioned it at the very beginning, but I skipped the, this part of the story. In you the, take that threat seriously. In in the argument we were having about <laughs> about the, about the hand under the gun, about whether I get it or not, uh, he he said something like, uh, 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 "You know, you better shut the fuck up, or you know, I'm gonna, you know, I, I'm gonna." 
get up and say, smack you down or something like that. Something like that. Dude. Some some threat that he's going to get up and smack me down or knock me down. Something like that. So aside from the fact that he was sitting in a wheelchair and probably couldn't get up if his life depended on it. But uh, uh, he, he, the guy was – it turned out the guy was almost 80 years old, I found out later, from, from someone oh, who knew he fuck. was. Now, he probably – he looked a little younger than that. He was a retired Chicago cop, Larry, so I'm sure – Who, Ray? Yeah. Yeah, it's Ray. That's who it was. Oh, uh, was Ray? Oh, yeah. that's, that's who it was. So, are you serious? Yeah. So, I can't believe so anyway, that. when when he said well, that to I me, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, what do I even say to that? When an old man here in a wheelchair is saying he's gonna like smack me down, and like, so, so I just said <laughs> oh to him, my God, bro, that's a fight you can't, the, you can't win that. So, fight. so I said, I said to him, are you kidding me? <laughs> and he says, he says, no, I'm not kidding. So then, shoot your legs off. So, so then, I, I, then I just dropped it. But then after, I, I decided I'm not gonna let him like think afterwards that he scared me. So like. After it, uh, wait a minute, wait a minute. You wanted to save face? Well, a little bit, but, but that a dude in a wheelchair was going to kick your ass? A, a little bit. So this is what oh, I did. L- listen, this is why I, I, I didn't. I didn't challenge him. Like, let's go fight. Is what I did. What is was uh, uh, what, what what I did is like. Um, what I did was like right uh, while we were waiting for for Craig, the manager, to show up. I, I said to him, uh, like, this is probably about a, a few minutes after he had made the threat to me. I, I said to him, you know, I think from that hand before where you were unhappy with how long I've been taking, I, I think you took a dislike to me. Now you have a problem with me. Is that what's going on here? You have a problem with me? And he goes, and so then at that point, he's, he got more docile. He's like, no, I, I don't have a problem with you. I said, well, I, you know, you, it, it sounds like you do. Now you're, you're, you're threatening to beat me up here. It sounds, it sounds like you've got a problem with me. He goes, no, I don't have a problem. It was weird. Like he went from like this really aggressive, like I'm going to smack you down to like, oh, I don't have a problem with you. Dude, but, he's 80. <laughs> Well, I know I was. Well, that's I, that's like, funny though, because Ray has been like a stickler to rules since like the early nineties. Since he's played, uh, there. sounds like people I know. Yeah, and, it, you know, I mean, but I mean, he's caught people cheating and stuff too in games I was in too. Yeah, but, so I mean, something like that is so. Yeah, it's funny how Trader Ruski knew who he was. It's funny Trader Ruski knew who he was, and Brandon knew who he was. It was Brandon who told me the guy's like nearly eighty, and he's like a regular there. I didn't even know him. I'd never played with them before. Maybe if they don't play twenty forty, but. Uh, uh, you know, it, but this guy, like, it, it, the fact that he's, like, threatening me, like, I don't know what to do. Like, the, the old man threatens me here. So, like, obviously I'm not going to say, okay, let's actually go outside and fight. But, <laughs> like, at, at, at the same time, like, I, and, 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 nor am I going to, nor am I going to, like, like challenge him back and re-threaten him back. But at the same time, I don't want him to think he scared me. I kind of wanted, like, the in-between there. I kind of wanted, uh, like, think he did. You could have sc- just wheeled him, like, into the, in front of the restaurant. Yeah, yeah, I could have just grabbed his wheelchair and just pushed him out of the room. <laughs> hey, uh, gentlemen, it's been great hanging out, but, uh. Larry's got to get out of here. Okay, we're going to meet okay, up with a guy. Good luck, Larry. You, you meet up with a guy? Good luck, man. Yeah, meeting up with a guy walks out a lot. <laughs> okay. All right. Terrible. Terrible, terrible. Okay, you guys you. enjoy the night. Okay, thank you, Larry. Bye. 420 was yesterday, man. Boy, okay. So, anyway, that's that, that's what happened to Bellagio. And the, I, I, guess, I guess they got the final joke on me. It was probably one of them who was sick. So they probably, they're probably listening right now and go, ha, 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 he got my cold, and two weeks later he still got it. Ha, ha. Drough. Listen. <laughs> when a dude in a wheelchair threatens to beat you up, you don't need to save face. Just fucking let it go. Well, that's what I did for a few minutes. I just said, are you kidding me, and then just dropped it. But uh, oh. then I, I just, like, I, I had to say something like, you have a problem with me or something. Like, I, I don't know. I just, I, just felt like I, <laughs> I just felt like I didn't want him having the satisfaction that he scared me, because he didn't scare me, but I, I didn't want him to think he scared me. So... I, I no just, one, no one is going to think that you were actually scared well, by a guy in a wheelchair. He, he, he seemed to, he seemed to believe he was making a, a threat that was 
you know, uh, going to have an effect. So, oh my god! So, <laughs> I mean, you know, it's like you know, you're you're outside walking around, and a butterfly swoops towards your face, and you're like, "Oh, that <laughs> butterfly made a threatening swoop at me. I'm going to go tear its wings off." <laughs> This guy's not going to hurt you. No, I was I I I wasn't worried about that, and I wasn't looking to hurt him in any way. I just uh, or even or make him think I was. I just uh, didn't want him to think I was afraid he would hurt me. Anyway, so that's that's what happened to Bellagio. Uh, I was in trouble. <laughs> I mean that was that was a lot. All over, all over one hand, two people got kicked out of the game, and he was a threat. I mean, it, 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 yeah, it was but you amazing. know what? I mean, honestly, like I've I've seen that kind of stuff, and <laughs> there are a decent number of people that. Especially, you know, older, retired guys that just sit there and play all the time. They're, they're just fucking miserable. I don't know anything about this guy and whether it's the, the case with him or not, but it may be also one of those things that, you know, those guys are just sitting there, you know, playing poker 24-7 and they're miserable and you gave them a good excuse to, to blow well, up. You speaking know? of an excuse, this reminded me a bit of something that happened in 2006 where, uh, and it didn't involve someone old, it involved uh, Liz Liu who was a uh, well-known poker player around that time. It kind of came on the scene out of nowhere. It was this, uh, a, a very high-maintenance Asian girl who tried to look a lot younger than she really was, but I think she's about my age. Anyway. Um, yeah, she's, uh, she's turning tricks now, right? <laughs> I, I think she came for money or got divorced. and got. She had a lot of money. She kind of came into poker with a lot of money in the first place. That's how she rose up so quickly. But anyway, she, she wasn't a bad player, but... Early on in her days of commerce, she was already like very arrogant, and there was something about the rake. I think in commerce, the policy was if there was nobody on the board, you didn't have to pay the collection the first time as a new player. So I think like I sat down, and just as I sat down, someone got on the board, and it was like really marginal, and I was trying to argue not to pay it. And anyway, she got really na- like I was arguing like fifteen seconds, and she just got really nasty to me about it. That's you know. Got in my face, yelled at me about it. You know, you know it, it's only this many dollars. You know, shut the, you know, shut the fuck up, leave it alone. Like she just really got nasty with it. It's not like, it's not like I held up the game for five minutes. It was like fifteen mm. seconds. Anyway, she 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 just was arrogant there, and she felt she she could just do that to me. Anyway, I, I kind of just didn't even know what to say to her at the time. I kind of just uh, took it and didn't really say much to her. But okay, I, I, crazy lady. But I I remembered it. I really disliked her after this. And then not too long after that, we played a limit hold'em tournament at Commerce. Both made the final table. Mm-hmm. The structure there was very bad, and uh, it was pretty much a card-catching contest at that point. In fact, that's exactly what it was. I did not catch cards, and I went out seventh. Liz Liu got down to the final two between her and a player who didn't give a shit whether he was the official winner or not, while Liz was actively seeking sponsorships, especially in, uh, in 2006, yeah. and wanted to have a tournament win under her belt, which she did not have yet because she was mainly a cash player. So makes sense. she offered a crazy deal that even though she had fewer chips than the guy did, heads up, that she would be declared the winner, but he would get more money for second place than she'd get for first. And the guy who was just some recreational player was very happy to take that deal and agreed. And she I don't was, think that's that crazy. She was crowned the winner, and she was so proud of herself that she had her win. Well, guess what? I was watching carefully who was going to win this just because I had been at that final table. I was curious. Uh-huh. So when I saw what happened, I brought attention to this on Everyone Poker. 
And then the story started to catch on, and Liz looked very, very stupid for this whole thing, that she was basically buying a tournament win. That she was the tournament winner with 40% of the chips, heads up. Which is what she was. I honestly, I think it's smart. I would try oh, to do I, that. I, if, I understand if I was a why. Chick. She, I understand why she did it. I'm not saying it was right. dumb, but but right. she was trying to pull a fast one, buy a tournament win, and right. I called it out. And the only reason I really made a big deal about this was because of how she had treated me before. Right. That was yeah. it. If she had just treated me better, if she had been nice to me at the table, I would have said, "Okay, I understand what she's doing. It's not a big deal. Who cares? It's a, it's a small limit to hold them tournament. Nobody cares about. You know, let, let her do it." I, I called this out. Because she was a bitch to me at the table for no reason. She didn't treat mm-hmm. me well. And that's what you get. You treat people poorly, then uh, sometimes it comes back to bite you. So that's uh, it reminded me a bit of that, of, a, of like someone, uh, something having to do with a collection, someone getting in my face for no reason about it, and, um, you know, and, and me remembering that. So Fair uh, enough. Warning to Ray here, the, Ray, Ray, the 80-year-old wheelchair guy, don't try to buy a tournament win. I'll call you out. I don't know if Ray has too many uh, tournaments. But. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, okay. Uh, CEO of Caesars Interactive Entertainment, Mitch Garber, who is basically the head of the World Series. Uh, the Caesars is split off into a bunch of subsidiaries, mostly to during their bankruptcy. They did this so they could have the partial bankruptcies where the unprofitable portions of Caesars could be the bankrupt Caesars and the non-bankrupt Caesars could be the uh, the profitable por- portion. Uh, that's not really happening anymore because the whole thing was uh, settled. So Caesars is uh, is pretty much out of this whole thing. I'm not sure if, if it's completely finished, but it's for all practical purposes finished. But anyway, Caesars Interactive Entertainment still exists. And Mitch Garber is the CEO of that. And they... They own not only WSOP.com and its real money uh, gambling operation, but they also own the World Series. So that's that's the part of Caesars that actually owns the World Series, is Caesars Interactive Entertainment, known as CIE. Uh, Mitch Garber recently received a bonus. How much did he receive as a bonus? You may think that it was something like one million dollars, which would be a pretty nice bonus. But no, he got two hundred million dollars. What? Two hundred million dollar bonus because of a smart purchase that he made for Caesars. Good for him. Caesars acquired a social gaming unit called Playtica. Uh, and this was uh, in 2011. This was an Israeli company that uh, provided uh, play money gambling games that very much mimicked the way real slot machines work. But uh, it was for play money. And the way it would make money is through uh, you know people buying play chips. And uh, I, I guess a lot of people enjoyed it, this play Tika. So Garber in 2011 urged the struggling Caesars to buy this. And it was not cheap. Uh, they bought it for $100 million. And Caesars was uh, a little bit skeptical if they should spend $100 million on just some play money company online. He also convinced them to pump in another $150 million to promote it over the years. So $250 million went into Playtica, 
Which, you know, Caesars is a large company. They can they can afford that. But that's uh, especially for a struggling company, that could have been money flushed down the toilet. And he could have looked bad because he was really strong in suggesting they do that. Well, in August 2016, Playtico was sold. We reported that on the show. A Chinese company bought it for $4.4 billion. Wow. So Caesars made a ton of money, over $4 billion on this. Uh, they, made, they made over $4 billion on something they spent $250 million on, and this was really Garber's doing, and they were very, very happy about this. Not only that, but this uh, $4.4 billion turned out to be instrumental in uh, saving Caesars from its bankruptcy because uh, basically uh, this money that they got in August – was uh, allowing them to uh, plug the debt hole enough. It didn't completely get them out of debt, but it was enough to get them close enough to where they were able to uh, bring the two sides of the whole bankruptcy battle close enough to where uh, uh, they could hammer out a deal between themselves and and the various uh, lien holders. And that's why uh, Caesars is now okay. If they didn't have that $4.4 billion, then that uh, the whole thing probably would not have occurred. So this is they, they were so they they decided that Mitch Garber really saved Caesars, and you know they got eighteen times what they had invested into this. And again, had they not done this, they wouldn't have had this money available in in, in two thousand sixteen to save themselves, which turned out to be essential. So he got uh, a two hundred million dollar bonus. Uh, in connection with that sale. So that's uh, a huge payout. But in this case, it it probably was deserved because he really did something very big for them. Uh, Garber was actually also the CEO of Party Gaming at one point. He also, this a lot of people knew that, but a lot of people did not know that... Uh, he, he was working originally at a Montreal law firm in the 1990s named Lazarus Charbonneau. And uh, the founders, the founder of the firm, whose name is uh, Morden Lazarus, was the founder of one of the uh, of, uh, online gaming-related business law. And then uh, Garber left the company to start a payment processing company. And that payment processing company eventually became known as FirePay. And a lot of you probably used FirePay in the 2000s. It was kind of a predecessor to NetTeller. uh, FirePay left the U.S. market because of the legal issues. They left before uh, the hammer came down on sites like NetTeller. NetTeller filled the void of FirePay and then... uh, Neteller got busted in 2007. So Fire, I, I used FirePay back then. So Mitch Garber was the one who who actually started FirePay. It was actually a company called uh, Surefire Commerce, but their brand name was FirePay. So that, that, was, that was his history. But now he's the uh, he's the CEO of Caesars, and under him is Ty Stewart. Now, Mitch Garber does not actively run the World Series. That's basically uh, tasked to Ty Stewart. But but Mitch Garber is his boss. So if Mitch Garber doesn't like something Ty Stewart's doing, then Mitch Garber can overrule it. And Ty Stewart reports to him. 
And then under Ty Stewart at the World Series is is uh, that's where the you have Jack Effel and, and Seth Polanski. So uh, that that's the structure at, at the World Series of Poker. So this this is not that far removed from the World Series, even though this doesn't this story doesn't have to do with the World Series. He is basically the CEO of the World Series, Mitch Garber. And uh, some people don't know that. A lot of people know of Ty Stewart, and most people know of uh, Jack Effel and Seth Polanski. But uh, Mitch Garber is above all of them, and he just got uh, $200 million. So pretty you good. know what, Druff? <clears throat> Unless I really, really, really loved my job, if I get a $200 million bonus, I mean, I'm just done. Yeah, it's, it's a good done. point. It's a good point because... Yeah, you have that much money. Um, you may say at that point, you know what? I, I'm just going to take it, and now I'm set for life. Not only don't I have to work again, but I, I could afford just the best things in life and never have yep. to work. I mean, my philosophy is that I make money so that I can live my life. Yeah, You know what I mean? I, like, And I've seen people that work themselves to the bone and According to my philosophy, if I die with any money in my bank account, I've fucked up. I've failed. You know what I mean? Because that money, you've, you've traded hours of your life to earn it, and if you've never spent it and enjoyed it, what the fuck? Why Why even bother? So, I mean, unless he really, really loves his job or, or – I mean, something that companies do a lot in situations like this is a, it'll be a bonus, but it will be – paid out over time or it's contingent on him staying there or that kind of thing. Because otherwise, companies are just giving an incentive for really good people to leave. <laughs> you know? Like, thanks for the $200 million, I'm out of here. Yeah, I you guess know? this is some sort of finder's fee. And I don't, I don't know if this is arranged beforehand. It was like uh, – it, it was – yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if this is something – how, how Usually this... when those things are awarded, it's not just here's your $200 million, see you later. I'm just saying. Usually, yeah. that's not how it works. I, it, I, I'm not seeing exactly how this 200 was agreed to, or where, you know how it was calculated. Yeah. But it, it was it was basically an award or a reward for the Platika situation, where they bought it for 100, invested 150 more million, and then sold it for 4.4 billion, and, and, yeah. and basically well, saved the company. They may not have had a specific agreement for this, but what they have for executives is a employee in agreement that will cover you know vesting schedules for bonuses and that finder fee and all, all that kind of stuff like i guarantee you that there's something involved in this like they're not just giving him a 200 million yeah yeah check. I, I'm, I'm sure of that yeah, yeah. and uh, the, the, but seriously like if you're working at this company how much would you have to love working there to stay after getting 200 million yeah well i think a lot of times it becomes pride like like you're the you're at such a high position there that you're like in control of the company or a large portion of it, and that it's uh, it's like you're a baby and you're, you don't want to you don't want to leave it. It's like uh, I would give them my assistant's number at my cottage in Hawaii. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I'd be like, "Thank you very much. I'm going to travel the world, do what I want to do. I appreciate it. It was fun. Somebody else can sit in a fluorescent uh, bulb office for 12 hours a day now. Yeah. You know? I admit it would be pretty hard to keep working when you have that type of money. But, yeah, he got it. So, yeah, by the way, speaking of the World Series, uh, a certain media organization was granted a 
press pass for the World Series again. A certain organization that... Uh, Donk Down Radio? That, that does uh, hard-hitting investigative reporting and, and commentary and... Uh, Quad Jacks? They may have gotten one, too. I don't know, but... Seals with Club Magazine? <laughs> but, yes, Poker, it, Poker Fraud Alert, once again, is, is an official media source for the World Series. It's, it's just that that came through the wire a few days ago. So, you know, this, this is my thanks to them. This is uh, as a thanks to the World Series for granting me that uh, media pass. I'm, I'm doing a positive story on, on the head of the World Series. Oh, don't worry. I'm sure there'll be plenty of negative ones once it starts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then I can just go back and say, but look, Mitch Garber, I said nice things about him. He's the That's top, true. He's, he's the top guy here. So That's true. I had nothing I had nothing but nice things to say. All right. So let's see what else we got here. Um, Hart, this is a story uh, brought to us by Ari Engel, who is a listener of the show. He's a very good tournament player. He's known to some as Bodog Ari. He's a religious Jew who wears the yarmulke all the time. And he's a very prolific tournament player. Hold on, Druff. Un- unlike other religions, are you saying that there is not anything in the Jewish faith that prohibits him from gambling? No, there's not. You can gamble. So, as a Jewish person, it's okay to, to deal with this stuff, yeah. with the money, right? Yeah. yeah. yeah? No yeah. problem? Yeah. All right. You're saying Jews can't deal with money? I mean, come on. Think about, think about all the Jews you know. I'm just asking. So anyway, Ari Engel is—he's a very prolific tournament player. He goes around and plays so many different tournaments. He really is a big grinder in the tournament scene, and he's one of these guys who really just puts the time in. And I, I have a feeling he's backing himself completely too. I don't even think he has backers. I think he's putting up his own money. He plays a lot of smaller tournaments. He plays a lot of bigger tournaments. He just—he uh, he has a very far-reaching schedule. He goes all over the world. And, He's a beast. Yeah. He is a beast. And and he he had a big score last year for over a million dollars. He we, we heard of him win that uh award from the Global Poker Index as we watched that terrible broadcast. So Ari, in addition to all that, he finds time to listen to this show every week. And Ari, I will give him credit also is someone who will speak up when he sees something wrong, usually on the tournament scene, because that's what he does. But if he sees something that's unfair, he will call it out, much like I do. And when I see him call it out, I, I, I just about always agree with him. And then I call it out on this show as well. So this has happened again here. I'll drop, leave it as a cliffhanger for one second. We got an update yeah. uh, from Keaton in the chat. So the payout was actually um, $168.3 million for stock options mm. and restricted shares. And the way those stock options are going to work is they're going to vest just like I was telling you, where he'll, he'll have the option to purchase you know, X amount of stock over X amount of time, and they will vest uh, in a schedule, and it may even be like 10 years before he'll actually oh, own okay. the full vesting of those stocks. Um, the actual bonus was, uh, this is from Bloomberg was a more down to earth 1.7 million yeah. in sal in salary and bonus, which is still quite nice. Um, and he also already, he also already owned, uh, 
forty million dollars worth of stock in that interactive unit that got sold. So he did he did well, but it's not as insane. Yeah, and, well, it and, it is, and it is what we suspected that um, you know he doesn't just walk out with yeah. a two hundred million dollar check. That makes sense. Okay, well, thank you, Keaton. I don't even know who Keaton is, but uh, whoever <coughs> whoever he is, um, thank you for that piece of information. So. I had a mute. I have a mute button ready for the times I have to blow my nose or cough, but I missed it that time. Anyway, uh, going back to the situation with Ari Engel, the Heartland Poker Tour has been a very popular poker tour. It's existed for a number of years now, and it's exactly as it sounds. It goes to a lot of uh, stops that are in cities that have gambling and have poker, but aren't traditionally known to be uh, major hubs of poker. You know, places like St. Louis and Chicago. You know, it's, it's not... Uh, it's it's a tour that goes to places like that, not not uh, necessarily to places like uh, Las Vegas or Atlantic City. So, the Heartland Poker Tour has come under fire recently. And at first it came under fire last year. And then we have an update to the situation this year. And I really don't like the response we're getting from them. Now, to review what happened last year, because that very much has to do with what's going on right now. Um, it was found by a poker player named Ben Keyline that at the Heartland Poker Tour main event at the Ameristar Casino, that there was missing money from the prize pool. And basically, it was figured out that uh, 1% was missing. And he couldn't figure this out. So, it was it was not clear what was happening. And, and then I, I looked into it. They said, you know, they posted a spreadsheet. And I, I kind of, like, looked at the numbers and I figured it out. Uh, that 1% per player was being taken out. So they were taking 4% out of the prize pool for staff promotions rather than what they claimed, for staff and promotions, what they called it, rather than 3% like they claimed on the tournament receipt. Because each person got a receipt, and it said on the receipt that 3% came out for for staff and promotions, but they were really taking 4%. I don't know how they could have taken out 4% when the official receipt says 3%, but that's what they did. They would never explain why they did that, but uh, that's what was being done. This was a story from back in February 2016. I reported it on this show and there really wasn't much after that. So, fast forward to April 2017 and Ari Engel noticed that something similar is going on, but a little bit different, but uh, he was getting frustrated with the lack of transparency by the Heartland Poker Tour. So now on their official structure sheet at the bottom, it says non-cash awards of 1% will be deducted from the prize pool. What does that mean? Non- what the hell's a non-cash award? Non-cash awards. I mean, at first you go, oh, okay, they're taking non-cash awards. Out. You go, wait, 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 wait a minute. What is that? What is a non-cash award? So... Um, Ari post, posted on Twitter and addressed it to Heartland Poker's Twitter account. 
on April 19th, three days ago. Please explain the 1% non-cash awards being withheld from the prize pool. Never seen language like that before. What does it mean? So even Ari, who plays tournaments pretty much every day, even he's never seen that language before, 1% non-cash awards. Okay, well, what is a non-cash award and who's getting it? So and Good for him. He's probably one of the few people that actually reads the fucking thing. Right. You know? so, so, so Heartland Poker Tour tweets back at him, the 1% is for promo use and has always been there. Uh-huh. So... What does that mean? What does that mean? Exactly. <laughs> so they will not explain to anyone. That's it. They shut them down. They're not, others have asked about that since then, too. They will not explain what promo actually is, which is pretty damn shady. What, what is promo? Now, to me, what I think promo means is probably money they're spending on promoting the tournament. That or would be or a money, logical thing. Or maybe maybe hosts that they're hiring. Sometimes these tournaments have like hosts that walk around and try to, you know... Make people feel more comfortable. Whatever, like anyone, anything they can call promotion, they're just taking one percent out of the pool and paying for it, which is basically just an extra percent rake that they're uh, not calling an extra percent rake. So this way, they mm-hmm. can uh, make it look like they're not raking as much as they are. So what they're claiming is it's a fourteen hundred forty dollar buy-in plus a hundred ninety-five dollar rake, which is already expensive. But then now there's another fifteen dollar promo on there. So. And that's what they wrote. They said, so 1440 plus 195 plus 15 promo, they wrote on, on the Twitter to Ari. So they're just taking another 1% out to pay their own expenses, which normally is part of it. Like, you don't see the World Series doing this. The World Series, it's just uh, they, they, they have the base that goes into the prize pool and, and then the other portion, which goes out to pay the staff and, and, and also to go to Caesars. And that's it. There's no hidden extra money going out for BS. You see clearly what what part on the structure sheet you see clearly what part is uh, for rake and what part is to the staff and what part is to the, the the company. So this is very shady, especially because they won't explain what promo is. And then they try to, so first they used to just not mention it. They just snuck the extra 1% last year. Now they are accounting for the 1%, but they're using a nonsensical term of non-cash awards. Well, what, what, what's an award? An award would mean someone's getting it. So who's getting the award? They're not saying we're taking an extra 1% out to promote it. We're saying non-cash awards of 1%. Okay. Who's getting awarded? The company? It doesn't make any sense. Now, furthermore, they lied to Ari a little while ago about the high rake. See, Ari played in St. Louis at an event that was a $1,670 buy-in. And it broke down to $1,440 plus $230 rake. So it was again that same fourteen forty goes into the prize pool and two thirty was the rake. So Ari went to Ken Lambert Jr., who's the Heartland Poker Tour director of operations, and he said, "Ken, why is the rake so high? That's that's a really high rake. If you uh, if you run the numbers, if you do uh, two hundred thirty divided by uh, sixteen seventy, that's a thirteen point seven seven percent rake." Okay, the World Series of Poker. If you look at uh, even their thousand dollar event, which has a, which has a higher rate than the fifteen hundred event, but let me take the thousand dollar event. That's nine hundred plus one hundred, so that's a ten percent rate. That's a big difference. So here for a smaller event, the World Series rakes ten percent, and here the fourteen forty event. Like I think the fifteen hundred events, I think they're only doing like eight eight or nine percent 
at the World Series. Here are the fourteen, the, here are the sixteen seventy event, which is even bigger than the the fifteen hundred event of the World Series. They're raking the almost fourteen percent. So, Ari said, "Why is this so high?" And Ken Lambert said, "Look, uh, we'd love to make it lower, but St. Louis has this really weird local tax." And their tax is so high that if we don't make the rake high enough to cover it, uh, we can't survive here. So sorry, this, if you want to play in St. Louis, this is the way it is. So Ari believed that. And then uh, not that long later, a Chicago event came up. And the, buy, the rake was uh, almost the same. It was a $210 rake. On a fourteen hundred twenty dollar buy-in, so it was a sixteen thirty event where fourteen twenty was was the actual buy-in, two ten was the rake. So almost the same as St. Louis. So this tax thing is BS. It's almost the same. Maybe the tax accounted for the twenty dollar difference, but that's not uh, you know that's not going to mean very much. But still, uh, well, you know, Druff, this Chicago city, they got these strange you know fees that you have to pay there. So you know they they have to make it higher. Well, you yeah you you, may, you think that, that that might be the excuse, but he wouldn't even give the excuse at that point when. When Ari uh, asked him, uh, then he wouldn't answer anymore about this. Then, Don't then, you love it when people just, like, <laughs> they're like, ah, oh, fuck, I, I just give up. I, I, I'm not even going to lie anymore. Right, that's, that's, what, that's, what, that's what Ken Lambert apparently does. So, uh, it, it's, uh, so they're getting very frustrated, these, uh, these regular players like Ben Keeline and Ari Engel. They're getting very frustrated that they're playing on this, this Heartland Poker Tour and then not being dealt with honestly. Now, yeah. now the tour does have a right to rake what they want. They can just say, "Look, this is our rake. If you like it, then play. If you don't, then then that's fine. That's your choice. If you don't want to, we're we're higher than the World Series. That's what we've chosen to do. And uh, you know, for whatever reason, you can, you can play if you want. I, no, I think the shitty part is that they're trying to hide it. Right? Huh? They're trying to hide it, and make excuses about St. Louis and all this, and then this whole thing about the promo. What is that about? Just, just, just it, whatever rake you're going to charge, make it clear. Make it clear what rake you're charging, what percentage of that rake goes to the staff, what percentage goes to the house, and what percentage goes to the prize pool. And that's it. That's what the the World Series does. That's what should be done. That's what they do not do at the Heartland Poker Tour. And then when asked, they either lie about it or just won't answer you. I'm surprised there isn't some kind of regulation. You know, gaming is usually pretty well overseen. I'm surprised that... uh that kind of lack of transparency is even allowed. Yeah, well, unfortunately, this thing about the non-cash awards they may be able to get away with, what they did last year was just taking an extra 1% without telling everyone, but with putting that they're taking 3% for the staff and promo and taking 4%. That, that there could have been a complaint to gaming. I'm surprised there wasn't. But uh, I, I don't know, you know, I don't know if this non-cash awards of 1% thing is okay to do if they disclose it. But the problem with disclosing is they're putting a nonsensical term that doesn't mean anything, non-cash awards. When, when, what it seems to mean is we're just taking another 1% and keeping it. Well, most, I mean, most gambling um, oversight is usually pretty strict about this stuff. I know at least in Nevada they're strict as fuck. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder and, about that. And, and a lot of other industries have gotten in trouble for doing things like hiding fees like this. Yeah. I, I wonder if it's, I mean, who knows? I don't, I don't know enough about gambling law to know in these various jurisdictions whether it's legal or not, but it would, wouldn't shock me if they did something, if you can't just hide fees like that. 
It yeah. wouldn't surprise me. Now, this is Ken Lambert Jr. If, if you're listening or if you hear about this show from somebody, uh, this is a fair show. I want everybody to be able to give their point of view. If you want to come on here and, and refute this, if you want to explain any of this, if you even don't want to come on the show but want to email me a statement that would explain any of this, then feel free. My, my email address is dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com. You can text me at 775-372-8355. You have the opportunity to respond to this. But I believe Ari right now. Ari's a very reliable guy. I don't think he's making up any of this. I don't think he's incorrect about any of this. But if there's something I've said which is not accurate, then by all means correct it. But otherwise, this is very shady. This is very non-transparent. And it pisses people off. And it's disrespectful to the players and disrespectful to the people who support your poker tour. And for such a popular tour that seems to be doing so well, I don't see the reason for things like this. Just just be honest. Even if you have a high rake, be honest. This is the rake. The truth is, um, if you have a popular poker tour, most of the recreational players who are playing there, or the semi-recreational players, they're going to play anyway. You may lose some pros like Ari if they decide that it's not worth the amount of rake to pay, but... Be honest of what it is, and and you know non-cash awards of one percent. Come on, that's just dumb. That's that's comes off as something really shady. It comes off like you're trying to slip something by people, and to use language like that that is not used anywhere in the tournament scene, and that doesn't mean anything by itself. We still don't know what a non-cash award is. I think is really crappy. So that's that's what's going on now. If you want to see the structure sheet, I have a, a copy of it posted, including the relevant tweets afterwards. If you go to the scam sh- scandals and shadiness forum, look at the <coughs> <coughs> sorry about that. Look at the thread entitled "Heartland Poker Tour Missing Money from Prize Pools." It was a thread started last year, but the last post you'll see is from me with the structure sheet and with the tweets from Ari and the Heartland Poker Tour in response. And uh, you can judge for yourself. So if you're at the Heartland Poker Tour and you see this uh, Ken Lambert Jr. around, maybe go up and ask him. Say, hey, what is a non-cash award? Why are you charging 1% for that and where is it going? And see what he says. In the 512, we got a text, Spectrum sucks. They always credit my UFC fights when I give them a bullshit story, though, so I'm not complaining. <laughs> so this guy, this guy is scamming uh, UFC fights from them. Like, he, he gets a pay-per-view and then finds some excuse to claim, you know, something was wrong with it, and they give him back the money. Well, that's the flip side of having, you know, <laughs> low-paid, semi-competent people working there is that you can trick them like that. You know, sometimes... If you can pull things like that to get back money that they should owe you anyway, but they won't give you for some reason, um, that's not even that bad. Like, yeah, it's a Robin Hood kind of thing, you know? Yeah, what we would say, a Robin Hood for yourself. Like, you know, if, like if they, oh. if you're having like, yeah, for example, if if you're having just tons of issues with them where the internet's not working over and over, and they're claiming it is, and you're wasting tons of your time and solving it, and then you, when they finally do solve it, and it was their fault, they won't give you any credit for all the time they wasted of yours. If you go, well, you know, fuck them, they wasted so much of my time. You know what? Screw them. I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, get a free UFC fight out of them. Yeah. I, I'm not gonna hold that against you. That's that. Uh, you know, that, that's basically finding a way to 
force them to credit you in a backdoor way. Yeah, I, I'm I, just gonna I'm just gonna go in there and have a nice little face to face with Rick. I'm just gonna yeah. look him straight in the eye and say, Rick, you lied to me, Rick. You <laughs> lied to me in a big way, Rick. It's kind of like I know somebody. It, was, it wasn't me, by the way, but I know somebody who got cheated by an airline, just outright cheated, and they couldn't. They just couldn't get anywhere. They the airline just kept their money. I forgot the whole story, but they were in the right. What they decided to do is next time they flew them, they faked losing luggage, and got whatever payout there was for the lost luggage, oh. just, just to get the money back that way. Fine. There you, go. you know, if you were, if the airline really cheated you, and that's the only way you can get the money back, fine. You know, that's. Uh, um, whatever, if, if it all breaks out at the end that you've gotten uh, what should have been coming to you in the first place, that's fine. So, okay. Yeah, but then, you know, I also think about it just from my, like, stress level and my time. You know, I, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time bitching at these guys about wasting my day today, you know? Well, what I usually do, though, is I, when, I, when I do get things wasted because of incompetence or, the, or whatever it is that these companies cause, and it does waste a lot of my time, especially when, I, when they do this as a result of either uh, not taking my claim seriously or by just ignoring my request like you did. You have to reminding them over and over not to let this happen, and they let it happen. Yep. Uh, there I do call up, give them the whole story about all the inconvenience I suffer, and then say, you know, can you do – something for me and then don't take their first offer unless it's really generous like if they say well, right. okay well we'll give you a $35 credit you know and then go you go well all this happened and that happened and this happened you know I paid I'd rather just money. post it all over the internet thanks you can do both <laughs> uh, it's I, I like like when when I got put through all the crap last year in January for for the whole month of no reliable internet which some of you on the show remember when I just the show kept going out and all these other problems because the internet was terrible here uh, when it was all done, I said, I, I don't, demanded a month of free service. I said, just can you take the last month's bill and wipe it out because of what happened? Because I basically did not have reliable service. And they thought about it, and they said, you know, when it was all done, they looked at all the notes. They saw their pages and pages and pages of notes, and they saw the final conclusion was Todd was correct the whole way. He said, all right, yeah, we really screwed this one up. Okay, yeah, we just wiped your bill. And then they, I also got like another $50 on top of that. I think I got like $200 out of the whole thing. Now, it was not worth $200 to me. If, if, if someone asked me, are you happy that happened? No, I would rather have paid the $200 and not gone through all that. But, right. uh, but, but I was at least happy that I got the 200 at the end. I felt it was very deserved after all the shit they put me through because they could have solved it very early if they just believed me. Yeah, I mean, to some extent I could do that, but I also am kind of just mentally it's, – it's almost like an ex-girlfriend in a way. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, I could get that, you know, toaster back, but then I'd have to talk to her again, yeah. and it's just not worth it. And I just guess I get satisfaction. That's like a, like a happy ending for me, at least. Like, I just feel like, yeah, all this sucked, but at least, at least the final thing was good. At I'll let you call for me. How about that? <laughs> I'll I let should... you get your you get your satisfaction, and I'll I'll split whatever happens. Oh, I think about that one. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, now maybe Chico Loco can get me yeah. some fucking satisfaction. <laughs> I've actually done this for people, but I've I've called up before and gotten them credits they didn't think that I could. I just I just hear the story and it irritates me so much. Like usually not like this where they just have a bad customer service experience and they lose it. Like more like when someone gets ripped off in some way and I go, well, right. why don't you call up? Oh, I don't know who to call. I'm not good at these things. And I finally just fine, fine, just give it to me. I'll call up. 
I'll see yeah. him, you know, your brother or something, you know, and then they, I get them some big credit back, and they go, wow, how did you do that? Well, I mean, it legit caused uh, problems for me because no, I, I did you. have work to do that people were expecting to get done, you know? I mean, granted, all I did was just go to the library and just do it there, but it was no, still kind of annoying. No, it's it sucks. I know. Yeah. All right, so uh, another poker tour, which is even more shady, the Poker Players Championship Tour. This is not the World Series of Poker Poker Players Championship. This is the Poker Players Championship Poker Tour, which... Uh, is pretty much no longer and was a, a appears to be like a Ponzi scheme. We've talked about that before on this, and there were there were two guys involved with this that owned it and that actively ran it, Sandy Schwarzbaugh and Brian Olton. Well, we haven't heard much from Sandy, but Brian Olton has filed for bankruptcy. So, uh, and and he actually is listing some of the players who are owed money from this Aruba event as creditors. So uh, he's gone that extra step, filed for bankruptcy, and... Uh, that's a fucking shock. Yeah. Well, I, I thought he made it <clears throat> completely avoid it, which that Sandy Schwarzbaugh is doing. But uh, here's what's uh, going on here. Let me get to this... Uh, the story here, which I thought I had up. So, uh, so he, he uh, the, now here's some interesting things that came out through the bankruptcy filing. Uh, apparently, the Poker Players Championship was funded through a small business loan from a company called the Small Business Owners of America. You can look at their website if you go to sboa.com. SBOOA.com, which stands for Small Business Owners of America. And I guess they're the ones who uh, who funded it. And uh, the reason it's known that they were probably the ones who funded it is because they were listed as, as one of the big creditors <sighs> for the, uh, the, the PPC. So Brian Olton uh, filed on April 9th in a Broward County courtroom in Florida that he owes $891,701 to a pool of about 200 creditors. He says he still has 414678 in assets. So while that's way below 891, he's almost half a million dollars behind. He does have some assets. He's not flat broke. And uh, he does have... Uh, a home in Lighthouse Bay, Florida, worth three hundred eighty uh, three hundred thirty-eight thousand. So that's um, most of that uh, assets he claims to have. I guess beyond the home, he doesn't have that much. He claims he has no income at the present time, which is believable. Uh, there is a lawsuit against the PPC because of uh, what happened in Aruba, how they did not pay the top finishers, and uh, the largest debt in that. Filing is two hundred fifty nine thousand six hundred to the small business owners of America. So that was pretty dumb. I mean, uh, I guess they smooth talked the SBOOA to give them this loan. The funny thing is, this seemed to be a successful tour. They just were mismanaging the money. So this actually could have been a decent investment for the SBOOA if they uh, 
had handled the money right. But the problem well, is... Well, we don't know. I mean, they could have been losing money on top of, of skimming it, right? They could have been, but it seemed like these were popular. And if you run these things correctly and don't, you know, just irresponsibly spend, then it looks like it should have made money. All right. That's, that's my opinion. I don't. I can't say that for sure, but it, it, it seemed to be successful. I mean, what, the truth is, once you get one of these poker tours going, and, and there's a good word of mouth with it, and there's a lot of casinos running it, uh, then you, you've, you've pretty much got uh, a guaranteed moneymaker on your hands, as, as long as you control the spending. As long as you, number one, don't steal the money from it, which appears they did. And number two that you don't go crazy with marketing and stuff like that, 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 you know, kills all your profits, which, which I don't think was necessary anymore because there, there was good enough word of mouth about this tour that I, I think the marketing expenditures didn't have to be that high. That's just my opinion from, from observing it, that it should have been able to make money at the point they got it to. But I think these guys just were living a, a lifestyle that uh, was beyond those means. So they were basically, dipping into the prize pools to live their lives and then running future tournaments to pay the current winners and kept you know doing that and that until the whole thing fell apart. So, <coughs> anyway. Um, the, the next largest one uh, was, t- was to the winner of the Aruba tournament, which is Steven Deutsch, who's owed uh, almost 129000 so anyway, that's been filed, and we will see where this goes. Uh, but that was just filed on April 9th, and uh, of course there's that lawsuit going on. I guess the good news is forever who's owed uh, money here is that he does have that house that's worth 338000 so he's not flat broke. Otherwise, if he was flat broke, he'd be screwed, because I believe he has no income right now. And a guy like that, you can sue, but you're, it's like squeezing blood from a stone. You won't get anything. Mm. But maybe with that house, uh, people can start squeezing some money out. Maybe not all of it, but some of it. And the funny thing is there, there are a few small debts that were listed. For example, the owner of the online poker report website named Chris Grove, he writes some poker articles that I read sometimes, is owed $267. <laughs> the fuck? Like, why can't, why can't Brian Olton just pay him $267 and get him off the list? That's crazy. And uh, another... Well, it's usually not how it works. Usually the people that are owed the least are the last ones to see anything. Yeah. but the, 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 However, the ones who are owed, in bankruptcy, but like... The ones who are owed the least who are aggressive about it are usually the first to get paid because their portion can just get knocked off and you can get them out of your hair. Where right. if you owe someone a large sum of money and pay them part of it, they're not going to be satisfied with it. So you just feel like, oh, I don't want to pay them anything. Screw it. Like, I, if, I'm, if they're not going to be out of my hair, then why should I pay them at all? That's what these guys think. I mean, I guess he, he was paid for some article he wrote or some co-promotion or something like yeah, that. Yeah, must have been something like that. Or owed money for it. Yeah, you know? it has to be something like that. So, anyway, that's that's what's going on there. We'll give you updates as this goes forward. It is funny that they got a small business loan to start the whole thing. 
Maybe I should get a small business loan for Poker Fraud Alert. Because I, I don't know what I do with the money. Like, if I got the small business loan, like, then, then what I would, what would I do? What What are we missing here that I I need to add that costs money? Other than, well, that's because you don't have a business plan, bro. I, 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 <laughs> no, 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 but if I if I came up with one, I wouldn't even know what to do. Like, like I guess like it could be promotion of the site or something. Yeah, like, marketing, promotion, development, improvements. I mean, there's plenty of stuff you could do. Yeah, but I'm thinking about things that would actually bring in money, like like getting more traffic to the site would. That that that. Yeah, that's what you do marketing and promotion for, yeah. right? Anyway, uh, let's talk about another failed poker venture since we're on that subject for a while here. The Ivy League. No, not we're not talking about Harvard or Yale. We're talking about the Ivy, I-V-E-Y League. Phil Ivy's training site is going to close on May 1st. The Ivy League has been a failure. I didn't even know it was still open. That's part of the reason it's a failure. And it's a poker video training site. It was, of course, centered around Phil Ivey, who was the best-known pro on the site, but uh, never really got anywhere. And they, along with Ivey, they had uh, an impressive list of coaches on their roster. They had Phil Ivey, Patrick Antonius, Cole South, Andrew Lichtenberger, Andrew Moreno, Brian Roberts, Chris Wallace, Dan Flower, Dan Myers, Daniel Schneider, uh, David Deanne, D- Danny Mann, Drew Layton, uh, Frank Callow, Greg Shahad, Griffin Banger, or Banger, sorry, Jared Bartlett, Jared Ankerman, Joe Alice, Jonathan Jaffe, Josh Brinks, jo- Justin Petchy, Kev- Kevin uh, Vandermissen, Mike Leah, Paul Chen, Paul Otto, uh, Powell Jab- Jablonski, Phil Shaw, Richard Shells, Ronnie Barda, Sonny Camberry, and Victor Vermeulen. So I don't know all these guys, but there's a number of names on there that are they're big or fairly big or at least well-known tournament players that uh, seem to be successful. So they also had expanded a few years ago and acquired a, uh, a successful training site known as Lego Poker. And they took their content and, and merged them into Ivy, Poke, uh, Ivy League's offerings. So on the surface, it looked like this thing could have been successful, but it just never really got going. They also even had a high-profile partnership with the Global Poker Index. Yeah. But it, it seemed like that was like a, like a promotional swap thing. It didn't seem like that was uh, something where it either paid the other. But, but still, they, they, they still were cross-promoting. But despite all of that, Ivy League never caught on. Uh, People weren't that into it. Most people didn't really know about it. That people didn't pay much attention to it. And well, here, here's what I think happened. <clears throat> I think that well, first of all, um, obviously it wasn't Ivy's idea to start this thing, right? Yeah. Ivy, Ivy, I'm sure has uh, some people who work with him on business development that. Uh, are looking out for opportunities to leverage his name and his brand and for him to make money. You know, basically they pay him some money, they use his name, um, and away we go. But the main thing about this, this type of business is that you need to produce content on a regular basis and good fucking luck getting Ivy to do anything well, so like that, that on a the, regular basis. Right, so that was some of the problem. The last time that Phil Ivy produced a video for this site was September. 
So that, that was some of the problem. He was starting to lose interest. But this has been around for a few years. So so he was producing more in the past, but he was never producing it really regularly. And as you said, it was you could never expect that he was going to have the interest. To, well, uh, and I saw a couple of the ones that he produced. And it was just like him like sitting in a room with someone videotaping it and talking with Patrick Antonius or someone else about some hand. And it was just, I mean, it was... You know, just because he's really good at poker doesn't mean he's good at explaining it or teaching it. Because those really are two different skills. And someone to be someone who is both good at it and is good at teaching it is is kind of rare. And, yeah. and he's just not that. And I guarantee you that they they realized that they realized that you know a lot of these uh, pros that they signed on just weren't going to be producing this content. And that's why they tried to acquire Lego Poker, which you know, despite the fact that. Um, a lot of their content was relatively dated. At least they would have some kind of you know material and content that they could leverage. Yeah, and, and uh, I guess he was producing content about once per month on average, at least until September when he stopped. And uh, but did you ever see that content? No, I didn't. But I, I, I heard that that we're like, not talking Galfond level no, training videos. No, I know. And then I also heard stretch. I heard like like about a third of them were also just him talking about his personal lifestyle and not even poker strategy, which. Yeah, it was uh, like the Poker Road Life of Ivy. Yeah, know? so yeah. so so that was one problem, and then uh, I guess I guess there just wasn't there wasn't enough new good content f- from anyone that, that you know. I, I think a lot of these higher profile pros they just weren't they they realized they weren't going to get a lot of money for whatever they were producing, and uh, right. So I, I think that was some of it. The whole thing just wasn't promoted well, and. Therefore, it just didn't bring in much, and this it, it, it was a vicious cycle. It didn't bring in much, and then, therefore, the ones who who were contributing the content didn't find a reason to keep doing it. So, well, and and also like during the poker boom, anyone and their brother could start a training site and make money from it. But now that poker has contracted to what it is, you actually have to be really good at what you're doing. And you have to be producing stuff regularly. You can't just open up your store and expect that it's going to it's going to sell. And you know his name wasn't enough. His name like wasn't the, enough like in the, the current environment. Thing. You buy yeah. a URL, you make right. Money. Now you actually have to do work. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and have a plan. Yeah, and, and yeah. he he also had uh, this Ivy Poker, which uh, which he was had for a while. He's he's had all these different Ivy brands. They were supposed to turn it into something big and never did. They were always a fail in some way. They were always promoted like, oh, it's going to be huge and be the next big thing. Nothing. They, they never seem to go anywhere. They, they never seem well, to be done right. A lot of it is like um, poker players that haven't succeeded well at the game decide that they're going to become businessmen. Oh, this is a great idea. You know, Ivy will make you money. And they, they start trying to run a business without knowing anything about doing that. And Shocker! It doesn't work out, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I most of these businesses started by poker players are a fail, and some of them you can see it just from the start. It's never going to work. This one, you know, this one wasn't as clear from the start if it wasn't going to work. Right. But it does seem like the problem is Ivy doesn't. Ivy just wants to to gamble. He all these side projects. He's willing to get involved with them, but he he's not excited about them. So. This is a problem. Anything that requires his constant participation and, and constant attention to them 
is going to fail because he's just not going to give that type of attention to it. And well, he probably made like at the games he plays, he probably made like a big blind a month if he's lucky. And why would he? Why you know what I mean? It's ridiculous. Yeah, why, wonder, why would it hold his that's attention? That's why I do wonder why he even does these things. I, I think these people who come to him probably talk it up like it's going to be something huge. Like, a, exactly. like do this and you're going to make huge money, not uh, not you're going to make a little bit if, if we do well. Like, So I, I think they they over-talk it and then uh, he gets at the beginning, gets into it, and then realizes, number one, it's work, and number two, it's not bringing in much money, and he gets right. tired of it and loses interest, and then that's that. And I and I think that is probably you know a synopsis of what happened here. I was kind of going into more of the why of that, but yeah, I mean, obviously Ivy just doesn't care about this stuff. You know, I mean, why is he ever going to be involved? But here's here's an interesting question for you, Drew. At what point does the Ivy brand become tarnished by so many failures? I, yeah. I, I, in some ways, I think it has because when I hear Ivy starts anything now, I always think that every time there's something that's started by him, it doesn't work, and and I always just picture something where he gets initially involved and it's talked up a lot, and then he it either fails or he loses interest or both. That is kind of the impression I already have, and I think people are going to start having, and I think there's going to be less and less excitement from the public when. Ivy starts something, and every time, oh, this is going to be big, oh, the, you know, Ivy's going to be personally involved, it's going to be like the boy who cried wolf. People are going to stop believing it. And but, but again, I don't know how much he cares. Like, I, Ivy no, I isn't really cares. even in the, the public eye nearly the way he used to be. No, I don't think he cares. I don't think he cares at all. I think he just, if he believes the idea will make him money, he'll give it a shot, but I don't think right. he cares much if it fails. Yeah, and he's not, just to be clear, he's not starting any of these things. These are people that are you know, he's kind of like their their personal poker fish tank or shark tank. I'm sorry, where they they come and they pitch him an idea and may or probably not even to him. They pitch it to whoever his business advisor are, and if they know the right person or make the right pitch, you know, they get him to sign on. He he says, ah, sure, you know, use my name, go ahead. You know, oh yeah, I'm sure he gets tons of these. Oh yeah, tons of these. So there's a. Yeah. So yeah, so that's that's going to be gone on May first. Now they're not going to rip anyone off. I guess if you had paid past May first, they're going to give you a prorated refund. Maybe they're going to close on May first. And they, their message that they gave announcing this is: with the current state of online poker, as of May first, the site will no longer be posting new video content. The video library will remi- remain online as, as we process prorated refunds for everyone who paid for yearly subscriptions. Month-to-month subscriptions can, can be canceled any time. We'd like to thank everyone who is part of the Ivy League and wish everyone the best for their poker journeys going forward. They even misspelled journeys. They put journey apostrophe S. Oh, uh, God. Team, team Ivy League. And that's, that's when you know that that company is down to, like, two <laughs> employees. You know, because it's just some guy who's not used to writing press releases. Yeah, writing their journey apostrophe S going forward. So it, what's funny is it sounds like that if you want to keep your month-to-month subscription, uh, that they'll let you keep renewing after May 1st, they, even though they're not producing anything new. You can just keep your subscription and keep watching the old stuff after May 1st, and you can cancel at any time. Well, the you only, may not have consumed all the content. Yeah, the, you know? the the only ones they're automatically giving refunds to are the ones who paid for a year because they right. they can't decide whether they're going to stay or not. So because they've already paid, so that's that's kind of funny that they're going to squeeze the last bit. You think they would just 
stop on May 1st and say, look, on May, we're going to leave it up till May 1st, then we're not taking any more month-to-month subscriptions, and we're going to uh, refund prorated anyone who paid beyond May 1st. Like, yeah, I think it's reasonable. Because, I mean, there will be some people that will be like, well, you know, I, I mean, the site may be going away, but I, I like these videos, and I want to watch some more of them. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised Ivy's even, like, I, I, if I were Ivy, I'd just say, I'll shut the whole thing down, just be done with it. I'm surprised they can't uh, I, I almost guarantee you that Ivy doesn't have a say in it. <laughs> no, I'm not kidding. I mean, he may own a part of the company, um, or it could be a deal where they're just paying for his brand and he's under contract as a as the lead site pro. I mean, that's what if you remember um, uh, the first site that Galfon worked with, the uh, Blue Fire Poker. Um, that was started by you know some other guy, and he got Galfon to come on there and do the videos, and they ended up having a. Uh, you know, a, a, a bad uh, split, but basically everyone thought that that was Galfon's site, but it wasn't. And he didn't have any say in, in what happened there. And I, I, it's very likely that Ivy doesn't really have any say in this either. Yeah, I think that's what Doyle's room was like, too. I don't think Doyle owned it. I think he was, uh, they were just licensing his brand out. <laughs> well, that's not unusual at all, you know. I mean, the, a lot of... I don't want to call them celebrities, but I guess they are poker celebrities or whatever. When they're involved in a business, usually what happens is they're licensing their brand for the business to use, and that they, they may not own any of the business. Yeah, well, so, sometimes they do. Sometimes they own a piece, but just owning a piece doesn't give you any say in what happens. Yeah, well, that, that's what Trump was doing before you know he was running for president. That was one of the big things he got into. He realized it was a lot easier to just uh, license out his name. Mm-hmm. other companies and, and get a guaranteed money than have to run a business and make money. So he started doing that more and more, and then he started getting in hot water a little bit when some of these companies he would li- license his name out to turned out to be shady, and then people would come to him and say, okay, well, where's our yeah. money? Right. And then he had to explain. Well, and, and Helmuth was in a kind of similar situation with UB, right? In that, didn't he own a piece, but he was basically just a you know useless mouthpiece? Yeah, he was a figurehead, but he did he did own some of it, so... But owning again, owning a piece of this doesn't mean you have any say. No, he, no, he didn't have power. He didn't have power. That's that was true. Yeah. So. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, it's a tough business environment for that particular kind of business. You can't afford to have your lead pro be producing, you know, <laughs> lifestyle crap that nobody wants to see. Yeah, I mean, and, people were the people who were interested in signing up for that site wanted to learn from Phil fucking Ivy. Right. And that, and that's not what happened. Yeah. And, and and also to just produce no content since September. That's uh, that's well, been 7 months. So And and again, I, you know, I I can't say that I watched it closely, but I did look at the content now and again and the content that he was producing I, I mean <laughs> it's, you're not going to learn to play like Phil Ivy from the stuff he was producing. Yeah. Yeah, for any site to succeed these days, they really have to present uh, quality content for people watch it and feel like they've really learned something. They've really become a better player from having watched it. And uh, right. if you don't if you don't have that, if that's not what you're putting out and putting it out regularly, then you're not going to do well. Yeah. So uh, the final thing I want to talk about here is something that I found was kind of disturbing and. You know, Apple, something I hate about them is they, they're very, very set in their ways. They, they have very, very strict policies. They're very, very hyper-controlling. And I've, I've always said 
With Apple, it's like Steve Jobs is still alive and is personally running each store. Because uh, it still has his person, his very controlling personality in everything, everything they do and even every individual uh, Apple store. And I don't like that. I've never liked companies that act that way. I've never liked uh, one-size-fits-all solutions, no exceptions, this is the way it is uh, sort of policies. Uh, Apple does this in part because they want you to feel like you always have a certain expectation from them. Everything's standardized. They, you know, there's a, uh, the prices are always standardized. The, uh, you know, the, they control the pricing. They control the product. They control even you know, what can be in their app store. They, they control, uh, you know, so obviously they control what software can be on these iPhones. Uh, they control every single policy. They like having predictability in their brand, but that, that comes in the expense of uh, common sense decisions that, that uh, would go in favor of the consumer if employees were to be empowered to, to make them, which Apple never empowers employees to do such things. But do you remember what uh, Steve Jobs, one of his, and I, I know an awful lot about this company because I developed uh, Apple and iPhone apps for a long time. One of his original uh, dreams was building a factory where he said that sand goes in one end and a computer comes out the other. In other words, they wanted to fucking make everything in between. You dump the sand in one end, get the silicone out of it, build everything, and then the computer comes out the other. So you're right about the uh, the, the complete end-to-end control of things. Yes. So, as I said, I, I'm not a fan of companies like that. Uh, the, I have an iPhone because... Basically, with smartphones, that's the standard. That's that's the that's what most people seem to have. Uh, that's that's what you know. When apps come out, uh, it, it's rare that there's apps that are for other phones and not the iPhone. It's, it seems like uh, that, well, that doesn't happen. Yeah. yeah. So so that's the standard. That's what people tend to have. That's what the apps are usually written for. Sometimes they're for other platforms too, but they're always for the iPhone. So that's that's there's uh, really it, only one other platform. Though. Yeah. And, and, like realistically, it's Apple and Android, yeah. and that's it. Yeah. So that, that's that's why I have an iPhone, and you know, I do like the way an iPhone works. I do like the uh, the interface. I do I do like the product itself for the most part. So that that's why I've had iPhones for the last. I think I got my first one in '08 or something. So it's been about nine years. Um. My girlfriend has an iPhone also. I, I got her an iPhone 6 Plus, uh, I think, two years ago. It was not too long after it came out. 6 Plus is the big iPhone. Mm. And guys don't usually have it because guys usually carry the iPhone in their pocket. And they don't have a purse they carry around. Maybe the guy meeting Larry Laffer <laughs> tonight has a... If <laughs> he's carrying a purse... <laughs> But, that's uh, what he's. That's what he's sexting back to Larry Laffer on is his fucking iPhone six plus. But, but, uh, <laughs> no, but guys, guys usually carry yeah in their pocket. They want a, a smaller phone. Also, the the truth is that these phones keep getting bigger anyway. The screens keep getting bigger on, on the regular model, so they don't need the plus. But uh, she she was wavering whether she wanted the iPhone six or six plus, but went with the six plus. Well, sure. Uh. A problem started probably late last year uh, where first the phone was kind of just uh, hesitating and freezing up some, but then it started becoming unresponsive, and especially in the last few months, 
it's gotten worse and worse. And and this month it became unusable, where like it was so hard for her to even use the phone. It was so often not responding to her touch, or or, or the opposite, where it would just make phantom touches where she wasn't touching it and it thought it was being touched. Were you responding to her touch, Jeff? I was, but the phone wasn't. So, <laughs> so then, and then it was also doing this thing where it was flashing the gray on the top, uh, like this flashing gray bar that would kind of come to the top sometimes and flicker. Well, it turns out this is all <coughs> indicative of what's known as the touch IC problem or touch disease. This is touch a touch disease. Right. And this is a this is a problem specifically for that iPhone 6 pluses have. No, no other iPhone they made has this problem chronically. But I I guess it has to do with uh they it was manufactured with with a major flaw regarding uh, the touch sensitivity, and I, I think it was the it was something in the components of connecting them to the screen that they they didn't make the thing big enough. I forgot the exact reason this is happening, but uh, there was a there was it was a design flaw. It was a definite design flaw, and it starts to show up when the phone gets a little bit older, and sometimes these things start to separate from each other inside. And where if it's a bigger thing in there, then it's not as big of a deal. If it's a little thing like they had in there, uh, then then it's a much bigger deal and becomes much more uh, affected by it. So this started to happen to iPhone 6 Pluses as they got older and conveniently passed the warranty. Now, this was not intentional. This wasn't, you know, someone said on the site, oh, this is planned obsolescence. No, it wasn't because they they didn't plan it. This is just the way they made the phone and didn't think about what might happen down the road with it. So while they do want you to get a new phone every 18 months or so, this was not the way to make it happen. They, were, they weren't trying to make this happen. It just happened to be a flaw that would show itself as the phone got a little bit older. Well, what they're, what they're saying, though, Druff, is that this usually happens because the phone has been stressed in terms of being dropped on the floor right. but or it's mistreated BS. But that's, or that's a lie, though. That, 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 that's the excuse. So this is, this is the... the this is the timeline with it. What happened was last year, as the iPhone 6 Pluses were getting to be about, uh, you know, over a year old, there were some people who were complaining that they were having problems with, with the touch, where it just wasn't uh, taking people's touch. And word got around that this was a common problem with older 6 Pluses. And Apple just said, "Nope, you don't know what you're talking about. This is not a problem. You know, you guys are just uh, you guys are just finding each other. But you're not. You know, this is really not a chronic problem with the six plus." So some more time passed, and of course, some more iPhone six pluses got older. And finally, there were enough people coming forward about this that Apple could no longer deny it. So in November 2016, Apple acknowledged, "Yes, there is a problem. Yes, there there uh, this does happen. But instead of saying we had a design flaw." They said, oh, it's been people who'd abused the phones. If you drop them a lot or, or uh, are rough with them, then, yeah, if the phone gets banged around a lot, then, yeah, so, you know, something happens inside there and something gets separated and then this, this problem can occur. So by putting that out there and by blaming it on the customer for being rough with the phones, they look like the good guys by saying, what we're going to do for you guys is for the bargain price of $349 – we will fix the phone for you. 
if you have the situation. Now, you can't just bring in a broken phone. You have to bring in a phone that's functioning other than this issue. So if it has a broken screen, no. If it won't turn on, no. It's, it's got to be a functioning phone other than having this issue. And then they will fix it for 349 149 No, it was 349 Then people cried bloody uh, murder yeah. about this. People <clears> said, <throat> what? $349? Right. This is an older iPhone 6 Plus that was like you know $800 in the first place. That's probably what the phone's worth at this point, if that. So how, how can you say that you're going to fix it for 349 plus tax, by the way? I'm not even sure how they get away with charging tax there because it's supposed to be a repair, not a, not a sale. But uh, how can you do 349 That's crazy. That's not doing anything for us. So Apple said, okay, okay, fine, fine, fine. 149 And And if anybody – and this, this wasn't even too long ago they changed it to 149 and they said, if and if you paid three forty nine before, uh, you can come back to us and we'll give you a two hundred dollar refund. So that's where it stands today. It's one forty nine plus tax for this fix. And the truth is, it's they don't really fix it. What happens if you bring it in? They they verify first. They they need to verify the phone's working completely. Other than this, so they go through some tests, make sure the phone's okay. Aside from this, then they make sure that this is really the problem. They look for the symptoms of this problem, and then they say, okay. Hang on. They go to the back and they bring you out a refurbished iPhone 6 Plus. Say, here it is. Here's your new phone. Yep. And that's it. They don't bother to fix it. They probably take the old one, harvest it for parts, and that's it. And make other refurbished phones with it. And that's it. Uh, let me tell you a problem with refurbished equipment. Uh, electronic equipment, electronic, uh, electronics, uh, appliances, etc. It's a lot different than it used to be. Where before... Refurbished wasn't so bad. But nowadays, refurbished usually just means it's it's something that isn't new. And um, it was reported at some point that it wasn't working well. And we've since figured, you know, we've, we believe these parts are working okay. But that doesn't always mean that. See, for example, let's say you return a computer and say, this computer's not working. Well, they don't just throw the computer in the trash, but they also can't sell it as new because it's not new anymore. So what do they do? Well, they, they run tests on it, and some of the time the user was just an idiot, and the computer was working fine. And if at that point it's sold as a refurbished computer, well, whoever gets that computer or whatever parts came from it, uh, they, they, then that's good because nothing was wrong with it. In other cases, though, there really was something wrong, but there are intermittent, intermittent problems that are not always exposed when they run these tests on it. So a lot of times these problems then make it into the refurbished parts. Either they resell the entire device as refurbished or they take parts out of it, some of which are defective, and it make, make it into refurbished devices. Uh, unfortunately, with cell phones, the way warranties work most of the time is you don't get a new product. If your phone's under warranty... And even if it's totally not your fault that something goes wrong with the phone, they give you a refurbished phone with the excuse, well, you had a used phone because you were, you were using it. It wasn't brand new anymore. So we're giving you a used phone to replace it. And unfortunately, that's legal. And the problem is your new phone had all new good, known good parts. Here you're getting a refurbished phone with, with uh, parts that very well uh, – we're not good, and it's very, very hard for them to do exhaustive testing. Sometimes it's impossible for them to do exhaustive testing to to prove that uh, everything is working perfectly on something that is returned for, for being flawed in some way. So I am literally batting zero so far in my lifetime 
with anything refurbished. Not that I get it that often, but sometimes it's been forced on me, where that's my only choice. And every single time I, the refurbished item I get sucks. And uh, the last refurbished item I had was something I didn't realize was refurbished until it was too late. And that was, uh, I got a floor model of a dishwasher. And I was stupid enough to think a floor model just meant something that was sitting on the floor of, of the showroom and, you know, may have a few scratches or something that uh, because it was sitting out. But other than that, it's, you know, it was never actually operated as a dishwasher. That wasn't true. A floor model also could have been a refurbished dishwasher, which it was. And it had so many bugs, you wouldn't believe. And I finally, you know, complained to the store and said, you guys weren't honest with me. You didn't, you told me it's a floor model, not a refurbished floor model. And they said, oh, yeah, okay, we are sorry about that. And so I, I, they gave me a, they took it back and gave me a full refund and uh, I got a new one. So, but I've had refurbished phones that were horrible. So, unfortunately, this is the only option we had here. So we got a refurbished phone, and you know, so far it seems to work. So hopefully, it uh, that we got one of the good refurbished ones. They, they insisted there at the Apple Store that this is not a phone someone once owned, but that just has parts in there that are refurbished. But that, that the phone itself uh, was never owned by anyone else. So uh, anyway, that's what we have. But I, I think what's really crappy here is the fact that they finally acknowledge a design flaw and won't just do something about it. They won't, uh, you know, instead of this 149 plus tax crap, they won't just give it to you for free. If you had this 6 plus, just do a swap out and say, sorry, we screwed up designing it. Here you go. Here's here's a replacement phone. You know, all they have to do is verify. It's not like people can take advantage of them. It's, it's a very specific problem where they can see specific signs that it's occurring. So... That's all they have to do, and for those that it's happening to, they, then they they do it. And you know, in other industries, this goes on all the time. You know, automakers that there's some kind of recall, and the, here they're just uh, they're charging you for their own flawed design to fix. And and really, once this happens to you, you're over a barrel because one forty nine is kind of just enough money to where it's you know, like. 149 is the right amount of money to where you still have to do it because to throw away the whole iPhone 6 Plus because you don't want to spend $149 is not cost effective. Even if you get a refurbished phone back. 349 I wouldn't have done. But 149 yes. You know, 149 otherwise it, the phone's unusable. So it sucks. I, I just think it's really lousy that it's the company's fault for, for a poor design then they blame it on the customer and then uh, charge you 149 plus tax to, to swap it out for a refurbished one. So that is irritating. How, how do you feel about this whole thing? I mean, it sounds kind of shitty. I've read the reports when they came out, and I get what they're claiming. I mean, they're, they're basically saying that um, it's because people have abused the phone, but there's enough complaints that they decided to do something about it. But I've also read uh, reports that are basically just calling it a design flaw and that there was backfill that they should have put in there to uh, prevent these chips from coming out, even if they are, uh, you know, bent in some regard. Or they could have also just made the phone more rigid so you couldn't bend it that much, you know? 
Yeah, I, I, I think it wasn't just that. It was the size of something that was in. I'm forgetting the exact details. I was. I talked about this with a cell phone store. Uh, that wasn't an Apple store. It was just a cell phone store that does for general repairs. And it was something that's inside the phone that if they had made larger, um, it was some kind of screen inside the phone. Something that if they had made it larger, then this wouldn't have happened. But instead, they, they made it small, and that's what allowed this to start occurring. So, Well, I mean, basically, I mean, I'm not going to read the whole tech stuff because it's busy but basically there's stuff that they put beneath the the chips to kind of hold them into place um and they're saying that for the touch ic chips that were in the iphone 6 plus um they weren't there and they're they're all they usually also put a um like a rigid shield over the the chips but on those particular phones when they put a, a pliable uh shield on it so those two combinations, so the the lack of a rigid shield allowed it to flex more than it should have, and the lack of uh, having underfill to anchor these chips caused them to be the first okay. ones to come out. Okay, so yeah, that's what yeah. it was. It was a shield I had heard about. That's what it was. That the, that the yeah. shield was not large enough. It's a little thing, and it should, it should have been big. Uh, it's not the size; it's more the material that it was made out of. Um, I mean, you know. I could certainly see this as being a design flaw. I, if you treated your phone like, uh, you know, like it was made out of gold, maybe the problem would never happen. But that's not what—that's not how cell phones are well, used. I've, I've watched my girlfriend use the phone, and I haven't been with her every second. You know, she goes to work and everything, but I don't see her dropping it everywhere. She just, she, just, she seems to not drop it very often at all. She seems to. Yeah, but it doesn't matter because the the reality is that for a cell phone, it should be able to withstand a reasonable amount of jostling around. Right. This is something you throw into your purse or you throw into your pocket and you you sit down by accident and these kind of things it, it can't just break that that easily. Yeah, and and yeah. It, w- what's proof that this is a flaw is that all the other iPhones are not having this problem. It's only well, the 6 plus. Yeah, I mean part of it is also size related, you know, they didn't scale things up right and they they probably were too focused on Making sure it was thin enough and all that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, but the thing is that they've already established a standard for how much abuse that the iPhone right. can take without having right. this occur because all the other phones can take that amount of abuse without this occurring. So how come the 6 Plus can't? It's because it wasn't designed right. So that's what's, that's what's yeah. irritating. They can't just say, look, yes, it's not the best for us that we have to take a loss here that whoever has this Touch IC problem gets to bring it in and we have to give them a refurbished phone, but right. fine. This is what we have to do because we screwed up. It's, it's right. not the end of the world. It's not going to sink the company. It's not going to be a major expense for us. It's just it's something we've got to do and take a, lo- a little bit of a loss on, and, and go forward. But this is this is so frustrating because you know they made a design flaw. This wasn't because you dropped the phone in the toilet and you're like, ah, oh, crap, there goes my eight hundred dollars. Like that's your fault, okay? It's not like you dropped it on the ground and it landed badly and it shattered it and you know you're out money. That that's still at least your own negligence. Or right. your own bad luck. Here, they made a design flaw, and then you're left with the very unpalatable choice that either you've got, either you've got to spend $149 that you know you shouldn't have had to spend to fix it, or just throw away a phone that you spent so much money on and that should still be working fine. So right. It, it sucked, and we, we, were, we were presented with that choice, and we had to do it. So that just that really annoyed me. And I'm known to always call companies and press them to give me credit and this and that if I feel I deserve it. I didn't even try here because I know Apple. 
I know there's no chance they're going to get. They've made their decision. It's 149 right now, and that's it. I I could, I could write a million letters. I could call a million times. They're going to give me the same answer over and over. No, this is what we've decided. Done. Period. 149. That's it. Right. So I well, I, I think they're they're probably aren't there class action action lawsuits? There are. There's four class action lawsuits that have been filed. Now they're they're not necessarily going to go anywhere. Uh, but uh, and I think two are are proceeding t- at least to a middle stage. I don't even know the whole process of these, but I, I have to imagine there will probably be at least one or two that gets through, and some settlement is probably made at some point. But right. I'm not. A, a, you know, what I'm probably going to get a nine dollar check three years from now for this. Probably <laughs> that probably sounds about right. Yeah. So that's uh, or. Or maybe I'll get uh, even worse, like a ten dollar credit to spend in the in the iTunes store. That's probably more like what I'll get, not even cash. While the lawyers will get like millions of dollars. So it's annoying, and this sort of thing just uh, it pisses me off. Like if if I if I could actually like I was talking about before with the thing where the guy pulled with the airline with the pretending to lose luggage to get the money back. If I I could find the equivalent to get that type of money out of Apple to get one hundred sixty dollars out of, like after tax year, if I could get one hundred sixty back from them in some shady way, I totally would because I feel like I, they just stole it from me. But uh, there's no choice. So sometimes you just take it up in the ass in these spots. So hey, you were talking about uh, Ivy Poker. One yeah. of the names you mentioned was uh, Andrew Lich- Lichtenberger. Yeah, Lucky Chewy. Yeah. It made me want to go check out his uh, oh, Lucky Chewy yeah, Poker yeah. again. We haven't talked. I, th- th- thank you for bringing <laughs> that up because there's been a change. There's been a change. And, in fact, uh, he even responded to me on Twitter when I brought this up to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Andrew Lichtenberg, we were talking about his Lucky Chewy Poker and his uh, his clothing line and all that funny stuff. He uh, and his super amateurish uh, poker site, he has uh, separated from his business partner. Okay. And it says, he, in fact, he posted that uh, he can't even vouch for him any longer as, as uh, like, something pretty bad happened. Like, he says, we're no longer involved and I can no longer uh, vouch for his legitimacy as a partner. Something like that. Like, he was, uh-huh. uh, he wrote something like that as a statement on Twitter. So I, I tweeted to him, does that mean the end of Lucky Chewy Poker? And he says, no, uh, actually, it's just the beginning. What? So, so he, it, it's apparently moving on, but without his, his partner. Why was, why was that even public knowledge then? I don't get it. I, I think his partner must have screwed him over in some way. Or at least he perceives that, which I think is probably true. I think that probably is what happened, and he wanted the world to know that this guy is not trustworthy. And that's probably who, who is this guy, since we should uh, let the world know well, that he's me, not trustworthy. Let, let me see what his name is. I'm forgetting. Uh, is that his wife partner? Or? <laughs> it could be for all I know. But this, this guy was featured on the... Uh, uh, on the website with it. Let me see here. What's this guy's name? I, I have it on. Let me see. Hold on. It's on Poker Fraud Alert on the thread we had about it. Let me get there. He might be mad because he's going to meet Larry Laffer tonight. <laughs> 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 Poor Larry. <laughs> but yeah, I, I the reason I, 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 you know, you mentioned the name, so I went to go check out the site, and it, it looks even more, if it's even possible, it looks even more amateurish than it did before. And yeah. it's, uh, yeah, they're they're in need of some help. Yeah, this is uh, well. There's there's also the clothing site, this BurkeChewy.com, 
But oh, it's, yeah. it's, it's this guy Burke, um, David Burke, or whatever his name is. Uh, yeah, this is this is what he 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 put. Uh, it was David Burke. But uh, my partnership with David Burke, while initially exciting and seemingly something that would be lasting, has split due to a difference of opinion in personal matters. We are no longer working together, and I cannot vouch for him at this time. That's pretty harsh. Like it's, that's not even just saying like we're not working together. It's like saying I can't even vouch for him. Like this guy is. Uh, um, well, that looks like pictures of him on the on the Burke and che- the BurkeChewy dot com yes, site. Yes, yeah, they both were modeling the clothes, and then they had some blonde chick mod- modeling the clothes too for the female stuff. Yeah, so he looks like uh, you know, kind of hippie, in shape hippie kind of dude. Yeah, the impression I was getting from people is that uh, Burke, like, was he he probably approached Lucky Chewy with his, all these different ideas, and uh, you know, squeezed a lot of money out of him for this, for this, and then ran off. That's like uh, <laughs> that, that's I like, I don't know this would happen, but that's what people's impressions are. That that Burke was like the uh, the the guy behind the whole business who brought this. Kind of like what you were talking about with Ivy, where people come right. to him and say this is so like. People didn't know David Burke, but they know Lucky Chewy. So, right. so like Burke came to Chewy and said, "Hey, you know, let's start this uh, this clothing line. Let's start this poker site. You know, we just need this much money." And Chewy's like, "Oh, okay." Right. <laughs> and then Burke uh, soaks him for a lot of money, and then and then it's like, "Okay, this isn't you know, this isn't working out. We're done." But, ah, but, so but, much for the friendly hippie yoga instructor. But, but huh? it's all still up there. Like the, if you go to BurkeChewy.com, you still see them together. Like they're the best of friends. Right. And then there's that. I don't know who this girl is, though. I don't know if she's. Uh, he's he's uh, probably Burke is probably hitting it. Well, I'm wondering if any, if either of the two is hitting it, or if both were. Maybe they had a threesome. I, I don't know. Like there's a. If you go to BurkeChewy.com, that's B-U-R-K-E Chewy C-H-E-W-Y dot com. Uh, all the women's pictures. I, I mean. That website has its problems, but it looks like it was done by a genius compared to whoever did the Lucky Chewy yes, Poker I, site. Yes, I agree with that. I mean, it really does. It looks like they actually had a designer and they actually had, uh, you know, at least some decent photography and that kind of stuff. Done. Yeah, yeah. They, I like his nature is powerful, intelligent, eternal. You are nature. That's very deep. Let nature I just think it's really funny this guy's like this, you know uber hippie yoga guy and he's fucking people over yeah <laughs> it's just awesome well there's a lot of that in that community there's a lot of people who just take advantage like there's the problem is like there's a there's the people who are like really into it and and really pure of heart and then there's the ones who just get taken advantage of because of that they just they're too yeah. trusting and that's uh, uh so i i think uh lucky chewy here got taken advantage of and uh I got, I got my. I got to admit, man, I got my uh, lucky chewy lo- yoga pants on right now. <laughs> so I'm feeling kind of limber. Now, if if uh, if this blonde girl, if if Burke brought her in and Lucky Chewy got to hit it, at least he got something out of it. But I don't know. Maybe, uh, maybe, maybe she was just a model. I don't know. But she's she's in all the pictures. No, they're the they're those two are in all the pictures, and she's in all the pictures. I pretty much guarantee you that that's the girl that that Burke is hitting. He she doesn't seem like a lucky chewy type. She seems a little bit more. I don't know. I'm just going based on the photos, but I'm going to say that Burke was hitting it. Yeah, you know what? I think you're right. I think you're right. Well, that's uh, so. I, I guess he's he's continuing the lucky chewy brand, though. I don't know what Burke and Chewy. I, I don't see how he can continue that if it's. Uh, if he's not Ironically, like, that seems to be the stronger of the two. Yeah, that's a stronger. <laughs> br- Sadly, that's a stronger brand at the moment. 
Well, maybe if I, I don't know if maybe he can get this girl to defect and come over to his side, and she can be uh, Chewy and whoever this blonde girl is. I mean, I don't, I don't, you know, Andrew, Lucky Chewy. I'm not just trying to to bag on you, but goddamn, you you need some professional help with whoever you're dealing with making this site and just your the the visions for the the business that you're trying to run. I mean, seriously, it's Lucky Chewy. The Lucky Chewy Poker is just a disaster. I mean, it really is. There really needs to be like a. I, I've, I was saying this before. There really needs to be like a a business in poker that analyzes upcoming poker businesses and like as soon as like before it's anything's released to the public, run it by this. Uh, yeah. This consultants this consultancy business and say like, no, this is horrible. It's going to be a terrible, embarrassing failure. Don't do it. Or, or well, I've I've done that kind of stuff. Right? <laughs> and I and I'm not angling for. A job here. I'm just saying, like, it doesn't take a genius to go to Lucky Chewy Poker and look around and, and just realize it's a disaster. Like, it really is. Yeah. There's there's so many of these things that they're either just like a horrible idea or implemented horribly or you just you just know that they have zero Have you been to the succeeding. site lately? No, no. Go. L- Lucky LuckyChewyPoker.com. Ch- okay, I'm going to go there right now. I mean, it, it looks like... Someone just found MS Paint and started making some of the graphics for this thing. I mean, it's just it's just bad, and it looks really cheesy, and it's it's just no good. Well, it's LuckyChewyPoker.com's DNS server going to be found? What? Huh? I can't reach it. I'm on it. LuckyChewyPoker.com. Try Googling it. I- I'm on it. Do you have the www in front of it? Maybe someone's that bad they no. fucked that no, up. No, I didn't put the www. Really? Why? Why? Why am I? But not it's able the to one it? that has the uh, four by four something. It's got like the four images on the slider. Yeah, it's got and it's got these really cheesy like Midnight Masters right. hundred dollar yeah. daily, and then Burke's Big One Hundred oh. with just horrible graphics. Oh, you know what's funny? I, I just I just entered the www and it worked. Well, what's, then, the, what's this hand? Queen, king, king, jack, ace? <laughs> yeah, I don't know what <laughs> that, that is. On that one image? <laughs> yeah, the Midnight I, Masters $100 daily. Big. No, but I mean, it's just... It's it's, it's bad. Yeah, it does look like... Like, I, like I've seen bad and... You know, you, you can do... And, and I think WordPress is probably one of the worst tools out there, but everyone seems to use it. You you can slap together something a lot better than this, just using something like WordPress. I mean, this is bad. Here, let's look at who the featured players are. I'm gonna click on that. Some Lithuanian. What are these things? I mean, what's the hundred dollar daily? They it's some kind of tournament. Yeah, apparently it's some kind of tournament. I can't imagine anyone plays it. What's What's interesting is that the the featured players. Uh, the picture of Lucky Chewy is actually him with that much facial hair. He has like a little bit, but it's it's a very different looking picture of him. And Chance Chance Corneth is up there, and then this Lithuanian dude. I'm not even going to try yeah. to pronounce his name. Yeah, Kristen Christy Jonas Andrelis. Yeah, but like the the I mean, this just disturbs me. Like either this guy has got a squished head, like his mother sat on him when he came out of the womb, or it's the aspect ratio of the picture is all wrong. I mean, it looks <laughs> it looks like a MySpace profile from you know decades ago. It's just terrible. <laughs> Also, what's in the background here? There's like a black background behind him where there's like nobody else. It's like he's playing in space. I don't know. I mean, from Lithuania. Just look around and 
I mean, again, I'm not trying to bag on Lucky Chewie because from everything that I've heard, he's a really nice guy and everything, but he, he definitely needs some, uh, he needs some help and needs some guidance before he, I, I hope he doesn't try and sink too much money into this stuff. Yeah. Uh, this is weird. I clicked on uh, services, okay? Uh-huh. Services goes to PGT community. Poker's most famous hand, a royal flush, cannot be beaten. He consists of the ace, king, queen, jack, and ten of a single suit. Join poker community. What does that even mean? Trying to get you to sign up. But what does that have to do with the royal flush? What, what does that even mean? I, I don't know. You can't download, like I tried to download the software too. And it, it says download and play now test version, which doesn't exactly inspire confidence, but it doesn't work. Like you try to click download and nothing fucking downloads. But I like this PGT community. Like, why is it talking about what a royal flesh is and saying join poker? It's broken English too. Like, poker's most famous hand, a royal flesh cannot be beaten. It consists of the ace, king, queen, jack, and ten of a single suit. Join poker community. Yeah, it's just. And then, I'm, like, what does that even mean? What what what's what's the significance of? of what does PG, PGT stand for? What does that have to do with the Royal Flush? And, and why is that the intro to joining the poker community? Like, it doesn't explain that. No. It's I so have, weird. This is such a no weird site. I have no fucking idea. This is such a weird site. It's, yeah. I, I wonder how much money went into it. That's what I'm hoping, not a lot. You know? There's always a this lot. Because is, this is really, like, you have to work to make it this bad. You really do. The, the funny thing is, a lot of times when you see sites like this and you think, oh, not that much money went in, it's always like way more than you thought. Oh, probably. It was, it was I like mean, a- I, I can tell you that because I, I know quite a bit about the business. I mean, I, I have, have worked on some sites that have uh, six-figure budgets, right? Yeah. I mean, it depends on what it is. Yeah, I've, and I've seen uh, so many examples of this, and, and even with these uh, radio shows, like, with that fail Kate Hall show that was 25 minutes per week, and I found out that guy was making $600 who was narrating and putting it together. And I'm going, he's getting $600 for putting together a 25-minute episode of just Kate Hall and Dan O'Brien talking? Well, you know, he's he's the producer slash narrator. I, I, you know? Someone should pay me $600 for putting this show together. Well, I mean, I guarantee you that there are people that produce uh, podcasts that do make more than that just for, to, for doing the professional grade production but they're not doing the shitty job that that guy did yeah <laughs> i i just uh i'm sometimes amazed at things that seem like kind of fail products that i just think are just some amateur slapped it up for almost no money or did it themselves and i find out that a lot of money went into it yeah i've seen it both ways you know i've seen where um people have gotten a hell of a lot for their money and i've also just seen where they've just been absolutely fucked you know, but usually the way it, it happens when people get fucked in projects like this is uh, basically people that don't really know what they're doing and they bite off more than they can chew, and then it takes a lot of time and effort to fix everything that they fucked up, and then yeah. they end up with something that doesn't work the way it's supposed to, and then they get paid to build it again and hopefully the right way. You know, I mean that kind of stuff happens all the time. And, and uh, the one of the most famous examples of a, of a website that was way too expensive and was a fail site was the healthcare.gov site mm. when it was first rolled out and didn't work and it came out that it was 560 million dollars that was spent on it yeah and, it, and yeah. It, it was a total fail site and i couldn't imagine from 
looking at that thing, how they could have possibly spent that type of money. I mean, well, I mean, in that case, it wasn't just about the website. It was about the the back end infrastructure and no, I know that, but five hundred sixty million. It, it didn't. Make uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, and then it couldn't. And then it couldn't. Yeah. And then the the infrastructure wasn't uh, sufficient. It couldn't handle the traffic. That was well. That was. I'm not going to make any apologies for it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they fucked up. So that that was the amazing. Thing. It was also amazing to me that it could have happened where they didn't stress test it, that it could handle the traffic. You know, they they knew what traffic was coming to. It wasn't one of these like surprise success sites that can't handle all the traffic. And they go, oh, well, we never thought it was going to have to handle this, so we didn't have an example. Who knew? They, they, yeah, who, who knew that uh, everyone's going to want to sign up for health care in the country that, that didn't have it? That's, that's a shock. So it was at the World Series when they, like, they'd have an event. They, this is like, I don't know, last decade, but they would have an event that would draw like 2,300 people. Yeah. And they'd say, okay, well, next year uh, the capacity will be 2,300 people. And then they go, what? <laughs> 2,600 people showed up. Oh, my God. How are we going to accommodate this? Oh, no. So, like, that, that's, that was the type of planning that was going on sometimes. And uh, they, they finally got past that. They, they, they finally, after years and years, finally the World Series learned that, uh, that they have to plan for more capacity than they're expecting. And they, they still don't always completely do that but at, at least now that you know they make a whole lot of flights and they, they, now finally after many many years now finally most of the time people can get into the events they want to play uh, sometimes there's a massive line at the beginning but at least they get in but i mean there were there were times in the past they had to turn people away not even that long ago so uh anyway i, I that's all i have for tonight did you have anything that uh you would like to discuss that we have not gotten to no, nah, not really. What about Trederuski? I want to hear a Trederuski topic. I think we covered it all. <laughs> and I'm fa- add the herbal tea is in, and I'm fading fast. Oh, the herbal oh, tea is here. Uh, I got another text from 505 saying, to be honest, Ivy is a complete degenerate, period. I imagine him being the next TJ Cloutier eventually. Mm. Well, I, I see, I don't imagine that happening. I don't, yeah, I just... Because a few reasons. First of all, he's a... Much better overall player than TJ Cloutier, and <laughs> but, but but second, uh, you know Ivy has pretty much an infinite uh, bankroll, and in that even if he goes bust, he'll always have people who will feel confident staking him, right. and then he'll get, you know he'll keep winning, getting back on his feet, and uh, and I also think that uh, he's a degenerate in that. When he has money, then he wants to gamble like ridiculous sums of money on things where he shouldn't sometimes. Uh, but however, at the same time, he, he does attempt to do smarter things like that. I mean, it, it ended up not working out for him, but that uh, advantage play he was doing with the Baccarat and the Punto Banco, that was uh, something he was doing to to make money. He wasn't just uh, he wasn't only gambling like on uh, sports bets and, and uh, negative EV blackjack that was... Uh, Beating him, and and I think he's also toned some of that down since uh, he doesn't have the full tilt money coming in at a million a month like he used to. That'll that'll put a damper on your lifestyle. But I, I I've told this story before. Macon Mark, who used to be part of this community, took a job at one point uh, at po- with Poker News covering the World Series, and 
in 2008, Ivy bet $2 million on a single basketball game on the Lakers. And of all things, he entered a $1,500 limit hold'em tournament at the World Series that day while that game was going on. <laughs> so, so first of all, he he bribed or pressured the floor men in changing into changing one of the tournament clocks into that game, which was an NBA Finals game. So that was the excuse of why it's on there is to watch the NBA Finals, not because Ivy's making them do it. Sure. So, so they put this on, and then the Lakers just did horrible and. You know, most of the time we're uh, we're way down, and it was looking like the game's a disaster. So Ivy was in a terrible mood because he bet two million bucks on the game, and uh, in the meantime, he's he's just getting more and more pissed as he's watching this. And Macon Mark tries to go behind him and count his chips, and Ivy snaps at him. He goes, "Will you get off my back, man?" I'm trying, like, I'm trying to, to play this tournament here, and you're getting right behind me and just, just looking at my chips every second. Just fucking leave me alone. <laughs> and Mark's like, whoa, I'm just here to look at you. I'm just counting your chips. Mike just kind of quickly scurried away. Oh, man. But uh, yeah, it was all because he was losing that game, and he, he lost it. He lost it and $2 million out the window. And uh, mm. he bid on some other games where he was buying courtside seats and sitting them as he bet millions of dollars in the game. And then there's also the infamous uh, $6 million blackjack session at the Bellagio where he lost that in at playing blackjack in one night. And uh, that story got out. So he, he was doing things like that, but that was when he had a million a month coming in. And when that stopped, the you know, he I've, I've heard he hasn't gambled to that extent anymore. At least, uh, well, how how can he? Yeah, he can't. And uh, but even if he goes broke, like there were probably times that he actually did go cash broke. But there was always people who would uh, who would loan him money, and you know, and he's still winning playing poker. So there's that. It's not even like a losing player who has to get a lucky tournament score to get back on his feet, or even like an Eric Lindgren type who, you know, would probably win overall. But uh, but has got himself in such a hole that he really needs. Uh... Yeah, whatever. What fucking happened with Eric Lingwood? You mean since, since... I, I haven't heard shit about that guy. Well, he 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 got deep in a few tournaments after all this happened, and I. But I think... did, didn't he have some huge like bankruptcy, and he he yeah, still he owes people millions? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard he paid some after his recent tournament scores of last year, or I think it was last year when he had the scores. But he still owes money, yeah. And he had the bankruptcy and all that. He's still with, he's still with his wife, and and uh, that's pretty amazing. I mean, she's, that she's sticking with him because yeah. I, I mean, they're well, they have a kid together now too. So I, I'm, I'm assuming he's got money stashed somewhere because how, how do you? I, I don't know how he makes a living doing anything that he can come even close to paying that stuff back. Yeah, it's like a, how is it even possible? Yeah, you know? Know? Well, they had, they had a, an expensive wedding even while this was going on. So, well, yeah, fucking Ray Batar <laughs> style, right? But, <laughs> but, but Eric Lindgren's a little bit different, you know. Like I don't, he obviously didn't make out with the kind of money that Batar did. No, 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 he didn't. No, he, he no, Eric Lindgren was just getting like like Ivy. He he wasn't on the board like Batar. He was just getting right. money uh, paid out every month like Ivy was. Not as I think he was getting like two fifty a month. So he, you and I know. That kids are expensive. How do you, when you 
don't really have any skills other than failed sports betting and playing poker, and you have millions upon millions in debt and a kid, how how the fuck do you do that? Like, well, how I, do you make that work? He probably still plays uh, under some backing deal, and you know, if he if he wins something very big, then he pays some people he owes, and if he wins small, then he just keeps it. That's my guess. But how does he even have money to do anything? No, he's probably backed. He's probably backed, uh, and and I don't know. And, maybe, he, and he gets living expenses out of that. Who knows? I didn't. Maybe Erica has money. Maybe her, maybe her parents are paying something. Maybe his parents are paying. I don't know. Well, she was working as an ambassador at the, at uh, what was it, the Venetian, or yeah, where was it? Yeah. But that's gone now, yeah, right? That was gone. So what the hell is she doing? Is she like know. a cocktail waitress somewhere? Well, she's probably taking care of the kid now. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean... <laughs> no, I, always, I, I wonder sometimes of these people. I also wonder sometimes of these poker players who just kind of disappear from the scene, uh, what they're doing after that. Right. Uh, and not not even like the ones who just make a ton of money and say, okay, I have enough, goodbye. Or, or the ones necessarily who get some kind of job in another profession and just quit poker. I'm, I'm talking about the ones that seem to really have no other option to make any decent money aside from right. poker and then just vanish from poker and you go, okay, what are they doing? Then? <laughs> well, <laughs> we're, it's we're, one, uh, it's one thing to not have any options and you go, you know, work at home Depot or whatever. But when you have that kind of debt over your head, I mean, I guess you just forget about it because you're just never going to be able to do anything with it. Right. Or doesn't he owe the IRS a ton of money? Too? Yeah, he does. What he does. Well, he, he does play some of these bigger tournaments though. So, if he gets enough of these scores, like you know, some of these scores he had recently since this all started. All right, I'm he, looking I, him up. I, I have heard. Point. I have heard that he's paid some back. All right, I'm going to take a look on the Hendon mob here and see what we can find. Lindgren, right? E R I C K. There he yeah. is. All right. Pages found. Wow, they really fucked up this site. <laughs> No, like the Hennon mob used to actually be really good. I know. I can't even. I just Google. I don't even try to search for their site because it's all messed up. I found the same no. thing. Like I had a hard time. No, notes. like I can't even. I, you used to be able to look at like all of their scores. And I don't even see how to do that now. What the fuck did they do? Well, okay. But in the last. Yeah, I'm scrolling down what he's had recently. Um or anything i can't even find what he has yeah recently. well here, here here's an example here you have you have your answer he, he's playing he played the world series of poker circuit on february 24th of this year of uh 1675 buy-in placed 49th got a 44 51 dollar prize uh t- two months before that he played the, the la poker classic 1650 no limit right, i finally found it third third place uh 12,540 so like you know he's playing Four-figure buy-in type events, low four-figure buy-in for the most part, and uh, probably backed by someone. He, he did have a his, six- his last substantial score was in June of 2015 for 193k. Yeah, though he got 62k in in July of 2016. Yeah, I guess. I mean, yeah, you're right. But right. I mean, still, I, I look at these numbers and I say, all right, well. Maybe he's got like twenty percent of himself or something. But also, yeah, you wonder if there's makeup because like these are the ones he's cashing in. But who, there's there's, right. there's big gaps here. Maybe he's he's bricking for a while. 
Oh, I'm sure he's bricking look, look, for a look, while. Look, look between July and February. There's nothing. So, so what happened in those months? Like, was he not playing for seven months, or was he actually just losing every every time? Well, he probably was playing tournaments and probably also cash game, I guess. But I mean, that's got to be that's that's a rough fucking life, man. I mean, he he went from being on the top of the world to the, this guy. I mean, in, unless there's something I don't know, and maybe there is, but he he's he, he can't be having a good time. No, you know? no, got, I'm sure he's not. Yeah, that's uh, well. This is what happens. Uh, the full tilt money really, I think, screwed up some of these people because they got used to so much coming in, and and, right. they, and some of them just so stupidly believed it's just going to be forever. And uh, yeah, but Druff, I mean, you know, it, it's <laughs> that's just a personal failing, though, because. There are lots of people that have had good money coming in, and what they do is they save some of it. I know that's what I'm saying. I'm saying if I was in Lindgren's position at that time, and I had two fifty thousand a month coming in, just for for doing nothing, and I'd say, okay, this is great, and I'm going to just keep saving it. And I know one day this might be over, but hopefully, I'll have accumulated millions from this at that point, and it'll be great. And right. uh, in fact, uh, Haralabob said, you know, when Lindgren owed him all that money, he said the really annoying thing was that. Lindgren just kept crazily gambling, and all he had to do was just sit there for a year, and he could have paid the debt. He could have just sat and done nothing for a year and paid off the debt. Yep. But but he couldn't do it. So he's, that's the worst part. He could have just sat and done nothing, and then it would have all been fixed. How many times but, can you solve a massive debt problem just by sitting and doing nothing? Yeah, but, I mean, can you imagine you have that kind of money coming in, and he's got to think back, like, if I put – 10% of this away away, and I spent like 10% less on sports bets that went nowhere. I mean, guess what? He probably would be living really well right now. Yeah. You know? Well, I think they live in, in a, a nice area. Last, last I heard. I mean, is it a situation where they their house is like the one thing that they have? Kind of like Alan Boston had at one point? Well, they could, they could be renting too. I don't know. It's uh or there could be money for the family. You, you never know with these situations. There's, there's so many time, times in poker that you don't even understand where the money's coming from or either, even the broke people, how they're able to live a certain way. Right. There's a lot, a lot of stuff like that. There's a lot of different stories behind all of it. So I guess that's it. I got through the, the program. Still did a show for over uh, over four hours. Not bad. And uh, when is the next one is the question. And that is an answer I don't have. Uh, we could, might be able to do it on Wednesday. It's only five days from now. We may not have that much to talk about. But uh, maybe we'll do Thursday. Then go back I'm to sure there will be plenty. So we'll make an announcement whether it will be on Wednesday, which would be the uh, the 26th, or Thursday the 27th. But there should be, unless unless somehow I get sick again and then can't do the show. And other than that, we should return after that to the regular schedule. The, the first event I'm playing at the World Series is on June 12th, so we have a while till then. If you want to buy a piece of me, dandruff at pokerfraudler.com or PM me Dan Space Druff on the forum or text me 775 372 8355, and we will arrange for your payment, and 
hope this will be a big year for me at the World Series. Hopefully the cards fall the right way. Why does this song sound different than normal? It sounds different to me. It sounds distorted. It does. What's the problem here? Oh, I know what this is. Background noise on Skype. Trader Ruski. That might have been me. Okay, I think just, I dozed off for a part this, of this, it. This, <laughs> this thing I had. You're just distorting the, the, the end song here. Oh, my God. It's hilarious. Okay. There we go. I, I know what this song sounds like. I've heard it so many times. Anyway. I don't have any uh, vacations planned for a while. In fact, I have no vacations planned. I, I don't have any vacations at the moment that I know of that I'm taking. Yes, you do. It's every day, isn't it? No, come on. <laughs> well, uh, I actually have to wake up early in the morning, so I'm, I'm glad we're not doing this until 4 a.m. I actually have to wake up early, despite being sick. I basically have to wake up whenever Benjamin wakes up tomorrow, because his mom's not going to be here. So... Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you for having the patience with the beginning of the show when we had our little sound issues. And that is it. We shall be back. Thank you, Calwatt. Thank you, Trey Daruski, for being part of the show once again. Thanks, guys. Good night. And shalom, everybody. Shalom.